Warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 239. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, this is Mike Sapsik from AMC's Comic Book Man, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right, yes. Uh, episode 239. This is uh, one week away from our Ant-Man review, Jake. Oh man, it's just one big summer movie after another this year. It feels I like I guess that's the way of the future now. Ant Man and the Wasp coming out next week. Yeah, it is the way of the future. All these new movies coming out, and December's becoming quite the quite the month too. I'll tell you. Yeah, you're right. It's not just. It used to be like all the Oscar fair would come out in December, and now Star Wars has kind of ushered in just lots and lots of blockbuster movies too like uh, corny action movies don't 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 you dare credit star wars for december's blockbusters don't you dare sir that is that is avatar city sir oh yeah yeah <laughs> avatar if you want to get technical they were the ones that ushered in the big december blockbuster <laughs> yeah that's true it was more of a longevity issue for avatar though right than it was like because Force Awakens beat like their opening weekend numbers. Uh, as far as domestic box office, I know. I, I, I'm not sure. I know. I can't. I, I don't know if I can speak to that. As far as domestic, I, I'm saying I would guess yes. But internationally, uh, Avatar did. I think internationally, Avatar did beat Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of the Cameron way, though. The way I always think about it with his records, like with both Titanic and Avatar, like the longevity and just being able to be in the the theater for as long as those movies were really helped, you know, bolster those numbers. Yeah, Avatar was in the IMAX for a long time. It really was. It was in the in the theaters, and I know uh, it was a huge hit in China. Like, you know, the 3D theaters there are huge. So. Anyway, I'm done talking about Avatar. Uh, we are joined by two guests this week. Uh, we, uh, welcome back. Steve Miller from the Space Boy, uh, Space Boy, the Space Boy podcast. <laughs> the Space Cowboy podcast. 
<laughs> What's going on? Glad to be back. Welcome back, Finally. Space Boy. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I saw you at C2E2. I, I talked to you for a little bit. I said I always wanted to have you back on, and uh, yeah. that, that day has come. Yes, it's finally ar- upon us. It is, and yes. for for Sicario too. Sicario too. Yes. Yeah. I cannot wait to talk about that one. Uh, and uh, welcome back, June. Hey, how are you guys? I'm not talking about the month. I'm talking about the listener. Yep. Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty rude if you were talking about the month. It's like the last day, and now you're welcoming it back. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, June. It's like I've totally just disregarded it the previous 29 days. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little, little <laughs> late to the party there, Brian. <laughs> Hopefully you're not as yeah. shitty to July. Uh, f- no, fuck July. I'm not even going to give it the time of day. <laughs> I don't even consider July. And, oh, I'm born in July. Well, shit, that 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 was a factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um, yeah. Did anybody else watch the toys that made us the second part? No. Uh, no. I watched about half of the Star Trek episode and then have not gone back to it. Yeah, I have not. Oh, okay. I watched it. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, just part of the fun is just finding out about these toys and the backstories that you don't know about. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, they, Jake, somebody needs to make a documentary called The Toys That Fucked Us about, like, <laughs> sex toys, right? And the stories behind the sex toys, right? Like, can you imagine, like, the people that work in the sex toy industry, how crazy and eccentric and weird they must be? And to hear the backstories of, like, how they're like, you know, I don't know. Give me a whole special on anal beads. Give me the history, man. Take me back to the 16th century when people were shoving pebbles in their asses. <laughs> you know, get, take me, I mean, take me down that journey. That's, I want these stories, Jake. I'm sure that they're, like, the double, who is the guy, like, that, that invented the, uh, the double dildo? You know what I mean? It's got the, uh, teeter-totter action, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what inspired George Lucas to give us the dual-sided lightsaber, but. <laughs> On the flip side, like, what's the story there? You know what I mean? I um, I was a little bit surprised. Um, when you first brought up the idea, I was thinking like, oh, like mousetrap, but you were being completely literal. No, you, no, you the actual toys that Act- fucked us. Actual toys that fucked us. I'm not talking about like toys that like once you get them they break or, you know what I mean? I remember when I bought my my parents bought my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I popped their arms off because they were cutting each other's limbs off. And I can't, I couldn't get the arms back on. So I had a bunch of armless <laughs> turtles. <laughs> it sucked. Uh, it sucked. Yeah, you can't get them back on once they popped off. Like, I'm sure, like, I could have had my dad put it in a vice grip and snap them back on. But I was just not strong enough at the, at the age of 11 or 12 or whatever it was to do it, to do it. Yeah, I, Ninja Turtles were incredibly hard to just, like, He-Man, you could just, like, pop, like interchange their arms practically after a moment, but yeah. Turtles were really rigid with it. Yeah. Uh, one of my, one of my, uh, my sister had, like, the Barbie dolls, and, uh, one of them got, like, one of our dogs growing up, I think it was, uh, Sparky, our dog Sparky, got a hold of Malibu Barbie and just chewed the fuck out of her hand. But my sister, she just, she kind of incorporated that into her stories about how her hand was like mangled in a, in a factory accident. And that was part of the character's story from that, that point forward, Jay. That's pretty awesome, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, I've spoken before how I did the same thing with like Dengar from Star Wars because when I was that young, I just thought it was a bandaged up guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, the toys that fucked us. I think that would be a fun, uh, fun documentary to watch. I don't, I don't, it's a little, I don't like the title. Oh. I get trying to mimic. The, the other show but yeah. it, it's depressing it makes it seem like you're just totally done with toys no it, no as soon as you watch the first teaser trailer and like you see i don't know you see <laughs> i don't like the whole past tense of it all yeah it'd be like strap in for some fucked up backstories on yeah. sex toys what do, what, do, what, do, what do you want the, the toys that, that are fucking us like do you want this i mean <laughs> yes yeah it's already gotten better i think the toys that are fucking us no, no, the toys that fucked us, man. It's a, it's a it's a trip back. It's a look back on the. How about just the toys that fuck us? On the toys that pleasure us. You know, you're, just you're, knock no, out the ED. No, you're you're playing the toys that fuck us. No, the the toys that made us is also past tense, and this is the toys that fucked us. <laughs> but th- those toys I can't get anymore, so the past tense is like warranted, you know. I guess I, I. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't think we really need to have like a boardroom meeting about this right now. Maybe we can. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to workshop the title. I think it's a great idea, but the title was a little bit on the depressing side for me. Okay. Yeah, we'll get a focus group in there, Jake, and we'll figure it out. All right, buddy. It'll be okay. All right. Cool. Cool. One way somebody's getting fucked with some toys. Okay, buddy. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> That's all I was concerned about. I know. Yeah. I know. It sounded so absolutely over. I was no, like, oh, man. Trust me. Plastic and silicone will be going in and out of orifices, and everyone will be happy. So, all right. Move it along. Let's jump into our iTunes review <laughs> section. <laughs> if I can find... There we are. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck Cause we really love to hear Just how much we suck Guys, Chris Dumont And your host is a jerk I'm an opinionated asshole Whose dick don't work Yada yada blah blah Fuck you too These are iTunes reviews Alright, Jake Gotta address something Uh-oh, what's up? People that, you know, I get it. Like, you know, we get on here, we read your iTunes reviews. It's this, it's this moment. Oh my God, they read my thing. Oh my God. And then people change their iTunes reviews so they can get more airtime or, or, or they didn't like their original iTunes review or whatever the case may be. We got two of them this week that did this, Jake. Oh man, how do you even like, I guess this is behind the scenes stuff. Never mind. Oh how no. How do you even know? Do you get alerted? Do I get alerted? Yeah, like, how, like, are you that diligent looking at the iTunes yeah. reviews that you know when some? No, I get, I get, I got, wad? I got a call from Mister iTunes himself, and he's like, <laughs> "Hey, Brian, I just want, <laughs> want to let you know that so and so they uh, they revised the iTunes." And I'm like, all right, thank you. Is this is do you office offer this service to everyone, or am I the only one getting these phone calls, buddy? It's weird, but no, I. uh I checked the iTunes reviews um, on the day of recording, and uh, you know I remember the iTunes reviewers that do this because I usually snap pictures on my phone, and that's how I read them off. And um, so, yeah, people are changing them. I, I, you know what? I, I this is what I'll do. If you do it, if you do it, I I will read the second one 
if you do it again after this, if it becomes like a like a normal thing where you're just like, oh, I'm gonna revise it again and make another one, I'm done. I'm not reading it. I don't care what it says. I don't. I don't care what it, Jake. I don't care if it's a cry for help. No, I like it. I like it. Baseball rules. Third strike, you're out. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we've got a theater around here that before they play a movie, it's the it's the local Avon Theater. It's kind of like the historical theater around here, one of these old theaters. They play a video before the before the movie, and it says, put your phone away. If we see the light from your phone or any noises from your phone or anything, uh, two strikes, you're out. So they'll, they'll ask you to turn it off on the first one, and then on the second one, you're out. You're banned for lifetime. Wow, lifetime. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's sure a we don't awesome. have that power to like strike the iTunes review completely from our page, huh? Oh, I know. Yeah. Don't have that power. But you know, yeah, I'm not gonna read it on the third one. So you can do whatever you want to. I'm just not gonna read it on the third one. It's getting getting a little ridiculous here, people. I hate to be that guy, Jake. I hate to be that guy. But it's it's monopolizing the time. No, at this point, I, it's a little bit selfish. Like, if they're not changing their star rating, at least, like, I know a few of them have just changed the wording and not even the star rating. Like, that, that's selfish. You had your moment on PCL. You don't need to revise your review to get another moment. Let other listeners have their moment. Exactly. Let them have their PCL moment. All right. This one comes from, uh, again, this one comes again from T'Challa70. It's uh, titled, These Sniff Guys. Previously, I had used this space to talk a lot of good-natured junk about the host of PCL. This was the, uh, I think this was the pecan hubba bubba dude. <laughs> okay, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, after hearing their sincere discussion of Mr. Rogers, my Grinch's heart grew three sizes. As a fifth-grade teacher, I was touched to see it and now slightly regret my comments. I love you guys, even Frank. Incredibles 2 is a Tupperware, though. So, yeah, that comes from T'Challa70. Yeah, I, I stick with my rating of the Incredibles 2. I'm glad some people are loving it. Just didn't capture the magic for me. But uh, yeah, this guy, this guy's basically using the whole form yeah. of the iTunes review in exactly the wrong way, right? Totally. Like everything he said there is that's that's what you email a podcast. Yeah, we don't read those though hardly anymore, do we? Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, we read them. Yeah, I'm getting the emails, people, and I do appreciate them. I really do, and I read them, and I do appreciate them. All right, yeah, just 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 chill out on the on the revising of the iTunes, uh, or if you do it, just like update it so you can keep your original review in there. Because like he totally deleted the previous hubba bubba bullshit. I mean, yeah, we're gonna embarrass you a little bit when when, when sometimes when you have a stupid iTunes review, but just keep the original one up there, and just like I don't know. Type in something else. I won't read it, but anyway. Uh, let's see here. This one's titled, Gets Me Through the Day, and it's by Darth Crabgrass. It's a five-star, and uh, it goes on to say, Listening to long shows help me ignore customers and keeps me from going mad from listening to the voices in my head. Keep up the great shows. That comes from Darth Crabgrass. I like it. Shortened to the point. Shorten. No need to revise. No need to revise. No revisions necessary, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one comes from uh angry redhead and it's titled sail barge and it's a five star and it goes on to say i absolutely love this podcast the in-depth and raw reviews of everything pop culture is really second to none even more than that i recently joined the leftover army on facebook and was blown away by this community 
Recently, I donated to help a fellow Army member in a tough time fix his car. Shout out to Dan West for putting that together. It's just really refreshing to see a community willing to help each other out in tough times. My only knock on you guys is that I single-handedly blame you for Hasbro reaching their 5,000 sales mark for that monstrosity of a sail barge. Forget the trolls. Forget the... What? Forget the... Bitches who cry for advertised con... He put continent. (laughs) I I know what you mean, buddy. Advertised content. Keep up the good work. Love you guys, Bruce. Don't revise that, Bruce. Keep it continent. All right? (laughs) Sometimes you just get fucked by your auto word, right? We've all been there. We all know how to spell these things and what we mean. And then good old auto word takes over and makes you look like a moron. This guy was binging old Carmen Sandiego shows. And he just, <laughs> he, he was thinking about all the, the different continents. Do you think, would Carmen San Diego play to a, would play to kids today, Jake? Would kids give a fuck about, uh, uh where she is? No. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would play at all. No. It was the popularity of like the dawning of video games basically that really helped propel that show, right? Yeah. That's true. You know, I, I, and you know, we, we won't have Rockapella. You know who would, it, I think it'd be cool if we did have like one final episode and they found her and it was Dora the Explorer that found her. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I hope they find her and it is Dora the Explorer this whole time. Wouldn't that be crazy if they, okay, like they find her and she's dead. She's been murdered. And it's like, who, now the new show is, who murdered Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego's murderer? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a new, like, Law and Order spinoff. They yeah, did they ever make a, they made like a cartoon, right? They never made like a serious live action Carmen Sandiego thing. I think that they were talking about it at one time or bringing the show back or something like that. I don't know. I remember, I don't remember that you had the chief and at the beginning she was like all yelling at you, like, find this bitch. And then, uh, <laughs> and then kids would try to answer questions and like, uh, the kids were better on this show than the kids on Mr. Wizard. I hated those fucking pompous Poindexter fucks. On Mr. Wizard. Oh man, <laughs> Mr. Wizard has way much more uh, rewatchability though. Like if you if you watch some of that on YouTube, it's yeah. those kids. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's very true. What was that? What was that? Like the one kid that used to drive me nuts. I don't know. He was probably allergic to nuts. Fucking nerdy looking shit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's hey, let's put something. Let's power something with a potato, Charlie. <laughs> Why, Mister Wizard? All right, what the fuck are we even talking about? Um, this one, this show is stupid, Jake. We are, we, we, this episode or the the entirety of the show? I'm leaning towards the uh, ladder there. Um, this one is, uh, by Foverfield. Yeah, it's titled, Do It Awesome! Two exclamation points. I'm happy there's not one. Would have been happier had there been three, but I'll take the two. It goes on to say, I'm fairly new to your podcast. I jumped aboard during the Ready Player One episode, and I've been stowed away ever since. Stowed away? What, like, did he, like, lock himself in a trunk or something? Yeah, he, yeah, he's in my trunk. Okay. No, they jumped aboard as in, like... Oh, yeah, he went, he's on a ship now. Yeah. Yeah, he stowed himself away on, like, a on a fisherman's ship. 
He's like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that's what he's trying to use that metaphor. So this, the the, the sail barge review and this view, review kind of like merged into. <laughs> wow, <laughs> nice pickup. He's I on think, the SSPCL. Yeah, SSPCL. <laughs> I think he meant to say he's been blown away, but he's been stowed away ever since. Apparently, he's. Uh, Lost to the world. He is the Carmen San Diego. <laughs> uh, your, your humor is right in line with mine. Uh, I used to listen to many different podcasts during my commutes back and forth from work, but thanks to you, I am down to one. Crack a beer for me when you read this and tell Jake to quit crying about the post credit scenes. They are not going anywhere anytime soon. You guys really all. <laughs> I know. You guys really do do it awesome. And that comes from Foverfield. Coverfield? <laughs> Foverfield. Oh, hey. Who's barking? Sorry, that's my dog. Hang on. Oh, have him stop being a dog. <laughs> it's just started it just started raining like all of a sudden uh, and he was sleeping and i think the rain freaked like the sound of the rain freaked him out so we're good that and old people get frightened by that right yeah dogs and old people rain oh shit you know they hit the life alert button yeah <laughs> lots of fireworks this time of year too for the dogs unfortunately oh man yeah my my dog benny used to just Oh, he hated fireworks. I'd be up all night with him, just rocking him back and forth. They need Aww. to. Oh, he hated it. He really hated the fireworks. So this year it's going to be weird hearing him and not having him jump up on the couch or the bed with me and want, and licking my face and stuff. So. Yeah, I miss you, buddy. Um, this one comes from uh, W3BBA1101 or Weba1101. I don't know. Either or. Uh, it's uh, titled Ages Like Fine Wine. It's a five star. And Jake, are we just blowing each other right now with these iTunes reviews? <laughs> uh, I mean, if that's what's going on, it's going to take a long time for me to come. This is a big suck fest here, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, a little bit. A yeah, little bit. No one star reviews. So. No one star Yeah, this is just total wall to wall fellatio, squirt, squirt. Um. <laughs> This one goes on to say, unlike Screech from Saved by the Bell, I like this guy already. Any Screech reference on this uh, on this episode makes me happy. Dustin Diamond's a fucking lunatic, but man, I, I like this review already. I'm a big fan of Saved by the Bell. Jake, if I could do another, if I ever did on other podcasts, I think it'd be a recap of every episode of Saved. I know they already already do this, but a recap of Saved by the Bell or uh, or Family Matters. All of Family Matters is on Hulu, Jake. Oh, that's awesome. You, yeah. yeah, they just added all that TGIF stuff like six months ago. I, I haven't know. checked any of it out yet. I know. Now, would that include the college years? Yes, it does. And it includes right. the wedding episode. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and their, um, their Hawaiian episodes. It wasn't yeah. that Hawaiian. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I think yeah. they went to Hawaii. Yeah, or there was like, yeah. Saved by the Bell goes Hawaiian or something like that. <laughs> that season was terrible. They're on like a beach that's in a soundstage. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh it was Stacy Crosey and her uh Oh Leah Remini. Yeah, Leah Remini. She was on that show, you know. And then uh, oh my god, her dad was just like the typical I don't know. Trying to, like he ended he looks like Kevin James and then she ended up married to him on King of Queens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kind of weird. <laughs> this is weird. I don't know. Uh, unlike Screech from Saved by the Bell or Macaulay Culkin, 
He put Macaulay caulking, like 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 <laughs> caulk, like like he's sealing something, <laughs> making it airtight. Yeah, he spelled it wrong there, buddy. Don't change it, people. Don't change these. These are beautiful. I want people to go be able to go back and read your fuck ups. These are fantastic. <laughs> Macaulay caulking. That would be great if like like uh, Macaulay Culkin did like a home improvement show. Welcome to Macaulay caulking. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, now now I'm completely on on page with you with that name uh the, <laughs> that he was, has a podcast i know kind of terrible i've listened to it's it. super terrible yeah. no, he, what does he talk about they talk about random shit but his co-host spends more time trying to talk over him and it's just it's a clusterfuck of everybody trying to talk over each other and i i can't do that huh it makes it, it makes my head just like explode <laughs> Yeah, I, I got introduced to it because he was in some like indie wrestling thing and did his home alone shtick in an indie wrestling match and then like that was leading to some podcast and I listened to it and it was I made it about ten minutes in and I was like, Yeah, no. It was the co host too. The co host was super annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it was like I had it subscribed and then I just kept noticing that it kept piling up and I, I wasn't listening to him, so I finally just got rid of it. So um uh, Best idea. This podcast only gets better as time goes on. More like the Jennifer Anderson or Elvira of podcasts and has the personality and heart to match. After two plus years of listening and with their expansive knowledge slash suggestions of all things pop culture related, I can honestly say this has been a highlight of every week for me and will continue to be. And that comes from Web1101. Jake, we age like five lines, sir. Yeah, we're like Elvira. Yeah, she, yeah, we show a we show a ton of cleave, ton of cleavage on that woman, <laughs> a lot, I just mean, like us. Who's knocking in? Who's knocking into the mic? That's not me. I don't have a mic to knock into. Sounds like somebody's playing with building blocks or something. No, I was trying to turn the sound off. I was opening a beer. So, oh, hey, I'm not going to knock you for opening a beer. I d- okay. <laughs> uh, next one comes from Squirt in Dirt, um, and it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's titled sup and uh, it's a five star i deliver mail for a living and it's boring this helps keep it up peace (laughs) oh man that's one of my favorite reviews in years that's great (laughs) love it that's a good one Uh, yeah never revise that i'll be i'll be pissed if he revises that do not revise that here's one that's been revised remember horror for thor Yes. Yeah. What was his? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the original one, but he's basically pleading with us. Um, It's titled Stormbreaker That Ass. Uh, Please bring back F. Mary Kill, Thor, Rocket, and Thanos. Jake, do we entertain this or do we just say no? Again, it's like I was saying with the earlier one. It's like he's using the the platform completely wrong. I know. This is not this is not a little game. Horror is a serious business. <laughs> I feel it. You know, it's like I, he's stepping into the principal's office right now. We're having a chat. We're having a little sit down, a little powwow. All right. And, uh, yeah, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So. Yeah, we're not, we're not answering this. Really? You're not? No. <laughs> I can't, I, don't, I can't do it, man. It's. He changed. If it would have been his first iTunes review, even then it would have been very sketchy. But to revise it to ask an F Mary kill, no. 
All right, yeah, I'm uh, I'm killing Horf with Thor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll, I'll go that far. <laughs> Shut down. Uh, next one. Sorry, Horf with Thor. This is not the this is not the platform. All right, buddy. All right. Send that in a in an email that will be ignored. All right. <laughs> I'm doing everyone favors here. Next one is titled Hazy Shade of Winter. It's a five star and it's by Rue1226. I've been listening to this podcast since episode 95, the Jurassic World episode. So it's fitting that I finally get around to writing a review now after the Fallen Kingdom episode. I was looking for a podcast that discussed movies, TV shows, etc. And Brian and Jake do just that. That's about it'd be great. <laughs> and that's I would, that would be the best end. <laughs> <laughs> when it's like it, it just stopped right there. That's what we do. We don't do it well. Like there's nothing that elaborates on us doing a good job at doing it. It's just that's what we do, whether we do it well or not. <laughs> Uh, but he goes on to say, the vast amount of profanity is a bonus. Uh, this is the only podcast I can get my fiance to sit through. And it's great because it sparks pop culture conversations between us that we never had prior. Due to Brian's endorsement of MoviePass and his reviews of movies and shows that would never have been on my radar, I've gotten a movie pass and now go to everything I can. While watching movies, I find myself praying, uh, playing, playing, I can't even talk, praying, playing. It's paying Brian. Jesus Christ, he didn't type it in wrong. I'm just reading it wrong. Um, I find myself paying closer attention and looking into who was a part of creating them. Thank you guys for all the time and work you put into your podcast, exclamation point. I like it, Jake. Yeah, that was nice. It, it, it kind of scares me, though. I'm getting worried for you, Brian. Why? I, I don't want Movie Pass to, like, fucking snipe you. Snipe me? Why? Why? <laughs> <they're, laughs> Because they're all about not not having people see all these movies. I, I, get, I get worried that they're going to hear all this, like, endorsement of using so much movie pass. That, oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause they want to sell all the movie passes they can, but they, they want you to see one yeah, movie a month. Yeah, they – well, yeah, true. They, wanna, they want you to kind of forget about it. Yeah, they don't want to go deeper in debt. I think they're asking I – think, I think the parent company that bought it out – uh, I think they're called Helios and Mathis or Helios, Helios and Matheson. They're asking for like a $1.2 billion, like basically like a huge business loan, like a bailout, um, so that they can get to 5 million subscribers. It, they want all these subscribers because subscribers are worth something. So they're trying to figure out, I don't know, man, it's like, how can they sell that data? Yeah. And to what ends? Yeah. Yeah. They, they recently bought a uh, movie phone and I know movie phone is not like a thing that you call anymore, but they do have like their, um, the website and people are on movie phone and they do comment and they do have like little message boards and stuff like that. So they did buy movie phone just so that they can promote on there. And I don't know. They're trying to do everything that they can to stay afloat. It feels like everybody's kind of like we got. AMC has their A-list where you can watch three movies a week, whether they be IMAX, 3D, whatever, for nineteen ninety-five a month. And I think Alamo Drafthouse is starting their own movie kind of pass, and then Cinemia is already doing one here. Cinemia is like I think the movie pass version over in the UK, but they've kind of got like a little bit of business here in the US. Not many people are doing the Cinemia route, but uh Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. They changed the industry. I mean you can see it just like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. My local theater chain is too cheap to do that. Oh yeah, to do like a pass thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, that is all the iTunes reviews. How? Thirty fucking minutes. Yeah, I, I get it, people. I understand. I feel your fucking pain. It takes us thirty minutes to get to like the actual show. I get it. I'd be pissed too. But you know what? You didn't pay for this podcast, so chill the fuck out. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Timestamp, Brian. <laughs> Work with a timestamp, buddy. Um, guys, I can't believe somebody asked you guys for that. I know. Oh man, yeah. It'd be we'd be a, we'd be the best podcast. No, even if we, ha- it's not like timestamps are going to put us over the top, Jake. <laughs> the only it's thing all, it's all we're missing. I, I yeah. keep trying to tell you, it's the one thing holding us back. I know. Like, yeah. I know. If it wasn't for if it just was for the timestamps, we would just be we would be on Joe Rogan's level. It's like. Right up there, right up there with the master. Oh my! Exactly. I've been listening to the Joe, Ted Nugent Joe Rogan episode that just came out. Uh, Ted Nugent, kind of a lunatic. <laughs> kind of, you, you think? I know, guys. I've always thought he's a lunatic. I just wanted that was oh. comedic delivery there. Um, yeah, lunatic. Oh my god! Just oh. Joe can't get a word in edgewise. It's crazy. They've been talking about bow hunting. I think for forty fucking minutes, oh. and I literally want to pull back a bow and blow my fucking brain out. It's like, oh my god. All right. Anyway, I'm but, surprised that guy doesn't have his own podcast. A Ted Nugent. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He he needs that outlet, doesn't he? Nobody's yeah. gonna listen to forty hour episodes of just him talking. Oh, they could they could split it <laughs> up into forty I think episodes. Some people would. Yeah, I guess my stepdad used to watch whatever hunting crap show was on TV years ago that he was in. I think he should come out with his own candy bar, and it should be nougat, <laughs> nougat only. It should be the nougat, Ted nougat, the the Ted nougat. Yes, it's the Ted nougat Nugent candy bar. And it and it's kind yes. of like, but Milky Way kind of gets pissed off at them, right? So Ted Nugent says, "You know what? We're not using milk chocolate. We're using white chocolate. It's a white chocolate with nougat filling, <laughs> and it's the Ted Nugent. It's the Ted Nougat. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd like that." Yeah, that sounds horrible, actually. Because <laughs> well, I'm like thinking of like a Snickers bar with white chocolate. And, uh, I yeah. do like the. Uh, I'm a big fan of the white chocolate Kit Kat bars. Yeah, I think it works really well with Twix. Twix is good as well. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Twix yeah. is the only candy with the cookie crunch. I will tell you that much, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty basic, and I like the Hershey's cookies and cream. Uh, oh, those are fucking delicious too. My favorite, uh, actually, my favorite is uh, the uh, chocolate Charleston chew with the vanilla center. Ooh, oh, oh man, I haven't had a Charleston chew in forever. Oh, they're so good, Charleston chew. It's it's just it's it's the gift that keeps on giving to your mouth. It, <laughs> that is really dirty. Hey guys, let's uh, move on into uh, good pop, bad pop. <laughs> For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. My mom has been getting into horror movies here recently. It's weird. Like, she, uh, 
text me just now. Did you see the purge with Ethan Hawke? <laughs> the first one? Yeah, the first one. She just watched Unsane, uh, the Steven Soderbergh thriller horror movie. And, and, cause I had told her about it and I'm like, yeah, mom, it's really good. And it's shot all on an iPhone 5S. And, and, uh, she watched it and she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, Brian, the language in this is horrible, but I love the movie. <laughs> And, 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 uh, that's my mom and, my mom and dad, I tell you, man, them with the language. It's a wonder that I curse the way I do. But, um, yeah, they, anytime they watch a movie, they'll always point out the language in it first. Like, oh my goodness, the language in it. But yeah, I liked it. They, uh, the, what is it? The three billboards movie. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. They shot a lot of that where my parents live now, um, in Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, so, you know, there's the restaurants out there where they actually film that, and my parents have gone there before and all this stuff. So I'm like, Mom, you can watch it if you want to, but you're going to hate the language, and I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> so do you have to, like, watch yourself then, like, whenever you are, like, hanging out with them for a long period oh, of time yeah. to not? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't curse around them. I, don't, I can't curse around my parents. I, I did it when I was a teenager just to fucking drive them crazy. Oh, but, yeah. But you know that's all. That's teenage angst and shit. You know, <laughs> you know, back when I'm listening to all my fucking Nine Inch Nails and Offspring shit, White <laughs> Zombie, and I remember the first time I fucking I tried to play Pantera in the car with my mother. She like, oh I, god, I think she got five seconds into uh, Mouth for War, and she was like, oh my god, turned nope. it off. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even get my mom to listen to Blink One Eighty Two. Oh wow. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, too heavy. I, I don't know. I, I I was kind of a fuck off kid. Like I just did whatever I wanted to do because like I was like that anti rebellious skateboarding kid. And yeah, so she just thought that the music I listened to had a big influence on me, and that was my favorite band growing up. And so yeah, that's that's just how it was. It's crazy. She she's wise to it now because my little brother listens to music that's far worse, and he just blares it in the car, and she just takes it. So. All right, I want to talk about Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, I'm going to start it off real quick. I'm going to say that Nailed It is back on Netflix, the uh, cooking show, the little baking show with Nicole Byers. I I love that show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just found out today. I knew it was coming back. Rebecca Daling, uh, she let me know that it was coming back. And then I I, I just, I'm you know, I'm I'm watching. Dude, I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately. I got a lot of Netflix stuff to talk about. Um, Watched a movie called Ibiza. I'm not going to talk about it, but... Look it up if you want to. Um, but uh, oh, we watched that the other day. Is that the one with? Um, she was in that show, Community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My husband had it on. He thought it was cute. I yeah. I I got to give it like a low taste. That uh, I got through it, but it, 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 I mean, I I don't know. It just I don't know. Just wasn't a big fan. Um, but nailed it's back. It's the uh, the baking show, um, and it's the show where regular people just try to recreate. You know, pastries and baked goods that are basically pieces of art. And, uh, you know, one of the challenges to recreate a unicorn cake that has a horn and one's a teapot cake. It's basically a, a floating teapot with the tea pouring onto the cake and, uh, like pizza pancakes and, uh, uh, like all these crazy designs of food and then these people try to recreate them and they usually turn out looking like Frankenstein's monster. This is, I love this show. Nicole Byers cracks me the fuck up. I'm two episodes in on the second season. There's 
six episodes plus a bonus seventh episode, which I don't know if is a full episode or just behind the scenes stuff. But Tupperware, the first two episodes, this is, I can't wait to finish it. I didn't even want to record tonight's show. I just wanted to plug through the rest of them. I wanted to say, fuck our audience. Fuck all this shit. But I'm, I'm here recording because I love this show. It's so fucking good. So nailed oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Hopefully, did do any of the guest judges from the previous six episodes make a return? Not, there was a lot of great. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, two new, both judges so far, fantastic. The first judge was absolutely hilarious. So, you know, new judges and everything. So it's, it's so far, but, uh, it's, it's been very, very good. Uh, I went and saw Pompoco. So it's the, um, it was, uh, the Ghibli Fest movie for June. And, uh, it's about a community of magical shape-shifting raccoon, uh, who struggle to prevent their forest home from being destroyed by urban development. Has anybody else seen this Miyazaki film? I have not. Nope. No. All right. Uh, yeah, I had never seen it before, and uh, going into this one, I did not know what to expect. A lot of people were talking about how great it was, and it was great. It's silly, but it has some really, really deep messages about wildlife and the environment. And the movie came out in 1994, and I, I can kind of see how this could have shaped some young people, like young minds back then, about treating wildlife with more respect and and. Um, you basically have these shape-shifting tanuki or raccoons that are um, using their powers of shape-shifting to scare away land developers and stop them from tearing down their forest, their home. And they they learn about us humans, they are their enemy, by setting up this TV. They come back with a TV and they start watching TV to learn about us. Then they're watching the news. Uh, they strategize ways to stop us. The first plan that they actually had was basically to drive humans off the road that were bringing supplies to the building sites and they were doing it they were scaring men off the road men were driving off the road some of the men died i think like five or six men died people are fucking dying in this movie um and then they just they changed their strategy after one of their leaders gets hurt, and then they just try to scare us. They they try to pretend that they're goblins or ghosts and try to scare us off, and, and basically so that they think the land is haunted and all this stuff. The movie takes place over years, many years, and you're introduced to new characters all the time, which is kind of confusing at sometimes. I, I would need to watch this a couple more times to kind of figure everything out, to be quite honest with you, because you're always being introduced to new characters and things constantly change. There's really weird Okay, trust me. Just hear me out. There is really weird scrotum stuff in this, and I'm not joking at all. Like, whoa, yeah. There's first off, you can see all of the the male raccoons. You can see their balls all the time. Like their balls are just hanging there, like these just two little mounds. These little raccoon balls. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like if they're standing there, you're just staring at raccoon <laughs> balls, and their balls are just hanging out and there's one scene where one of the like the tanuki masters is holding um a shape-shifting class with all the younger tanuki and he's talking about this mat that they're all standing on and 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 they're and and he's talking about how it's a special mat and then he reveals that it's his fucking stretched out scrotum I am not kidding. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I am not kidding you. 
Yes, I, this is one hundred percent in the movie. I am not kidding you at all. There's also a scene. It doesn't end there. There's also a scene oh God. where <laughs> there's a group of warrior Tanuki, and they're fighting against like soldiers, guards, and they blow their scrotums up to the size of like large beanbag chairs, <laughs> and they oh fall out of the sky. And they knock out human soldiers like a wrecking ball with their giant ball oh sacks. My God. This happens in the movie. And this is a, this is wow. A, yes, I loved this, it. This is, a, this is a kids movie. Yeah, I would say it's a kids movie. Yeah, it is. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad surprise attack, though. And no, it the isn't. Inflatable beanbag scrotum <laughs> from the sky trick. God, some people had some way better childhoods than I did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, it's a crazy movie. I absolutely loved it. Very imaginative. Uh, one of the wildest Miyazaki films I've ever seen. I think next month is Princess Mononoke in the theater. No, that'll be fun just to see again, huh? Yeah, I saw it in the theater last year, and I'm definitely going to go back and see it again. So, can't wait. Um, real quick, uh, I want to talk about this real quick. Controversial, uh, watch The Ranch Part 5 on Netflix, which I know this is very controversial right now. Um, and I'm not trying to make light of that at all uh, with the whole Danny Masterson allegations of rape and stuff like that. Here's I talked to Ashley uh, who I record Sweetwater Saloon with. We finished our last episode of Sweetwater Saloon, our Westworld podcast. We kind of talked about this off air. And I was like, yeah, I've been watching The Ranch Part 5. And we talked about it. And it's one of those things. I've watched it for four seasons now. Um, I do think Danny Masterson's a scumbag. But I don't think everybody involved in that show is a scumbag. Um, and there's people that work on that show that work very hard. Not just Not just the actors on the show, but... You know, people that are involved in the production and it, it's one of those things where I'm not supporting Danny Masterson. Um, and I actually think his character was the worst part of this season. And maybe without the allegations going into the season, I would have looked at his character differently. But like every time he's on fucking screen, I just wanted him to leave. And that's the God's yeah. honest. But I did watch this season. I, I, it's I don't know, Jake. I don't know. Everybody's got their everybody has the right like if somebody saw that part 5 came out and they're like I don't want to watch it because of Danny Masterson and I totally get it, Jake. I if I kept thinking to myself like what if I was like one of the victims here and to see his face on the screen and to have him listed as an executive producer would just really make me sick to my stomach. It really would and it'd be it'd be oh, hurt, for sure. it'd be hurtful and a slap in the face. I just had to kind of like come to the decision that I've watched it for four seasons. He has been released from the show and he won't be back again. And that there are other people that are involved in this project that have families. And like, this might be like a cameraman or, a, you know, um, anybody involved in the produ production, other producers and things like that, this might be their livelihood. And so, um, you know, I, 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 it's one of those things. I think yeah. that Netflix should have, ha Netflix should have just, Scrap should have rewritten the season, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be another season, though, right? Where yeah, they, yeah. Without Danny Masterson, yeah, they sent his character off. Like his character is, they they've kind of wrote the character off. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, 
I, I mean, that's I get it. If you've watched it for four seasons, it's going to continue on without you having to deal with that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I don't blame you for watching the link. Yeah, I was telling uh, you know I've told other people you know um, you know like I'll watch if I watch an old Kevin Spacey movie, it doesn't mean like I it doesn't mean that I support Nambla, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Baby Driver is still fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. Baby Driver's awesome. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, I mean, yeah, Seven. I mean, these are awesome movies. Uh, I don't support Kevin Spacey. I think he's a scumbag. Same thing with Danny Masterson. Masterson, I think he's a scumbag, and he's the worst part of this fucking season, to be quite honest with you. Um, so, but overall, I'll give the season a. I'll give it a high taste. It. Uh, it's not the best season though, and I think I think the Danny Masterson shit kind of kind of sucked a little bit of the fun out of the season, to be quite honest with you. And it's glad that he's. I'm glad that he's gone from the show, and it's going to be less of a distraction now. Yeah, he can fucking go the fuck away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I love Sam Elliott. You know, love uh, Ashton Kutcher's great in the show. Alicia Cuthbert's great in the show. So overall, it was it was pretty good. Um, let's see here. Let's. I'll move on to somebody else. Uh, Steve, what do you got? I know we got the one shared thing. We'll do that later. Um, really, lately I've just been kind of uh, rewatching uh, the entire series of The Office on Netflix. Um, I've been going out to the movies quite a bit. I saw uh, The Incredibles two and Jurassic World. Um, the Incredibles two was decent enough, but the you guys saw the 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 Pixar short in the beginning, right? With the uh, yeah. the dumpling, yeah, yeah, bow. So I, I I was the only one to laugh out loud in my theater, um, which sort of granted acceptance to other people to laugh in the theater at that moment when she ate the dumpling. And yeah. it was just, it was a really, really weird moment for me. And, uh, like I got what was going on with the short and everything. It was simple to understand, but that was just super weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, it, it, it put me in a weird spot right at the beginning of the movie. So I don't know. I, uh, but Jurassic world though, I was actually rather surprised with sort of the return to form, I guess, with like the more darker tone that like the first and second movie seemed to have. Um, I I don't know. It's not better than the originals, but it makes me want to watch the originals a lot and it was it was decent enough. I gave it like a high taste it. Yeah, it's it's been I think most people aren't enjoying this movie. Um and I'm it's making I, a fuckload of money though. It had a big drop off though. Of course though. it will. It made a, it had a big drop off from Friday to Friday though. Oh, did it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. But um and I don't I don't know what else it's really competing with this week except for like sicario and but that sicario is not for everybody that's uh no definitely not i don't know know. i just i went in with such low expectations that i I, it it greatly exceeded my low expectations good no that's good yeah it was entertaining i saw it as like a movie that was wasn't necessarily meant for me it was meant for like that five to like 13 year old range yeah 
<laughs> You're right. Absolutely. I think that's the that's the sweet spot for this movie. I just I think I rever- I think I revert to that thirteen <laughs> year old version of myself when I do go and see these movies. Um, th- this mo- I think this movie had to happen though for them to go forward in the franchise. I know that was like one of the big things that Jake kind of talked about last episode, and um, and Rebecca as well. And and I do agree with them that you know like if you're just gonna do something crazy, just go full forward. I think that's what this movie kind of set up with, um, uh, I, can't, I don't want to get the spoiler into spoilers, but what, you know, eventually happens to the park, you know, like, right. you know, um, and if you've seen the trailers, I think you can kind of come to that conclusion, but I think that maybe it's, some people think this movie's disjointed. It feels like two different halves. I think you had to have that first half in order for it to move forward. So yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the in the third one. A lot of people are not happy that Colin Trevorrow is returning to uh, yeah, the he's franchise. A dick. I <laughs> you don't like you're not a big fan of Trevorrow. Uh, he's just it. It's not. It, it, it's more the like the professionalism on set. Like if you're going to go on set and because like I've heard plenty of stories about him being just kind of a terror to work for. Really and. Yeah. Don't you think, hold, hold on, let me, let me throw this out to you, Steve. I want you to fin- actually, no, finish your story, cause I'm, I'm just, I'm just cutting you off left and right here. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, he's just, I don't know. In, in my opinion, if you're gonna go onto a movie set and make a big budget movie like that, not being an asshole is like one of the most, like, it's a, it's a professional courtesy. Mm. So the yeah. rest of the people around you, like you're all in it for the same thing. You're all trying to do the same thing. There's no reason to unnecessarily be a dick. Right. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's good. I was just thinking like when you're, if you're working uh, with a director, don't you want kind of like a director that's going to take charge and have a vision and realizes that he is, he or she is in control of hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, their career is on the line. I mean, that's, I mean... I can't imagine kind of like being that person where you've got a company that, you know, think about Josh Trank and the pressure that he was given coming off of Chronicle, you know, did a short story, then did Chronicle. And now it's like, here you go. Here's Fantastic Four, buddy. And, you know, young guy and all the pressure from studio execs and, you know, the people around you and, you know, just uh, I can't imagine like putting my head on my pillow at night and being able to go to sleep, having a, a good night's sleep, realizing I got to work, wake up the next day and I'm in charge of hundreds of millions of dollars possibly being flushed on the toilet by the studio. And if this doesn't succeed, I might never get this opportunity again. I, I don't know. You make like, a, va- you make a very valid argument. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard That's for sure. It's hard to like, I think when you're Steven Spielberg, I think he's at the point where he can kind of afford to have a fuck up. Um, and not actually be a dick to everybody on set. But like, if you're Colin Trevorrow and you're, you're basically coming right out of the same situation that, uh, uh, you know, that, that Trank did where he, you know, short, short or like a small indie film and then big, huge blockbuster, like, oh man, the pressure, man. I, I could see how it would change people. So I don't know, man. It's, yeah. it's different people have different directing styles. Sure. Too. I kind of don't fault people for that. Like some people are just rigid perfectionists, you yeah. know, and that to get what they want, they're going to have to be a little bit more forward with people. And I know it kind of sucks for the crew and the cast sometimes to deal with that kind of thing. But man, if someone's got a vision, they have a vision, right? Yeah. I mean, you make me like, think of 
Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, William Friedkin is someone else that came to mind. Like, right? Like, yeah. There's some, there's some asshole directors that have made great films, and maybe that's partially to them being assholes. Yeah, it's like it, I guess if you're around those masters of the craft, you just need to kind of like shut up, take direction yourself, and stay out of their way, and kind of like let them do their thing, and just learn from them, soak it all in. It's just sometimes you have like two alphas working on the same project and dude i feel like that's been a lot of what's going on at lucasfilm sometimes i don't know jake yeah yeah and, and you know the metaphor is only so much like is trevolo stanley kubrick you know that's yet to no. be seen and probably <laughs> not but no i'm saying know, i'm saying the point yeah yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not everybody has a different vision kubrick isn't kubrick isn't spielberg either so it's you know it's Everyone's everyone's got their own different kind of style and aesthetic and look. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I also wasn't a fan. I wasn't a huge fan of Jurassic World. Like, I liked it the first time I saw it, and the second time I saw it, I was like, "Well, this is just kind of." It was too Mickey Mouse for me, I guess. Oh, see, yeah. Steve, I watched it. I watched it like for like the sixth time, like last week, and I'm I'm still jumping out of my seat, acting like an asshole. Like, <laughs> it just yeah. I like. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, man. I, say, I like Jurassic World a lot better than the sequel. I, I didn't know I needed to see it, but seeing like the fully realized theme park is something that my brain apparently needed to see. Like I really did enjoy that aspect of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Hey, June, you still with us? You oh, pat- I'm just listening to y'all. <laughs> Passed out drunk over there. What's going no, on? <laughs> I'm just listening to y'all. <laughs> yeah, you saw Jurassic, didn't you? Did you? Yeah, I did. Um, I dragged my husband to it. He really hates these movies, but um, <laughs> he he's a very good husband. But we both actually, I I like the second one better than the one that came out in 2015, which I. I would have to rate the Jurassic World as a low taste it. This was like a mid, like a middle road taste it. So that's very interesting. I feel like there's so like, but with these movies though, there's so many plot holes. I mean, I feel like you know, if you think about it too much, like things just don't make sense. No, like they introduced a whole new family into this. Movie. Yeah, exactly. I, where I, those yeah. guys come from, and you can't just take a kid and just like drive away with her at the end, you know, like she's, you can't just take, like, you don't, there's a whole system of like, I mean, she, you have to look for next to kin and everything, but they just like drive away with this kid. And I'm like, that's not how that works, but whatever. So well, depends. It, it's now Jurassic world. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what? you have to watch it for what it is. It's yeah. a fun summer blockbuster. You go and you don't take it too seriously. And, See a bunch of dinosaurs that roar and see baby raptors, and that was cute. I like the baby raptors. Mm. I know, Jake, you didn't like the uh, the cuddly raptor. I, I don't want to go like into spoiler territory, but when they leave the island, that part really that 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 part like really hit me real hard for some reason. That yeah, that but was I, that was J. A. Boyana definitely influenced. Yeah, right? like like they were kind of like, well, you got to do this first thing, but like we're gonna let you loose here in the second half, and just you get to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> and he really he had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, um, let's see here. What else? What else? Anything else, Steve? Hey, Steve brought up bow. What? Um, I, 
he brought up brought up bow he brought up what bow yeah, it was the short film oh bow incredible okay yeah yeah, and um, yeah, we never really talked about that on our show. I I really liked it. It was like a high taste it for me, but it was. I could see the complaint from like parents that their kids are kind of like weirded out by it, and it's kind of a bad appetizer for Incredibles. And on that level, it's kind of interesting. But I really love awkward moments in movie theaters with full crowds, and that made for a really good one when the uh, dumpling got ate. I really appreciated that moment. And I thought the metaphor was, was very clear. But then again, I'm 40 years old. Yeah, I, I, my whole theater was silent and I was just I, I wasn't expecting it. It happened and I just started laughing. It was just natural reaction. And I, I, I realized for a moment that it was probably a good 10 seconds of me laughing by myself in a silent theater and people just listening. So it's a little awkward for me, but it makes me just like I don't care. It makes me think that maybe um – that uh, Pixar has uh, kind of like an Asian-influenced movie idea in the hopper. That's what they use these these shorts for. Um, if you remember, do you remember the island one with the volcano? Volcano. No, I hated oh, I that, love one. that one. The I lava you. Yeah, yeah that one. Uh, like well, that, that one. was that was pre Moana. Oh, that's true. And so they they kind of what they use these little shorts for is to kind of like play around with the technology on like some ideas that they have and see kind of like how the technology will work and how it will play with audiences and things like that. So it makes me kind of like wonder if they have like maybe an Asian influenced um, movie in the hopper that they're working on for a future film. So hmm. we'll find TV. out. Yeah. They, 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 they've used that a lot in the past with some of these kind of, Little short yeah, films. that's for sure. With animation styles and everything, just yeah, testing out like little little tricks to try in other movies. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. You know, Coco, Coco's on Netflix now. Yes, I love that movie. It is so it's beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful film. Really good. Um, no, I actually I haven't seen Incredibles two yet, um, but I have heard about the short, the Pixar short, and um, I've heard that um, kids. You know, Asian kids, like you know, uh, kids of like immigrant parents, like this hit really, this hit home with them. Like I heard, this was like super emotional. Well, yeah, I think yeah. for them, and because uh, there was um the the woman over at NPR who runs their pop culture blog, she is a white woman. She said, you know, I I thought she said she she's like I didn't get the short, I didn't get it, but she said two of her colleagues over at NPR, you know, they're Asian and they were just sobbing. Wow. Through through that open and through that short and I think that it hits home with a particular demographic. That's what that see that's what I think that's what Disney's testing. They've been they've really been pushing the diversity in these Pixar movies and Which is great. I love that. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic and I think that's kind of like what they were doing here is like testing to see like how audiences reacted to this and because you know coco was great i i loved everything that had to do with like this you know the uh with the the mexican culture and stuff like that i thought it was amazing i absolutely loved it the animation style was great oh it's so pretty and so, so gorgeous I, and i think that that's kind of like what they're testing here i would not be surprised if uh if if the guys at pixar are working on something um like this so yeah i'm i'm excited that's pretty cool yeah yeah ba was done by adami shi who is pixar's first asian like lead animator for anything they've ever done oh wow so it's really no i did and i saw something i think it was maybe like on good morning america or something um like she had her mother like make dumplings 
and like like she and like I guess her crew would sort of like watch her mother make the dumplings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, the character itself was actually designed if you see her mother in any of those videos, it was actually designed off of her mother and you you can very much see the resemblance from her real mom. Huh. You guys ever did you ever watch the, it was one of the older reality shows it probably came out a decade ago. Did you ever I think it was called The Restaurant and it was with Rocco that chef? No. No, that's not familiar to me. Okay. Uh-uh. Like he's this famous chef named Rocco. All the ladies think that he's like handsome and all this shit. Well, he he had started this restaurant and uh hired all these fucking idiots and shit and like they're making meatballs and and uh he to save money, he brings in like his 80-year-old mother to roll meatballs. And this woman looks like she's got arth- like arthritis on arthritis. <laughs> and she's back there, like probably slaving away for fourteen hours, rolling fucking meatballs. Ridiculous. I mean, no one's gonna make him as good as grandma, right? I guess. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you got old lady dead skin in your meatball. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I guess by hour eight of grandma working, it's bound to happen. I mean, <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw tag. I know I, I don't want to talk about this too long. I did. I saw tag. Uh, Tristan talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's the movie with uh, Ed Helms, John Hamm, Jeremy Reiner, Hannibal Buress, um, Jake Johnson. And, uh, it's about the guys who, uh, play the adult game of tag throughout the month of May. And, uh, it's based on a true story. And, um, it was great. I had a great time with this movie. I'm actually going to, for the physical comedy in this, it had me cracking up. I'm, I'm gonna give this a Tupperware. I really enjoyed oh, this. Oh, nice. Very subjective. It, the, the, the physical comedy did work for me. I, I had a really good time with this one, and and laughed quite a bit. And uh, I love Hannibal Burris. I love, I love all this cast. Everybody involved in the cast. I'm a big fan of Jake Johnson. I watched New Girl all the way up until the final season. I watched the first episode of the last season of New Girl, and it was absolutely terrible. So I said, you know what? I'm just gonna leave it on a good memory of when I used to love this show. Um, but I, Jeremy Renner's fantastic in this. John Hamm's great. It's funny. I tag, I don't care about the 50 something percent reviews on. Uh, oh, is it really gotten that? I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. So. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? I, it, I thought it was fantastic too. Yeah. The it's only got, thing, the only thing that bothers me though, the only thing that bothers me, they're supposed to be the same age, like these five guys are supposed to be the same age. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, but Hannibal Buress and Jake Johnson are not the same age as John Hamm and Jeremy huh. Renner. Like, because Jeremy Renner and John Hamm, like, they're 48, 49 years old at yeah. Helms. Yeah, I think he's that age too. Hannibal Buress is 35. Like, Jake Johnson's would probably just just turned 40. So I, that the, that's the only thing that bothered me was that they. You, they can't all be the same age, but they're I, supposed to be. I hope you weren't audibly complaining about that during the movie. No, it was afterwards. <laughs> it was after I got in the car, and then I was just like, you know, I loved it. It just, like, Campbell Ress is, like, you know, 15 years younger than, like, half the cast. Maybe, so. maybe he uses a really good moisturizing cream. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, he could have had like cellulite injections in his face or Botox or something. <laughs> you know? He was actually, I love his sense of humor. It's oh, so yeah. weird. It is such a weird, odd sense of humor. <laughs> it, 
it works. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be weird to do a show with Eric Andre for like four or five oh, seasons. Oh, God. Jeez, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so Tupperware Tag. Uh, June, what do you got? Oh, for Get Pop, App Pop? Mm. Okay. No, for Marvel News. Jo- uh- Hey, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> all right. So, <laughs> well, I watched um the Mr. Rogers documentary, but did you want to talk about that later? No, let's talk about that now. Okay, no, we uh, went and saw it last night, and what's it called? There was um, "Will You Be My Neighbor," and it was so good, and it, there was not a dry eye in the house. This was a beautiful documentary. It's mm. it was powerful, it was emotional. I top aware of this. Um, I it, it. I don't know. I, I. You come out and you just you're you're in thought and you just it makes you want to be a better person. I yeah. know that sounds cheesy no, and corny, but no, it doesn't. It does. Like it makes you like. You start questioning like how you react to things and how you act in life, or like the way you think about. You know, people like my husband was telling me this morning. Like he went on a run and he this truck like drove by him and you know, we're in South Carolina and this guy, you know, he was, he had the big Confederate flag like flying out of the back of his car. And my husband was like, his first thought was to go, God, you fuck that guy. Yeah. But then he took, but after watching the documentary last night, he took a step back and was like, you know, that guy's not happy. Like he clearly is trying to prove something or, you know, trying to be something and he's trying to fill some kind of void by doing that and like was trying to do like a Mr. Rogers like let me see you know what's behind all that but that's kind of how I walked out of the movie too like you start thinking like I should be a better person I should be nicer to people I shouldn't be so judgmental so um no it's I I thought it was great I think everybody should watch this movie and it's and it's really sad because if if ever a time we needed a Mr. Rogers I think it's now Absolutely. Yeah, I saw this yesterday myself, and uh, it's uh, you're absolutely right. You don't, you don't sound cheesy when you say that. I mean, <laughs> you don't. You don't. I mean, like it makes you want to be a better person. It wants. It, it does. It really does. Like Jake, I know I've been a dick on this show. So, uh, dude, I have been such a fucking asshole on this show to so many fucking people. Like some, a lot of it's like joking around, but there have actually been some trolls that have come after me, and then I've gone after them harshly. Like, after getting done with the documentary, it kind of, like, made me, like, man, how could I have handled that differently? And I'm just like, Brian, you are no Mr. Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I am not, I'm definitely not going to be the next Mr. Rogers. I'm going to continue to, I don't know, I'm (laughs) going to continue to be a dick, so don't worry about that, everybody. But, no, it's it does, it it inspires you. It's very inspirational, and it's, like, and, and I, there, there's so many great stories about Mr. Rogers in this document. I know Tristan talked about it a couple weeks ago in episode 237. So go listen to Tristan talk about it. I'm just going to tell you one little story that I thought was adorable in the movie was his wife was talking about how this young boy came up to Mr. Rogers and said, how did you get out of the TV? <laughs> yeah, that was great. And so then Mr. Rogers <laughs> sat the little boy down and started to explain how TVs work and everything. And then the little boy nodded. And then after that, he said, okay, well, how, how will you get back in? (laughs) (laughs) And, oh my God, I just, I was dying laughing. It was so funny. And just, just the way he treated children and 
and people, um, Tristan talked about how, you know, him talking to the senator for the $20 million of funding for PBS. Oh, but that was such a great scene because the guy is, I mean, he was no, that senator is known for being just a dick. And like, I think Mr. Rogers, like uh, Fred Rogers was the last person to go before the committee. And um, the senator was already like, you know what? Like, I'm so tired of this. Like, he's like, I just want to get this done. Fred Rogers goes out and he quotes one of his own songs. He just reads like off one of his own songs, and then they're like, "Yeah, you know what? Twenty million. There you go. You got it. You yeah. just earned yourself twenty million dollars. So yeah. go and have fun." And I mean, I think someone posed the question like, "Would look like if that had not happened?" Hmm. Yeah. I mean, would we even still have it if that had not happened? That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, it could have gone away. Yeah, I, I think that this movie should be mandatory for every I do too. <laughs> person to watch. I'm serious. Like, I, I feel like there, it should be mandated that everybody watch this documentary. You know, I mean, I if- actually have a funny story about Mr. Rogers. Kind, kind of like um, he did the commencement speech um, at NC State in 1996, which is the same year my sister graduated from Duke. And I remember t- looking at my sister and being like, you had to be an overachiever. You had to go to Duke, whereas you could have just gone to NC State, and we could have watched Mr. Rogers State your graduation. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, granted, the commencement speaker at Duke's graduation that year was the president for the National Endowment for the Arts, which is cool, right? Whatever. Yeah. But it's no Mr. Rogers, and I was like, oh man, like we just go down the street, like literally, like right down the street, could have gone right down the street on like NC State. It beats my ex girlfriend's sister. <laughs> the commencement speaker was Bill Cosby. <laughs> Oh, God, no. Oh, jeez. I think, uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if everybody woke up from that speech or not, but, yeah, so. Ooh. Oh, yeah. ooh. I didn't fucking drug anybody, Jake. Jesus. I just made a tasteless joke. Christ. I wasn't judging you. <laughs> I like to I like to have that reaction in jokes. <laughs> no nobody else wants to react. They they wait to see how everybody else is. Ooh. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy to have a shock reaction to jokes. That's that just necessarily does not mean I'm offended at all. You know what I'm saying? That's a, like why I love like Jezelnik and shit. You know, it's fun to just be completely floored by something someone says. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. I love Jezelnik comedy. Oh my God. When he starts talking about fucking Eric Clapton's kid in that first special, I, I lose it. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, um, I, uh, so yeah, uh, Tupperware the hell out of uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor." That is a great special movie. Special. <laughs> I wish it was a little bit easier to see, right? Like you'd think they'd want to make some money. I, like you guys keep talking about how it should be mandatory watching. It's like, geez, they make it so hard for it to be mandatory watching. Is it not playing out there? No, nowhere near here. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I've been looking on like my AMC app and on my theater app, and it's it's yeah, it's. Nowhere in a 50-mile radius. Oh, the number 143. Right, Joan? Yep. Oh, cr- see, that, like, yeah. That is, I don't want to spoil it for everybody. Cause I but want, it's just... Yeah, isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And I just, yeah. And I held it together until... And I don't remember this song. Because, you know, you just watch the reruns and stuff in the 80s. But 
the mistake song that yeah. they showed. Yeah. That was when I just lost it. Yeah. Like that was when I just couldn't. And I just, I didn't, then I cried for the rest of the movie. And, uh, like Tristan said, like he said, everyone clapped. Yeah. Everyone in my theater at the, when those credits started rolling, everyone in my theater clapped. Wow. And you could just hear people like sniff, like every, I think everybody was crying. You saw people walking out of the theater and everyone had bloodshot eyes. Like every, people had been crying during this documentary. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was powerful. It was really Very po- powerful. My mom texted me and she was like, have you, have you seen the Mr. Rogers documentary? And I said, yes. And she was like, how was it? And I was like, it's fantastic. You've, you've got to see it. And so my mom's really excited to go see it now too. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, no language in that movie she'll have to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Rogers is like, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Where'd that come from? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, what are we, how are we doing on time? All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go over one more thing. Uh, June, you got anything else? I do, um, cause it's actually kind of, in a very weird way, ties into Fred Rogers, but, um, I wanted to talk about, Pose. It's that new drama on FX by Ryan Murphy. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen this. I I, I kind of dropped off Ryan Murphy's stuff. So yeah, his stuff I think is hit or miss. And um, but this is very much a hit. This is a Tupperware all the way. I am. Um, I don't know if I don't know how familiar people are with like the ball culture of New York in the late eighties, but essentially it was this underground. Um, LGBTQ subculture um, where people would compete and they are in balls. They would sort of do this like fashion show type uh, walk in front of judges and they're evaluated on style, appearance and attitude and dance skills. June, June, real quick. When you were talking about ball culture, I thought you were talking about Pompoco again with the the raccoons. I'm sorry. The ballroom scene in the late 80s. So, yes. No, not Pompoco. We're not it is not inflatable scrotums. Yep, nope. Or or gym or apparently a gym mat that was made of the instructors. So yeah. Yeah. No, not that. Doing hot yoga on hot yoga yeah, on your ew. on your on your master tanuki's oh, scrotum God. sack. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. <laughs> In this ball culture, the most, like, probably the more popular thing is voguing. And yes, I'm talking about the Madonna video from the 90s. Um, she did kind of bring that into the mainstream. That, if you watch that music video, that's her, the dance, the choreographed dance that inspired by this popular dance style in the ball culture. But basically, it, this show is, the way, the weird way it ties to, uh, Fred Rogers is that it's about, the whole thing is just about community and it is about belonging. Mm. And because everybody feels that and you what you want is ultimately you want a community that accepts you for who you are and that creates a safe space for you to be who you are. Yeah. And the really cool thing about this show is that it is. Let me see if I have my notes here. I thought you I thought you were going to say Fred Rogers was a big voguer back in the day. But I'm saying like the whole thing of the show, though, like the whole message of it is that it is about belonging and community and when I was watching the documentary last night, I was like, God, this kind of fits into a lot of what this pose show is about. But it features the largest cast of transgender actors in a series, um, along with the largest cast of LGBTQ actors hmm. on a scripted series. So your main characters, they're all, you know, transgender, um, they're gay. And really of the main characters, the only 
notable one is um, Billy Porter, who won a Tony for his role in Kinky Boots, if anyone ever saw Kinky Boots. But it's your sideline character. Your supporting characters are the ones that you know, Evan Peters, Kate Mara, and James Vanderbeek. And so, but but they're the supporting characters. Like, they're not the focus of the show. But what this show also does is it kind of, it, it shows you that even within a marginalized group, you have marginalization. Like, one of the main characters, Blanca, she is a um, trans woman, and she just tries to go to a gay bar. But they don't want her there, because her being trans, that's not acceptable in their world. And I think a lot of people don't realize that even within the LGBTQ community, yeah. you it's not homogenous. It's not like everyone loves each other, everyone's equal. There is, within this marginalized group, you still have people who are discriminated against for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, the Arquette, the... Um, wh- wh- which Arquette is it that I can't remember the name? Oh, I know Peter. The it, it? the 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 yeah, it's the it's the one Arquette that you know is trans. And the wedding singer that was trans. Excuse me, because I believe didn't they pass away? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know the story. He's the what? one that was in the wedding singer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. exactly. The one that kind of like dressed like Boy George. Yeah. Yeah. And the only um, song he knew how to sing was the uh, Boy George song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what they were, I think, I, I think, uh, they were on the real life, uh, the, the surreal life. Was that what it's called, Jake? Oh, the VH1, like, yeah. reality Big Brother show. With the celebrities. It was basically the celebrities are all in a house and it was called the surreal life, I believe. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds right. Vanilla Ice was in it and yeah. he Ron, and, Ron yeah, Jeremy yeah. and, but, yeah, that, that Arquette sibling was on the show and was talking about how, like, the community didn't, didn't, uh, always accept trans. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I didn't know that, so. Yeah, and so the show actually puts that, I mean, it puts that on your face. It also, what's funny is, I mean, you know, Ryan, you and Jake, you, I think we're all around the same age. I mean, you remember in the mid to late 80s, I mean, AIDS was, I mean, it was a crisis. It was an epidemic, but it was something. Not, not saying it's not scary now, but it was. It was a death threat. I mean, pretty much. I mean, it was a death sentence at the time. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and they the, used it as propaganda oh, to yeah. put down the gay community. Oh too. yeah, exactly. And that's and so this show kind of brings that to light. I mean, it kind of shows that you know this was a crisis, and but part of the reason why it was a crisis was because health insurance was going to help cover any sort of treatment or care, and. You know, the government was not even going to do anything to try to help this crisis either. I mean, you know, at the time, Reagan wouldn't even say the word. He refused to say the word. And they would kind of didn't want to acknowledge this or it was something that was like, you know what? This is might be good because we can sort of it'll get the gaze off the planet. I mean, it was so bad at the time. It was so, so bad. Wow. So yeah. it and, and so, no, but the show, it's. I mean, I, I absolutely, I have fallen in love with this show. I absolutely love this show. Um, it can, at times, get, it can seem, it, it almost crosses into, like, after school special. Like, the dialogue can be. But it manages to not get there exactly. Because I think a lot of things they're talking about are things that they don't normally talk about on network, you know, on television, on just mainstream television. Um, like, there's a discussion about a safe, a safe sex talk, but, you know, for a young gay man. I mean, they actually have a conversation. I mean, he says, like, I don't, how do I know if I'm a top or a bottom? 
But like no one ever like I mean you have you always have shows or movies where they have the sex talk, but it's always mm-hmm. it, it's for straight people. Oh yeah, like unless you have gay friends and you've talked about that kind of stuff, like how right you 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 are not privy to this knowledge. Like I I remember my first gay friend. It was a guy who actually like hit on me years ago and didn't realize that he thought that I was he thought that I was a gay guy that went to um uh, a, a a university and. Like I was like, no, that's that's not me. And he was so embarrassed that. Oh. Um, and but but and so like, well, but he was embarrassed when he found out because like he totally like asked me to like if I ever wanted to sit with him and talk with him or whatever like that I could and I was confused. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Blah 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 blah. Months later, he comes up to me and he's like, um, I realized that you weren't the guy that I thought you were and I was totally hitting on you and I feel so bad about that. And I was like, oh, it's. It's okay, and we we became really good friends from then on, and I'm, I'm still good friends with him to this day. Um, and uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of weird. We could have conversations about straight sex, and he'd he talked to me about gay sex, and so you know, it's like unless you have a gay friend that kind of kind of like tell you about that kind of stuff, they don't address it on TV. It's not no. really like that's something that they don't talk about, and and I think like that's why people kind of like treat it as like this kind of like sometimes a taboo kind of thing it's because we're not talking about it nobody's having these conversations it's like this thing that nobody knows about like people just need to get to know people and talk to people and and go outside of their box and get to know different kinds of people uh that's why there's so much that's a, that's why there's so much fighting and uh things going on in the world today people don't people don't want people don't understand each other and the people that aren't being heard feel you know like they have to raise their voices and some people don't want to listen it's just a it's a terrible world that we live in <laughs> we, yeah. need, we need mr rogers where is he Exactly. But like, and honestly, like, I mean, the show it, on the surface, yeah, it is about this drag scene, right? And it is about these shows. And, you know, they, like, one of the best quotes is, um, God, I can't, I'm trying to remember it now. Oh, God. Like, two, these two rival drag queens, like, they're one challenges the other, and the other one says, I will eat you like an after dinner rollade. But the way she says it is like so sassy. Yeah. And I mean, so you do have that, but that's like just, that's totally on the surface, but underneath it is a lot of heart. That's awesome. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it does. I mean, in a weird way, do does kind of Rogers. Has anyone ever, has anyone ever been to a drag show? That's oh yeah oh god I love drag shows me too I used to they're uh, so much fun they're so much fun uh, I I um I I I used to for a few shows I ran the the lights at a at a drag show I was really yes oh, I was super fun well okay I was underage first off and um <laughs> they were like you get free drinks if you run the lights so I was like holy shit I'm gonna get free drinks I'm underage and I get to run the lights. <laughs> This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I ran the lights for um, a few drag shows back in the day, and it was it was a lot of fun. It it was so entertaining, and um, you know, like I think uh, the guy that hit on me, his boyfriend was actually um, one of the drag queens that would come up on stage, and uh, that was it was so much fun to watch. And they had a uh, a Tina Turner one that was great, and oh my god, it's just so entertaining. I, I love them. Like if you if people listening have never been, definitely go to one. You'll have a great time, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. 
if you live in a bigger city, a lot of places they'll do like a lot of like gay clubs. They'll do um, drag brunch like on Sundays. And those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Throw in some bottomless mimosas and <laughs> Bloody Mary bar. And I tell you, it's that, nice. that, that's a fun Sunday morning. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah, man. It, I, 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 uh, I had a lot of, I had a lot of gay friends going, growing, uh, after I got out of, uh, high school and, you know, kind of like got out on my own and like we've lost touch over the years, but man, that, that was a part of my life where it was just like really fun to, to meet new people. And you'd be surprised you hang out with some of these guys at the gay bar. They make great wingmen when you're wanting to pick up women. So I'll just say that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can't hurt. No, no. <laughs> So, uh, let's see here. I guess, yeah, so it's called Pose on FX. Yeah. And how many episodes in is it? Has it completed? No, it hasn't. It started, um, I think it aired at the beginning of the month. I want to say it's like eight or ten episodes. So, okay. it, we're going to halfway through the season. If you have FX, you can probably get on the FX app yes, and watch definitely. it on the FX app. I think that I got to watch this now. This sounds It's so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so good. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. Awesome. All back uh yeah yeah june you were talking about ryan murphy shows and uh lady gaga was in a in a season of uh american horror story have you guys seen the trailer for the new lady gaga a star is born bradley cooper directed film yeah uh, oh, yeah definitely it. oh my god this movie looks fucking incredible yeah i'm on the same page i, I cannot wait to see this movie in the theater yeah, now, have you guys seen the Judy Garland one and the Streisand one? No. I've only seen the Streisand one. I've not seen the original, original one. The yeah. Streisand one is on Netflix right now, I think. I think it is. Like, yeah, the Streisand one's only on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Hmm. I came across it the other day, so that would be something. I think it's great. It's a great movie. So Wow. Yeah, I... I'm looking forward to this this new movie. It looks really good. So yeah, a lot of these a lot of these actors turning directors lately. You know, with uh, what's her name, Angelina Jolie doing the uh, the one movie. What was that called? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Krasinski with the Quiet Place. Yeah. Recently. Yeah, we're gonna talk didn't, about that a little bit later in uh, news. Didn't Angelina Jolie do two movies? She might have. I know she did the one. It was the World War Two movie. Was yeah, and then she did the other one that was. It was actually her and Brad Pitt in a movie together right before they got divorced. Okay, okay. I forget what it was called, but I didn't go see it because I don't. I don't really like her. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of her personally. But that that movie that she did, the World War Two movie, where the guy was kind of like the POW, is actually pretty good. It had. Yeah, uh, it was. It yeah. really was good. Uh, Did she like retire from acting? Like I just when you said Angelina Jolie, like I yeah. haven't, 
I just realized I don't think I've seen her in anything uh, she's, recently. She's coming out with Maleficent too. I know that's that's right. I yeah, forgot about those. That's true. That's right. Never I, mind. I watched uh, I watched Darren Brown's new Netflix special. Oh, I'm jealous. I. I <laughs> I don't even know what the the scheme is yet on this, but I can't wait to see it. Jake, you're going to love this one. You are going to love this one. The last 30 minutes, I think, are just going to kind of blow you away here um, in this special. It's uh, it's called uh, Darren Brown. If you watched his first Netflix special. Now, he's been doing stuff over in the U.K. for years, and I kind of like watched a lot of his stuff on YouTube before it even hit the States here. Now we're starting to become aware of this guy because I think Netflix has kind of a deal worked out with him. And uh, his first Netflix special was called The Push, where he try he's kind of like a mentalist. He's a magician slash mentalist slash I, I don't even know what to really call this guy. He's got his own style as far as like uh, his tricks and things like that. But he did this special called The Push where he tried to push a, uh, a, a normal people over the edge to the point where they thought that they were going to spend life in prison. So they had to push a millionaire off of a building and kill him to his death. So that was like the first Netflix special. It was called The Push. This new one is called Miracle, Faith, or Fiction. And basically he's trying to show you that some of the tricks that uh, evangelical preachers use to their congregations where they are doing faith healing and things to kind of like make themselves rich and are just kind of phony, just really phony people. And that it's really not about faith and healing. It's all about uh, you're the miracle. That's basically kind of like the theme here is that you are the miracle yourself. The, the miracle is that you are you. And it is, Jake, oh my God, like it, it, it starts off pretty wild. Like he's got a, he's got a trick where he puts uh, six empty bags, but one bag, uh, one bag has a, a spike in it. And he has the person direct like which bag he's going to slam his hand over. And so he could have a spike go through his hand like this trick has gone wrong. And they actually show video clips of people that have done this trick and failed and oh. have slammed their hands down on a spike. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I've seen that before in the past, even before this. Yeah. Uh, he does that. He does one where he takes like a, a light bulb and and eats a piece of a light bulb and crunches it up and swallows it. And he has an audience member join in and do the same thing. I was kind of like blown away by that. But uh, the last one is kind of like this faith healing thing where he actually has people from the audience. And these are randomly chosen people. Like some of this stuff is just random. Like he'll throw like a uh, beach ball out into the crowd and wherever it lands, he'll call upon these people and... But this one, he he has people come up and people are telling him, oh, I've got back pain. And he's like, how does it feel now? And they're, they're like, it's gone. And like this is this has nothing to do with faith. It has something to do with what he's done with them psychologically up to this point in the show. And it's just absolutely amazing. There's a woman who can't see and then she then she can see again. Like she can't not, she, she's not blind, but she doesn't have great eyesight. And now she can read the the uh the brochure that he hands her she reads it perfectly um and then he takes her bad eyesight and gives it to another guy and he's he can't read it on the stage it's absolutely mind-boggling what he's doing um 
And like, I, I wouldn't have believed any of this had I not been to a years ago. I, uh, back when I got married, um, for my honeymoon, um, me and my ex-wife, we went on a cruise together and one of the acts on the cruise was a hypnotist. And I always thought hypnotists were bullshit. Um, always thought they were bullshit. Like, oh my God, this is fake. These people are fake. What they're doing is fake up on stage, whatever. But my ex-wife, like he was asking for people from the crowd and she was one of them. He, he, she went up on stage and some of the people he tried to hypnotize, like it didn't take. So he would send them off the stage. But like for some of the people, he would say, all right, um, you've lost your eyeballs. They're rolling around on the stage. You got to find your eyeballs. And like, there's my ex-wife, like on the stage, like on the ground looking for her eyeballs. And all these crazy things are happening up on the stage where he's like, you know, making them act like barnyard animals and all this stuff that you see. And he told them at the end of the show, like, you will not remember anything of what just happened until you get back to your room and you look in the mirror. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is such bullshit. Whatever, whatever. So my ex-wife gets done. She gets down off the stage. She sits next to me, and the show ends. And I ask her, I go, do you remember anything that happened up there? She's like, no. I I don't know anything past, like, this certain point. So, like, on our way back to the I said, we got to go back to the room. <laughs> we got to go back to the room. <laughs> so we're on our way back to the room. This is a true story. Like, we're on our way back to the room. And open up the open up the door to our cabin on the ship and she walks into the bathroom and you've got like the huge mirror in the bathroom and i kid you not as soon as she looked at herself in the mirror she turns around looks at me puts her hands over her face and goes oh my god oh my god and she's so <laughs> embarrassed she remembered instantly what happened to her on the stage like there is definitely some sort of like psycholo- psychological manipulation that goes up there and these people are in a kind of like a trance state or something. It, it, I, be- I am a full believer in this stuff that, you know, the mind is something that can be manipulated in this way. And this special kind of like blew me away now that I'm kind of like I've. I've not been involved in anything like that, but I've seen it with my own eyes and that, oh my God, it was just, it was just a mind blowing kind of like special Jake. You are going to be, you're going to be blown away by the last 30 minutes of this special. It is just amazing. Yeah. I've always thought that with those people were like all that super, like, you know, doing the crazy leap of faith tricks and stuff was just a lot of BS. So I like to, I'm really fascinated to see him kind of blow that apart. And what part of it maybe isn't BS, you know, maybe I'm a little bit hard on that kind of stuff. Well, he, he basically said like, Hey, you know, after this is all done, like if you felt like a healing tonight, uh, don't stop taking your pills. You still need your pills. And if your eyesight is a hundred percent tonight, he's like, like, yeah, don't throw away your glasses. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) this is definitely, it sounds like it's a short term kind of like, uh, thing, but yeah, it's, it's Darren Brown's new special on Netflix. Uh, it's called Miracle Faith or Fiction, and I highly recommend this. This was a Tupperware for me. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, Jake, what do you got, man? 
Oh, I just briefly wanted to talk about, I watched the brand new Double Dare relaunch that happened on Monday on Nickelodeon. Uh, they're giving this a prime time slot. It's on at 7 p.m. Uh, Mark Summers is not hosting. He's kind of like the uh, voiceover DJ game show guy, if you know what I'm saying. Like they have on like a Price is Right or whatever. Yeah. So the host he's is kind of, he's, like, a, he's like the Shadow Stevens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I forget like a big famous guy. But, like the Price is Right famously does it and has like someone always talking to Bob Barker or Drew or, you know. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. It's hosted yeah. by uh, Lisa Kashi, who's like a YouTuber and does a bunch of YouTube videos. And I just wanted to watch this. I had all the nostalgia for Double Dare. But, man, I was like 10 minutes into this, and it's the most, like, excruciatingly boring game show I've watched in the longest time. Um, I suppose if you're eight years old, this is right up your alley, but just terrible editing, terrible contestants, <laughs> terrible questions, terrible games. I, I mean, I completely tossed this show, but on the other hand, I am glad that Double Dare is back. You would think they would have better than this for their first episode, though. This was this was really, really bad. Wow. I, it makes me want to see some of the original episodes and just see if I was just an awestruck kid that didn't give a shit <laughs> I think about we production value. <laughs> I think we had to have been, man, like, you know, like family Double Dare and all that stuff back in the oh, day. I wanted to go on it so bad. That was like my dream oh, as a yeah. kid. When I was a, was a kid, I was like, oh, I want to go on Family Double Dare. Oh, I know. Said, like the big no. <laughs> the big hamster wheel, and then you got – Yes. You're, yeah, you're, you're reaching into the, 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 the big nose, the big schnoz, and trying to pull out the flag. and Or you slide down into the big cupcake or yes. whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the big, I wanted the one, to do that so bad. The ones where you had to actually find the flag by digging into something, that's where everyone always got fucked up, right? Like if yeah. you oh, yeah. get past that section – you could do all the sliding and crawling you needed to in time, but like finding the flag in the nose or in the pool of water or whatever, that's, that's where you just stalled out. Like, can you imagine like family double dare being that one family member? Cause you win like, like a Disney world vacation or whatever. And each family member does their own <laughs> part of the thing. And like, you're the nine-year-old girl that missed challenge seven of eight involving just finding the flag that everyone yeah. else could see in the pool. Like, yeah. right. That's, Oh man, I've had a lot of oh, families got broke apart. Too. Whenever you saw those kids, like they're like just kind of haphazardly like rummaging around in whatever, like whipped cream or whatever, and you're just like, it's right there, it's like uh, right there, right by your hand. Do you guys do you, do you guys remember watching the the Bozo show where they'd have the grand prize game? Oh, of course. And they'd well, have a the, crisp hundred dollar bill. Yeah, the crisp hundred dollar bill and uh, the Schwinn bicycle and the uh, yeah, like, the Schwinn bicycle. Once you, oh, yeah. yeah, you always win the what was it the uh, the deck of Uno cards on the first one, right, Jake? <laughs> uh, do you remember? Okay, so like growing up, we had uh, Bozo the Clown, uh, and it was like a WGN kind of like uh, uh, kids show. Right, uh, and 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 we'd watch Bozo the Clown, and they had the grand prize game, and the grand prize game was like, what? How many how many buckets was it? You threw a ping pong ball into a bucket, and like I think it went up to like six or seven or eight buckets or whatever. And, uh, I feel like it was seven. Yeah, yeah, and so like the the buckets went further out, dude. I loved it when they'd call the name, and it was always like some really little kid. You knew they were gonna fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like oh, what a what a waste. I know. It's like when they always when they when they did like land on like an older kid. The older kid always did a great job. They always did a great job. Like as far they could get up to like 5 or 6. Sometimes they could win the whole thing. You know. Wasn't the wasn't it wasn't the big prize a Schwinn bicycle? Was it a Schwinn? 
And the, and the $100 bill. And the crisp $100 bill. You are absolutely right, sir. Remember, uh, what was his name? The, the, the witch doctor. The noonie, 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 noonie. Remember that guy? Uh, Wizzo. Wizzo. There was Cookie the Clown and Wizzo. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they'd like bring Wizzo over to do the duty, duty, do yeah. on the hundred dollar bill before they would dip it into the bucket. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, you, one of the prizes was you you want a Bozo the Clown cake from like Baskin Robbins or some shit, or I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> they had, it was there was always an Archway cookies package. Archway like, cookies. Every, oh my god, they suck. They suck the dick of Archway cookies, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was all about, you got like an assortment pack. That was like number two every time or some shit. You know, my favorite Archway cookie is the, is the raspberry filled one. I love those. It was kind of like an oatmeal cookie with a raspberry kind of like, uh, had like a raspberry gel on the inside. I do not think I have ever eaten an Archway cookie oh, God. in my entire I, life. Oh my God. Give me those fucking, uh, oatmeal raspberry Archway cookies. Give me, give me them right now. I will, I will eat a whole fucking container. So good. This show has devolved into. You, you could still get those. I mean, we stock those yeah. in our store. They're like in the cookie aisle. I've just oh. never bought them or anyone's ever had them or anything. Oh, wow. They're so good. Those, those raspberry ones. It's like, uh, it's really good. <laughs> now I'm going to go to the store when I leave or when I get done. I'm here. Dude, fuck Pepperidge Farms. <laughs> Whoa. No, fuck, Whoa, no. Words. Fuck, yeah. no, fuck their little fucking chocolate white chocolate chunk and their fucking Milano cookies. I'll take the Archway Raspberry Oatmeal <laughs> every day of am the I, goddamn week, Jake. Am I a heathen? I just want the Keebler shit. Oh, uh, you know, like the, the Keebler, uh, what are they, the coconut ones? What are those called? Oh, that's, uh, the coconut caramel crunch yes. things? Oh, oh the my God. Girl Scout cookies make them. What are they called? Oh, fuck. Caramel delights. Samoans. Samoans. Oh, oh my God. Those, seriously, that the is. Samoas? Samoas, or whatever the fuck they're called. They are so good. Oh my God. Those are like an orgasm in a box. <laughs> Have you, guys had the le- have you guys had the lemon or the lemon Oreos? No. Oh, Those, don't even get me started on Oreos. No, the lemon Oreos. Like I, I, we can't buy them. I like neither my husband or I. Like we'll just like we bought like a pack of them, like the thin ones, but they're so good and like they were gone in an hour. Yeah, and we no, both it's said, the okay. thins. Yeah, no, the like, lemon dude. thin ones. You're right. I thought those were so dumb. I was like, oh, I don't want thinner Oreos. But they're, they're so good. They're the best thing ever. They the really salted are. caramel ones. Oh, my God. And I just – because they're so crunchy. And I just – yeah. And, uh, yeah, we can't have them anymore in the house because we'll just eat them in an hour, and that's not good. I know. So. That's terrible. Like, that's – I hate that. When I do that, like, I'm like, okay, I'll just buy this Ben and & Jerry's, and I'll just eat half of it. <laughs> No, you eat the whole no. thing, and then you feel. Then you got to go in the corner and feel. Yeah, painful. it's like a thousand calories. Yes, it's so bad. <laughs> it's a thousand calories in a little tiny tub of the Ben and Jerry's. It's ridiculous. It's like, oh my god! Like I guarantee, like the person that lives next door to the actual Ben and Jerry's in Vermont, like they're gonna die soon because they're. <laughs> There's no way you can live around a Ben Jerry's and like not want to go there every day and just like eat yourself into a fucking diabetic coma. Yes. 
Oh man, we used to have a real Hagen Dazs store in Peoria. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Over in Junction City. I it remember was, that. Oh my god. Do you remember when TCBY was the big thing in the eighties, Jake? Yes. Uh, I, all, those, had, all those throw-yo places. Oh, my I God. TCBY. Yeah, TCBY, the country's best yogurt. Yeah, yeah, Steve, you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, do you? No. Nope. the current one? Like <laughs> cherry berry or? Pink berry. Pink berry. Okay, there you go. That's like the same thing, but current, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about ice cream. Get back to the content. Fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you whiny cunt i don't want you listening anyway <laughs> oh man you got the oreo thins though brian you just you don't even know oh, there's like so 800 good. flavors yeah. every single one is good they have pistachio i gotta stay away caramel. i gotta stay away from the flavored oreos when they came out with red velvet i was like oh my god i gotta find these thank god i never did i love anything red velvet seriously <laughs> like you could slather red velvet on a on a horse cock, and I would probably suck it off. <laughs> oh my, what is Brian? What is Brian doing to Mister Red over there for that red uh, velvet? Birthday ideas. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I anything red velvet. Like uh, you go to uh, you go to fucking Dairy Queen, dude. I have had to resist this month going to Dairy Queen and getting the Jurassic Chomp Blizzard. Like I, no, I today's yeah. today is the last day for the Jurassic Chomp Blizzard. Like the past, like uh, when they had it back in 2015 when it came out, I was there. I would say, like every five days, I was there getting a Jurassic Chomp Blizzard. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, this whole month, I've resisted. I was like, today was the last <laughs> day, and I was like, Brian, are you going to do it? Are you going to get the Jurassic Chomp? I was like, even my dad was texting me saying, hey, I got the Jurassic Chomp. Like, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, old man. Uh, anyway. Colossal Choco Dip Peanut Butter Bites and Fudge Topping blended with the brand's signature vanilla soft serve. Oh, I know. That sound good. I know, dude. And guard, the Guardians of the Galaxy Blizzard, when that comes out, is amazing too, Jake. It's like it's it's got little pieces of rocket raccoon chocolate shit in it. It's just so good. <laughs> it's like rocket raccoon took a shit in there, and it's amazing. It's oh, so even good. even with blizzards, I'm just like yeah, Oreo every time. Do you remember the Nerds yeah. Blizzard? Oh, I the Nerd the Blizzards Nerds were Blizzard. good. When I was eight, I loved that. Oh, I love that shit too. Like I don't know if I could do a Nerds Blizzard now as an adult oh, as a man. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Give the, me the, the, the fruit candy doesn't seem to go with the ice cream. Oh my god! The dairy to me that doesn't seem like a good combo. The person that like said, you know what, we're gonna put cookie dough and chocolate or in vanilla ice cream. Like they need like a fucking memorial dedicated to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've you know gone to Dairy Queen. Jo- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, I, I've gone to Dairy Queen twice this month, and both times I left with uh, that summer berry cheesecake, and that is oh. Uh, that sounds it, good. God, I love yeah. cheesecake. Love cheesecake. Eddie. Yeah, and the the chunks of cheesecake in it are huge. Oh God, you son of a fuck! <laughs> <laughs> is it like the light and fluffy cheesecake, or is it like like for me? I don't like that light fluffy cheesecake. I want uh, it to be a fucking brick. I want it to yeah. be like a brick. Give me that oh. thick fucking veiny <laughs> yes. cock cheesecake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's definitely a softer cheesecake. It's the kind that you could, like, crush between the roof of your mouth and your tongue. Oh, God damn it. But it, it's still delicious. Yeah, yeah for, ice like cream, for ice cream, you don't, want the, you don't want the thicker one, right? Yeah, otherwise it's just all at the bottom of your cup. 
Yeah, I made the mistake of putting half of one in the in the freezer overnight, and then when I went back to it the next day, all the blueberries in it were frozen solids. Oh so no! I kept I kept having to chew on the blueberries when I'd get a spoonful. Do you know you know what doesn't take well to the fridge like for leftovers? Yeah, I know our show's called Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> Chuckle up! Finally, we're getting to the made the made content yeah, after yeah, two hundred thirty nine yeah, episodes. Yeah, chuckle it up, fuckheads! But seafood, seafood does not do well. Oh, oh, like the oh, next no. day, it's no. like nobody's like, oh my, you know, like the next day, like chili does really well. It thickens spaghetti. up. Spaghetti, spaghetti. Yes, it absorbs the juices. Yep. But it's not, nobody's like, oh my god, I can't wait to eat this shrimp the next day. Oh no. Shrimp. French fries, French fries are like that too. French yep. fries, all you gotta do is mist them with a little bit water and then throw them in the microwave <laughs> and they're good to go again. <laughs> Fuck that. I remember watching an old episode of the Drew Carey show and they said, when life gives you the old French fries, just spritz a little bit of water and throw them in the microwave. I was like, oh, oh I, that's a great play on the when life gives you lemons, uh, thing. But, uh, yeah, let's uh yeah, we've been talking about sweets and uh sucking off Mr. Ed. Let's move on. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yeah, double dare. I don't know, man. I think I think it's past our it's past our primes, Jake. We we just Yeah, I'm here to I'm here to save everyone in our age bracket that has the same thoughts that I did. Like, oh, this could be a lot of fun. Just be excited that it's back and yeah. look away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kids are stupid, right? Exactly. That's right. what I learned. That's what I learned this week. Steve, Steve, I, did you watch Mad Genius? I sent you the screener. I watched like 10 minutes of it and I was just like, nah, not for me. Not for me. <laughs> we got sent, every once in a while, Pop Culture Leftovers gets sent screener movies, uh, to watch. Um, and they're never, it's never like we get a screener or a press screening for like a big movie. It's always like these video on demand movies. And I, I got today, like literally today, I got like, um, uh, what is it? Like this, uh, anthology, movie coming out Tom Clementif is in it and uh Eric Roberts is in it it's called like AI what was it called AI Tales or something and it's like an anthology sci-fi movie and they sent me the screener for that and I watched a little bit of it and and then like we got we got this screener for this movie called Mad Genius by Film Mode Entertainment Steve I got 40 minutes in and I was like <laughs> I am out dude I tapped the fuck <laughs> out like this is why like we get like I would say we get quite a few of these where like these these small movies want us to like talk about their movie on the show and then like they make their they make they make some of their actors available to us for like interviews and stuff like that and it's like I I really have no <laughs> I, like what like why what am I going to ask the actor when they're going to why did this movie suck so bad yeah. like why did you choose to do this? Are you that desperate? Yeah. Like, is your life that terrible? Uh, there was one, the only good one, uh, the trailer looked good, was this Orion Classics sent me a, like an email for this movie called, I can't remember what it was called, but it's got, uh, Kate Bosworth in it from, um, you know, Superman Returns, and it's got Tyler Hecklin in it from, I think he was in Teen Wolf, and he's the new Superman in the Supergirl series. And like the trailer looked pretty good, but they wanted me to dedicate like a whole episode and an article to it before they would send me the screener. And I'm like, that's a deal breaker. I'm not, I'm not going to dedicate a whole episode to a movie that I, you know, like if it was like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom or Ant-Man and the Wasp and they, 
then I would be like, yeah, absolutely. But it's, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to do this. So I'm, we're not even going to talk about Mad Genius. It, 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 I, I can say that it was a movie very much oriented to like that 16, 17 year old, like bro or ch- cheerleader in high school like that kind of movie yeah i can't like, I, it, it, it felt very much like that for about 10 minutes and i was just like nah i don't think yeah. this is for me it's available on video on demand on july 3rd and it was absolutely excruciating to watch this for the first 40 minutes <laughs> it was excruciating so i wanted to go on and move on into a different movie that i saw this week it was called american animals And it's about four young men mistake their lives for a movie and attempt one of the most audacious heists in U.S. history. Uh, It's written and directed by Bart Layton. Um, He's done a lot of TV stuff like Breakout and um, the reality series Locked Up Abroad. Uh, This movie stars Evan Peters. Um, Jake, he's our Quicksilver, and he's also been in American Horror Story, another Ryan Murphy uh, TV series. And it stars Ann Dowd. Um, and, uh, from the leftovers and then, uh, Blake Jenner is also in this, uh, it's a true story about college students who stole a priceless book from Transylvania university located in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, the movie, however, was actually, I found out it was actually shot in North Carolina. Um, before the movie started, it's, it's giving you the title screens for the production companies and you see that this is a movie pass ventures film. So movie pass actually, they bought this film is basically what it wow. is. So, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. 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 So they bought this film. They started just promoting films. They, they promoted I, Tanya, uh, and they were promoting that on the app and through their email service. Uh, this one, they actually bought the film. So it starts off that it's a movie pass ventures film and they've been promoting it in emails and of course on the app as well. Uh, the movie, it's, it's a blend of actors showing us how these four guys got together and they plan this heist of stealing these books and artwork. And then it cuts to these confessional scenes of the real guys who were involved in the real heist. So it's, it's a blend of these two things. We also get interviews with the, with their parents and even the librarian that they tried to, to, uh, restrain during the heist who was played by Ann Dowd. Um, I found out that during the filming, the actors were not allowed to meet their real life counterparts because the director feared that they would actually sympathize and, or play them in a certain light. Well, like in a lot of movies, they'll have like the actors meet the real people that the movie's based on. There, there was a movie that was actually filmed here where I live called The Informant, and you know uh, one of the one of the characters, Brian, Sh- one of the people in the movie, his character was Brian Shepard, played by Scott Bakula, and I used to go to the same gym as Brian Shepard, so I've actually met the real FBI guy, Brian Shepard, and Brian Shepard was talking about. You know, he was telling us at the gym about how, 
you know, he met Scott Bakula and Scott Bakula and him spent some time together and he kind of got to know him and, and things like that. So the actors do this for research. And in this, the director made the decision to not have these actors meet the real life counterparts because they didn't want them to sympathize with the real guys. Because the guys, when you watch them in the confessionals, are really personable. They they don't seem like the kind of guys that you would want to think that would kind of like pull off a heist like this. And um, what's also cool about this movie is like some of the real guys don't remember where they were when they talked about certain elements of the heist. So sometimes you get scenes where maybe one of the guys remembers that they were talking about this certain part of the heist while they're driving around in a car in the city. And then another remembers it like the conversation happening outdoors. So like when the conversation's happening, it'll happen like in the car and then it'll flip to like them talking outside of a building the same conversation. So it's kind of cool that way. Um, basically the story is there was this library in Kentucky that had this book of art that was estimated to be worth about $12 million and it's only being guarded by a librarian and a few cameras and it's locked behind a case. And so two of these guys plan this heist. They map out the place and then they add a couple more guys to the heist later. They got a driver, uh, lookout and all that stuff. So they've, found a guy in a in the Netherlands that says that he will buy the art from them for millions of dollars they'll they'll be able to make out like uh I think like 30 to 40% of like whatever it is that they steal what this movie does it it, it doesn't glorify heists at all it's it's not like the oceans films where they kind of like make it look like really cool um <laughs> this shows you the dark side of of a real heist and how terrifying it is to try and attempt one of these and how it affects the people that are involved in the heist, like the librarian, how it affected her and how it affects like the rest of their lives, including the guys that pulled it off and their families. Um, this movie is a Tupperware. Um, I think it could have done a better job explaining how the last two guys kind of like join the heist, like what their motivation was for joining the heist. But on the flip side, cause like it felt like they were just kind of told about it and then they kind of like went along with it. Yeah, we'll do it too. And like one of them was like really well off, like had his own business and everything like that. And I was like, why would he get involved? He's doing really well off. But I have to remember like this is based on a true story. So these guys did go along with it. Whether the movie shows me in a convincing way, why they're going along with like joining these guys in the heist. I have to remember like, this is based on a true story and they did go along with it. So, um, I, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Um, and the director, he actually approached the actors, uh, the, the, the real guys, excuse me about this film while they were still serving time in prison. And so he did a lot of research into this one. It's very stylistic. It's very cool. Evan Peters is fantastic. Uh, if uh, d the DCEU ever wants to do a, a young Joker movie and not do like a, hi, I'm Joaquin Phoenix and I'm almost 50 Joker movie, <laughs> Evan Peters would be the next best thing to Heath Ledger that we could ever get yeah, as the Joker. I could see that. Yes. I could see that. Absolutely. Um, this is a Tupperware. I, I highly recommend, if you can see American Animals in the theater, do it. 
Uh, otherwise, just wait for this one to come out on Redbox or whatever. But I thought it was absolutely fucking fascinating. It's uh, it's really good. It's a very good movie, and like. I'm surprised that this director, Bart Layton, who's basically done reality TV and like these prison shows was able to pull this off and I want to see more shit from this guy. So I loved it. Yeah. That sounds fucking awesome. Like I love a good heist movie Mm -hmm. and it's cool that it doesn't like glorify it. Like, you know, it's like not, not even slamming like the ocean movies or stuff like that, but it's, it's fun to see like the other side, especially when it's based off of a true story and it's not just like, sensationalism and last minute capers yes like the actual nitty-gritty of it dude uh listen to this like they asked they went to steven soderbergh uh and asked him if they could kind of like mock not mock uh it maybe imitate is a better word um or recreate a scene from oceans 11 to use (laughs) in this film to kind of like like show us like what these guys how they envision the heist going down versus actually the reality. What, of what happened? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they asked Steven Soderbergh if they could kind of like recreate like one of his scenes from Emotions Eleven for like this fantasy scene, and Steven Soderbergh said no. And <gasps> apparently, like they it's a they dick move. yeah they did a fantasy scene, and then Steven Soderbergh saw the movie, and I think he regretted not letting them use it. He he I think Steven Soderbergh liked the movie. And I think, like, that's the highest form of flattery, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's one of those things where they didn't even have to really ask him either. Like, that that was just out of, like, respect. A courtesy. Yes. Professional courtesy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad um, to hear this was good, Brian. My um, my husband, like this, he wants to see this so bad. Yeah. Um, He's been really interested. He's heard a lot of buzz about it. Um, But it's. And it's playing at our local theater, but at weird times. Like, it only plays at, like, 4.30 or, uh, like, 11 o'clock at night. Like, it's yeah. – it, those are just odd, odd times. I so know. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely if you can, if you can kind of uh, get away and uh, watch this one in the theater, it's, it's definitely worth seeing. It's definitely right. worth seeing. Um, I have watched all of GLOW Season 2. Is everybody here watching GLOW? I will be, but I haven't started the new season. But you've seen the first season. Yes. I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Guys, you got to start this one. Glow season two, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, uh, Allison Bree, Betty Gilpin, um, Mark Marin. And, um, I'm going to start off and say that Jake, this is better than season one. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Cause season one was great, but you know, like it, it definitely felt like it could get better. Like this is better. A little bit of stepping. This is better than season one. I, I can't believe that I'm saying I loved season one. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Betty Gilpin. Like I loved her in uh, American Gods, and um, Mark Marin blew me away in the first season of Glow. And uh, God damn it, this is. Uh, this is some of the best fucking fun and dramatic TV I've seen all year. I am not exaggerating at all. I I started this yesterday at around 4 o'clock, and I watched seven episodes straight, and I finished the last three today. And, 
You've got hmm. Betty Gelpin's back as Debbie. She's going through a divorce. She's having she's mad at Ruth still. She's having a mental breakdown this season. Her character, they really dive into her character this season. The girls are facing cancellation this season as well. Uh, they start doing these PSAs on the show, and uh, one of the PSAs is to stop teen pregnancy. And then they do this, this like "We Are the World" type song where they're where they're singing a song that's against kidnapping. Oh my god! It's because it, it, it's it's part of one of the storylines for one of their wrestling characters where uh, one of the glow girls Zoya kidnaps Liberty Bell's daughter in uh, one of the. Uh, one of the matches and so like they they do this whole kind of like we are the world type song but it's against kidnapping and you've uh cherry bombs back uh god damn it um mark Marin at times at the beginning of the season feels like he doesn't have a big role in the season um his daughter justine does not have a big role at the beginning of the season and she's pretty much sidelined until the end of the season it feels like um Oh man, uh, it's great. It's, I, I don't want to spoil too much because this literally just came out, uh, on Friday. I will yeah, tell you. Yeah, you, you dusted it all in less than 24 hours. Yeah. I, 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 I'm look, I'm, I'm dying to see season three. I am, if it was a, I am <laughs> wow. dying to see season three because it's actually going to take us to the roots of the true story of Glow. It's going to take us to like, a real part of like the real gorgeous of late, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling that happened in the, the in the late eighties, early nineties. It's uh, it's really starting to. Oh God, uh, Tupperware the fuck out of this one. It is fantastic. This is great television. Um, I Jake, I do I do a uh, podcast on uh, Westworld. Yes, this is this is better than Westworld this season. More satisfying. Wow. 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 I, I I have no problem in saying that. Like, um, I kind of get into like my thoughts on the the final season of Westworld and uh, uh, me and Ashley's last episode and how I felt like it was like a lot of reactionary writing to Reddit critics and Reddit theorists and how I feel like it maybe hurt the season of Westworld. Glow season two. These two shows are one hundred percent completely different. I'm talking about my satisfaction levels with season two's satisfaction level, like my Snickers level for glow season two through the <laughs> fucking roof, man. This is fucking great. This is so good. And I, I, I tweeted, uh, Brittany young. She, uh, plays uh, Machu Picchu on uh glow series. And I told her about a scene of hers that had me cracking up. And she literally just responded to me and said, thank you so much. And it's like, yeah, it's, that's always nice. That didn't affect my rating, but it was very nice of her to get oh. back in contact with me and just to say, thank you for enjoying the season. It really makes me feel good when, you know, that's the thing. It's like, we've got this whole, uh, Kelly Marie Tran thing where people are bashing Kelly Marie Tran for her portrayal of Rose. Who the fuck is playing sorry. the TV? Oh, sorry. Yep, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to check a text. My husband texted me, and the phone is just doing something stupid. Sorry, trying to text me. But like, people are bashing Kelly Marie Tran on Twitter and like bragging about how like they got her to leave Instagram and that Twitter and all this shit. So mad. It makes so me sick mad. to my stomach. 
why don't, why don't you take the time out? Why, people take the time out to tell people how much they hate shit. Why don't you take the time out to tell somebody how much you enjoyed something they did? And if you didn't yeah. enjoy what they fucking did, keep your goddamn mouth shut. Yeah, no shit. Exactly. Keep your goddamn mouth shut. Like I, you know, like I have, uh, I have said things about certain creators online. But I've never said, like, I hope they die. And I've never tagged them in it when I've said something negative. Like, I've talked about Scott Gimple on The Walking Dead and how, like, I feel like maybe it's time for a new showrunner. I didn't tag Scott in it. And I didn't say, like, oh, God, I, I hope somebody fucking snipes his ass. Didn't use any race. You didn't use racial slurs against yeah. her. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was bad. Like, yeah, they called her Ching Chong, and like that just brought back bad memories for me as a kid. I mean, I got called. I mean, I think every Asian kid has been called that in their childhood, and it's hurtful. And then the fact that she has to go through it in a public forum, essentially, like that sucks. And she's a beautiful person. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like you can, she had her as a person has nothing to do with what you like. You're perfectly fine disliking her character in the movie but to take it to that level is uh, insanity and i'll tell you anything if like any of our listeners or anybody on our facebook page or anybody on our twitter says anything like that you're bounced you're fucking gone and i've done it before and i'll fucking do it again and i'm not getting mad at people that are just like i'm, I'm actually i'm just i'm mad at that this is happening today I don't put yeah. – there, there's not – I won't – there won't be a discussion with somebody that says something racist or something against people that are uh, trans or gay or whatever. There's no discussion. I'm not going to get – I'm not going to get into a heated argument with you. I'm going to block you and I'm going to wash my hand clean, my hands clean of you and you're dead to me. And you can you can, you can can change in the future. I, I, ho- I hope you change. I hope you change your mind. I, I, want, I want us to live – I do – it would be great to live in a world where – like people change and but I'm not going to be there to see you change because I'm going to block you I'm done with you so I don't put yeah, up with that shit it's the way shit. you got to be you don't yeah. fuck around I don't put up with that shit so yeah I'm getting all fucking angry and serious and shit over here but <laughs> I mean, unless you're face to face with someone you just can't fuck around with people that just come at you like that it's I have such s- bullshit fucking Jake I have literally sat I have worked jobs and sat in a car with a guy. Okay. I'm white. This other guy's white. And I've had another guy, another white guy in a fucking car. You know, he's like, oh, he's thinking, I'm in a safe space with white guy. And he said something like, oh, uh, black people have, uh, black history month. Why don't white people have white history month? And I said, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I I literally got into it with him. I've, I, and I promise you like that, I, I, I got into it with this guy. I was like, you're kidding me. Have you ever seen every other channel on television? Like, uh, I was talking about BET. We were talking about BET too. Excuse me. I was like, every other, I was like, every other month, it's like, can't we, can't we let somebody have like their own month where we celebrate their history? Like every other month, it's like all about everything else. Like every other, every other like holiday, uh, as opposed to Martin Luther King is like, <laughs> yeah, that's the dumbest shit I've ever fucking no, heard. I, he, when people post that, I see people post that meme to this day. The, the, yeah. Then he started talking to me about BET, like why don't we have WET? And I was like, dude, have yeah. you ever have you ever watched every other fucking channel? 
God. Yeah, it sucked, man. I, I, when when Pokemon Go was big, I a friend of a friend was like in a chat thread about Pokemon, and the next thing you know, dudes like sending like race like third grade racist jokes, and it's like, hey, dude, I don't want to hear this bullshit in this Pokemon Go thread. Go take that shit somewhere else, and yeah. like. He got all fucking offended that I was the asshole. He's like, I'm not going to be in any group with this asshole. And wow. like blacked me on every medium possible. And I was like, well, shit, that makes me feel so great about myself that I made a fucking racist hate me. That's like 10,000 achievement points, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, uh, you know, I don't always get vocal online about these things. I don't, I, I don't like to stir up things like, you know, like I, I, I want people to. Know, I just, I, I would just kind of hope that people know how, like, where I stand on things, like my morals. I want them to know. But like, if somebody corners me like that guy did in that car that one day, and it was just me and him, I want, I want him to know that like you're never going to be able to talk to me about that kind of shit again without me coming at you. Like you're going to know how I feel about this. So I don't know it. It's amazing. It's fucking, especially in the Midwest, Jake. I don't, I, you know, it's like. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's fucked up. I work in Pekin, so I see this kind of crazy shit all the time. Uh, oh, uh, I live in South Carolina, you guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's not great here. Part of me just all. like wants to pick up and move to a big city. Like I want to go to like New York or like Portland or Chicago something. Chicago. Chicago and, yeah. and just get the fuck away. Yeah. Dating in the Midwest is like a nightmare because like. Oh my god. Uh, the, 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 I don't even want to get into that, but yeah, glow season two. Ab- absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's two documentaries out there about the real gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Um, the first is on Netflix. It's called The True Story of the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and it kind of gives you like a, a history of these ladies. Uh, the second is called Brawling Beauties, and it's actually you can, you can find it on ShoutFactoryTV.com, and it's basically it's uh, hosted by uh, Mean Gene Okerlund, and uh, it's just highlights of some great matches that these women had. And uh, these women, when you watch the real, uh, I mean, the actresses that do it in the show do a really good job. But, like, they all, they, they haven't, the women in the, the, in the actual, like, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, they hit really fucking hard. Like, they are really, oh, my God, they do a, a tremendous job. So, it's, um... It's definitely yeah. They were very. They were known for being pretty stiff. Yeah. In the old glow. They uh. They. I think they were on like. I don't know if they. Maybe they were on a Family Feud episode, but I know that they were on an episode of uh, of uh. And I watched it recently. The the Married with Children show. <laughs> Al goes to, like I think he went to a glow match or something, and he had to. Oh, I remember yeah, that too. Yeah, he had to fight one of them in the ring, and he thought he was gonna fight like one of like the. The like the like the really thin like busty ones, but he like he fought like the I can't remember I can't remember her name, but she was like the really big heavy set one, and yeah. she was like sitting on Al, and he's like ah, <laughs> uh, yeah that show would not that show would not fly today. Uh, Mary with children, Jake. Yeah, yeah. It was. I, 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 I'm having a hard time. It's been so long since I've seen it. I'm having a hard time pinpointing the terribly taboo things from it. Mm. The no, ma'am. Oh, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, basically, a, a man that 
can't, can't stand being married to his wife and all this stuff. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they did a good job of, like, Peggy wasn't one-dimensional, though, right? Like, she got the one-uppings on Al, like, quite often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, I don't know. Go back and watch it. There's a lot of... I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. I just, it's been so long. Yeah. I mean, it go- doesn't like it's not like all in the family like crazy. Go back and watch uh, Cheers, the first season where they talk about there's like a there's like a where they address like a, a gay guy in the first season, and it's really like off putting, like the humor back in the eighties when it comes to like gay people. It's like crazy. Oh, like even Friends, like I mean, it like with Friends they always have like it like Joey and Chan like hug too long that it was like oh god crap we can't be like it there was just so much of that and even Seinfeld had yeah. a whole thing where like a reporter thought that she was trying to interview Jerry and then she thought that he and George were gay and that was the whole oh. episode and it was this whole thing and like, so I loved Eddie Murphy growing up but go go back and watch Eddie Murphy raw like his stand up special yeah. and like oh, yeah. it just does not hold up today with like cuz he's making fun of like AIDS and HIV and gay people and stuff and yeah. it's just like wow whoa yeah it's crazy i i'm doing a 2004 wrestling rewatch and there's a gay wrestling character and at one point the announcer says that he would rather tap out been getting to a fight with that wrestler. <laughs> Ooh, wow. I was like, Damn. Jesus, holy wow. crap. Wow. We are tackling some big issues in this. <laughs> this uh, 2004. That's not even that yeah. long ago. Yeah, that really is. Yeah. yeah. That's, I was 16. Yeah. Oh, go away. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and your youth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm turning 30 at the end. Oh God! No, seriously. I had. I (laughs) I don't want to. I thought 30 was rough, dude. Like when I turned 30, it was rough. But when I turned 40, oh my God, that was hell on earth, buddy. Just wait. Just wait for another decade. You know what's funny though? My husband turned 50, and he like he had no. He was fine with it. He said turning 40 was hard. Ah. He had a lot of trouble at 40, but he was like 50. He's like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> ah, seriously. Like when I, 50, I will probably walk like a lemming to a cliff and just diet, fall off. <laughs> just go to my Yeah, dad. no shit. Maybe 45. <laughs> 45. Actually, I'm much happier. Like when I turned 30, I, my 20 sucked actually. Mm. Like I have no, I was, I've been a lot happier in my 30s than I ever was in my 20s. So yeah, I'll, speak, I'll, like, you'll I'll be co-sign that. The 30s through 40s were better than the 20s through 30s. Yep. Oh man, I will. I will stay 20. I would honestly stay if I could go. If I could go back to any age, it would be 27. 27. I would stay at 27. That was a bad age for me. 30 was good. 27 treated me pretty damn good. (laughs) (laughs) That's the magic year, huh? That was the magic year. It was the golden year, man. It really was. It was a banner year for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see here. Uh, let's talk about Steve Sicario, Day of the Sicario. Oh, Sicario two. Yeah. Uh, it's been uh, has it been three long years since we've been waiting to see the sequel. I don't know about you, Steve, but part of me didn't want a sequel when this movie first came out. No, when I when I first heard that they were doing a sequel, I was just I was like, no, why? Yeah. Why? Why are you going to do that? But then, like, I had, I still had that, like, well, it's written by Taylor Sheridan still, so I, I have reason. Yeah, uh, I reviewed this on the show actually three years ago when it came out. The first movie uh, was uh, directed by uh, Denis 
Villeneuve and, uh, I gave it a Tupperware. I absolutely loved Sicario. Uh, starred, uh, Josh Brolin, Benicio del Toro, Emily Blunt. Uh, even had a, uh, scene there, uh, with John Bernthal, our Punisher. Uh, this movie came out and, uh, it is not directed by, uh, Denis. It is directed by Stefano Salima, but it's still written by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote the first film. It's about the drug war on the U.S.-Mexico border has escalated as the cartels have begun trafficking terrorists across the U.S. border. To fight the war, federal agent Matt Graver reteams with the uh, Mercurial Alejandro, uh, written by uh, Taylor Sheridan, of course, who did Hell or High Water. He's uh, writing Yellowstone with Kevin Costner on Paramount Network. And he, uh, like I said, he wrote the first Sicario film. Stars, uh, Benicio del Toro, Josh Brolin, Isabella Moner, uh, Catherine Keener is in this one. Uh, Shea Wiggum is also in this movie. Jeffrey Donovan is back. It was good to see him back in this one too. I loved his character in the first one. He just kind of seemed like this pencil pusher. And then all of a sudden, like, he's putting on Kevlar vests and rocking a machine gun just like the rest of the guys and is like, you know, kind of a bizarre character, but I really liked him. Uh, the, the cast is rounded out with, uh, Matthew Modine in this movie. Um, and, um, the first installment in the series was titled Sicario, which is a, uh, Spanish word that translate to, translates to hitman in English. Soldado in English means soldier. So Steve, uh, you saw this. What did you think, man? Um, I, uh, I, I, I hold the first film very, very, in very, very high regards. Um, that was my like number one film of 2015. I mean, it had me on the edge of my seat from start to finish. It was really, really, really good. It was beautifully shot. It was, it was well acted just, and even the, just the score itself was enough to just like have you right there on edge the whole time. And this new one, I mean, I, I had expectations that it wasn't going to be as good as the first, um, the first hour of it kind of felt, I don't know the first, I, I want to say like 40 minutes to an hour. Cause it, it, it felt like, I feel like forever. <laughs> and cause I don't know, it just, it didn't seem like it seemed too Hollywood ish. Um, it felt like the, they were searching for that same tone as the first film and they didn't really find it. I, and I feel like that's even saying too much towards like the, like the second hour of the movie. I, Tupperware. The first hour of the movie, I low taste, so my overall is a, just a taste at. Um, but yeah, it just it didn't. It wasn't the first film at all, and I feel like they didn't really know what they were doing with it at first. But I, I don't know. In the end, it still kind of came together. Like where stuff in that first hour, it it has a point to the end of the story, but it's just it's really slow. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I just. Steve, I think it came out with guns blazing when it first started, man. Like we, that like the scene of the explosion, and then and then the scene in the grocery store. I dude, that shook me, man. Like yeah, I needed it to slow the fuck down after that, dude. That was the scene in the grocery store. Like I audibly said, "Oh my god!" Like in my theater. Like yeah, that was I. I, I, I said. But, oh fuck really loud too yeah yeah i i don't bl- i dude i can totally see that it was one of those things where it was a hard that was hard to watch that was hard to fucking watch like i, I can't imagine like 
being a survivor of like, you know, like an event like 9-11 or some of these bombings that have gone around the country and then like watching that scene, like, oh my God, that was just... Yeah. That, and I mean, that scene is like, it's, that's, that scene is like a Taylor Sheridan type yeah. scene too. Like oh, he yeah. would definitely be the type of guy to write that. Yeah. Um, um I'm glad yeah, that, yeah, man, it's, it's, yeah, that opening, I was, I was really happy with the opening, but like the, just the, I guess the bouncing around that they did and yeah, the most, I don't know. It, it was, was kind of taken out. It, it, okay. Was it the young kid that they kept bouncing to? Um, no, I, I, okay. So one of the things that really took me out of the movie for, and it, it was kind of like a, it, I kept laughing at it. Um, when Josh Brolin shows up in the beginning, he's yeah. got that beard and his hair slicked back kind of longer. Um, it, it, okay. So I had watched the first movie right before then. So did I. And, yeah. 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 And, and he's, he's, he's just Josh Brolin, you know, he's kind of slouchy. Like he, there's a scene where he's got his shirt off in Sicario one and he's, he's not like, physically fit well this is coming right off a cable yeah i know and he's super jacked but and with him being that jacked and him being kind of a shorter guy i kept seeing peter dinklage oh come on that's silly get out of here it it popped into my head and it took me out for like a little bit of the movie and it took me a little bit like you know to get back into it but um the scene where it really started to pick up and get better for me was um when they started to deal more with the storyline of the girl of the uh, the cartel daughter, yeah, 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 uh, Reyes, Isabella yeah. Reyes, yeah, yeah, and one my my favorite scene in the movie Humvee scene, um, God, damn. I thought that, that was like as true to form as the first movie as it could have gotten, yeah. I uh, I'm glad we didn't get Emily Blunt in this film. I'm I, it wouldn't have made sense to have her in this one. She kind of was like she was. I loved her in the first movie. Don't get me wrong, people. Like, I, what I'm trying to say here is, like, she was kind of brought into the first movie out of, like, the necessity that they needed her for. Yeah. Now, after yeah, seeing that, the, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. Like, it didn't make sense to bring her into this second movie. Now, there's rumors that she could come back for the third one, and that makes sense now we're after this movie where it leaves off. And, right. Um, Despite really what the critics are saying about this movie, I love this film. You get to see this dark side of our government that will really kind of like play dirty with terrorists. Like the government is getting ready within a week to add drug cartels to the list of terrorists. So they call on Josh Brolin's character to assemble a team that is going to start a war between the drug cartels by kidnapping one of the cartels boss daughter, boss's daughters. So like, that's the deal here. It's like, these guys are going to come in there. They're going to pretend to be a drug cartel and kidnap the other cartel's daughter. And it's going to start a drug war, uh, a, a war, excuse me, between the cartels. And um, then we also had kind of like the side story with this young boy. And you kind of see his journey in the film as he starts to work for the cartel and lead, you know, the, these these Mexicans across the border and it reminded me of the um, previous film with the Mexican policeman in the first movie where it's kind of like the side story um, of a character that kind of ties in with the movie later. And um, I appreciated that. Uh, I really liked how that, that kid's story ended. Yes, absolutely. I thought that that was really well done. Like like I said, I, I liked the second half of the movie a lot more than the first half. And that's why I kind of went middle of the road with it. <clears throat> 
the amount of gunfire in this movie is absolutely insane. Um, I am not familiar with like the models and types of planes and helicopters, but in like one of these scenes in the movie, there's like this, there's like these two helicopters. They kind of look like Apache helicopters and they're, 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 they're flying after these Humvees and they block the road of these cartel members. And then you see like the members of Josh Brolin's team like move in to gun them down. And it's just absolutely fucking incredible. Josh Brolin, um, Josh Brolin in this movie, like you were talking about Peter Dinklage. I was just happy to see him back the way he was in the first movie. Like, the part of him in the first movie that like kind of blew me away is like the first time you see him in Sicario, he's sitting down in like this boardroom, this glass boardroom, and mm-hmm. and all these suits are talking to him. And here you see like Josh Brolin like wearing like this uh he's wearing shorts and sandals. He just looks very relaxed. <laughs> yeah. And like the first, the first shot of Josh Bullen in this movie, they zoom in on his shaved legs and his sandals. And I'm just like this. Yes, we're back. He's back. Um, I was so happy to see this character again. Um, Benicio del Toro is fantastic in this film. Um, as he's trying to go after the boss of the man that had, his family gunned down and we find out more about his family in this one that I thought that that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, uh, I, I was sucked into this one. I was just locked into this movie engaged from beginning to end. I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. It was not the best experience. I got a free movie ticket out of this one because the projector kept stalling. Literally. I'm telling you every 20 minutes, there would be, it would go, it would stutter. The movie would stutter and it would pause and go, and you see like a character moving back and forth. And so it would do that literally. Um, once it started, it would do that like for three minutes. Wow. Before the movies, the, and, and that was, um, that was painful, but the movie to me was so good that that didn't even matter. That wasn't even a factor in this fucking movie. And um, I Tupperware this movie. I absolutely loved Sicario 2, a movie that you can hear me back uh, on previous episodes saying, like, uh, we don't need a sequel. Don't give me a sequel. I don't want a sequel. It makes It's silly to make a sequel. It's like Taylor Sheridan writes a story about things that need a light shined on especially about like this human trafficking and getting people across the mexican border um you know and he's doing it in uh he's doing it in param uh, uh yellowstone on paramount like it's uh that sh- fuck that yeah that show's not coming back till july 11th like have you watched the first two episodes of that steve I have not been able to track it down yet, but as soon as I can, I'm going to. I, uh, I, I'm basically signed on to anything Taylor Sheridan does. Yeah. Um, one of the things I had said to a friend after, after seeing it is that I wish that, that he would have directed this one mm-hmm. because of how much I liked Wind River. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it, it may have been better for me. I don't know. Maybe under a different direction, maybe his direction, but. Yeah. Um, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to go back and check it out a second time, um, and see if maybe yeah. my, my views of it for the first time were, you know, a little bit biased from 
watching the first film immediately before going to see this one. No, I mean, I'm going to tell you one thing. Like, uh, Denis, uh, did a great job directing the first movie. And the rumors are that Denis going to come back and direct the third one. That would be great. And I mean, the cinematography in the first one's better because you had Roger Deakins and Roger Deakins is a fucking legend in Hollywood. Yes. So yep. yeah, I, I understand that. It's, it's just, God damn it. I, I was just engaged this entire movie, even though, and I got a free fucking ticket out of it. Hmm. And hmm. I was still, That's always a good deal. Yeah. I was happy with that, but, there were moments in there I was just like fucking rolling my eyes at like the projector fucking up and um oh yeah that would have killed me yeah yeah but I still I, I absolutely love this movie but um yeah uh Sicario Day of the, uh, Day of the Soldado uh, I highly recommend that is this available I think somebody was talking about it being on Netflix is it on Netflix I feel like I looked for it on Netflix and I couldn't find it it's not on Amazon I, Prime. It's not on Hulu. I haven't seen it on there. If I do, I'm going to be pissed that I went and spent money on it. I yeah. Well, no. I'm glad I had the theater experience I, I, of it. I, I own the Blu-ray, so I, I love Oh, you're talking about the first film. The first oh, the film. original. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the, ori- original. the original. Yeah, I, I, I have that. And I, it was on Netflix. It might still be on there. Yeah. All right. But, uh Yeah. Any final thoughts on uh, Sicario: Day of the Soldado? Uh, um, I mean, if, if if you liked the first one, um, definitely go see it and expect more expansion on you know the the characters that you dealt with in the first film, minus Emily Blunt. And yeah. I mean, I had a buddy of mine who hated the first movie just because he didn't like Emily Blunt's character in the movie, which I 100 percent disagree with him, but that was that's his opinion. But yeah, yeah definitely yeah. go see it um, and check it, check it out. See what you thought. A lot of people had a problem with the way that like Emily Blunt was kind of like manhandled in the first movie. And yeah, that wasn't my favorite part of the movie either. Well, I mean, that's I mean, it was. It's one of those things where like I understand that she's trained and everything like that, but like, you know, it's it's one of those John Bernthal in that movie just. I mean, he's just, uh, he was a strong guy and it was, it was, it was a hard watch to watch her go up against him and, and, and what happened in that movie. But I'll tell you something in the second movie, it's, you kind of get to see strong character, strong male characters get manhandled in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, it's not like they were just picking on Emily Blunt's character in that first movie. I mean, this is just, it's, it's just a rough, it's a rough environment that these people are putting themselves into. Like we see a badass character kind of get like, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about, Steve? Um, yeah, I think so. Well, okay. Are you uh, talking about like, we'll, it, we'll it talk about it. Like, we'll talk about it off air. We'll talk about it. Okay. Off air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with news. Hey, we are back. Hey, good times. Good times. Hey, we're back with the news segment, the pop culture leftovers news. You know what's fucked up about this episode? So we talked more about like uh, snacks and shit uh, and treats and ice cream treats. 
not in the nailed it section where we were supposed to. We talked about it <laughs> in another section of the show. Like what yeah. section? What, where were we talking about that? During, like were we talking about that? Were you talking about Pose? No, <laughs> it was uh, Double Dare. Double Dare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, I still I still want some Oreo thins. <laughs> I want some Samoans. And I'm not I'm not talking about the cookie either. <laughs> Get over it. One of the things about the show that's so great though is like the random tangents yeah. that you guys go off on. Uh, when I listened to your uh what was it, the uh, Deadpool Two review? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was listening to it one morning when I was getting ready for work. And, um, you know, I had it on and my husband came in and he jumped in the shower and it was like right at the part where you went on the share <laughs> thing. And he just to look at, he's in the shower, just looking at his face as like, he's listening to this. And he was like, what the fuck is happening? Right now? He, was like, he, he was like, do you guys talk about this? Like when you're on it? And I was like, I don't sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I had a listener, I had a listener like, uh, maybe a year ago or so, um, email me or something and uh he was listening to one of her episodes and i was saying i was saying something and he was driving and he had his windows down and um one of the people next to him had their windows <laughs> down and like heard something that i said and, and this listener was emailing me talking about like whatever i said and like how the other guy in the other car was kind of cracking up too like what the fuck <laughs> like what are you listening to uh that was a funny one but um yeah uh yeah pop culture leftovers news uh well, let me see here uh yeah new predator trailer come out this week and uh uh, I think overall, most people were pretty happy with this trailer. Uh, I feel, God, I'm, 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 I'm split on this one. I, I did not, I wasn't the big, biggest fan of this one because I think it goes against some of the fen- fundamental things that I loved about the Predator. And they're introducing this ultimate Predator and that kind of turned me off to it. This is going to be a wait and see for me. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too, hip on this fucking ultimate predator shit because and i was you know in the thread uh on our facebook page you know jay who uh you know former host he kind of like laid it out for me too where like you know it's like these guys were just they're hunters they're not like they're not like these global dominators or whatever it's it's they're just hunters and like now they've got to introduce this ultimate predator and i just kind of rolled my eyes when i saw that scene and it it feels like now it's going to be a team up of the humans and the predators against the ultimate predator and we've seen this happen in so many different kinds of forms of media uh tv and and movies where like the bad guy is now kind of like siding with uh with the good guy and and going up against the greater evil and I don't know. I, I I just think it goes. It's almost like you're saying like the predator's not good enough. Yeah, it, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like it, it undersells the main threat of the predator itself. What's yeah. what's the point at that point? Uh, we both have to. Te- he's not a badass anymore because there's this other thing that's even badder. I know it's worked in the past though, Jake. Like you know, in uh, T two, they reprogrammed uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to become like the the good robot and blah, blah, blah. Now he's going up against the T-1000 and that really worked. Maybe, maybe they can make this work. Maybe, maybe they'll turn me yeah. around on this one. 
I mean, that works due to, like, I mean, I'm going to say it, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's charisma, honestly, is the reason that worked, though. Like, where are you going to get that level of, like, compassion and charisma from this, like, dreadlocked alien? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, June, did you watch this trailer? I, I did watch it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really pay that. I, I actually had to try to watch it a couple times. I just was not interested. Nothing about it just seemed interesting to me. And I think because it, you're right, the hybridization, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then what sucks is, like, I like the actors in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I like, like Ster- I love Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. But and, uh, Key Michael- this is something I just don't, I don't, I, I just have no desire to see this. Yeah, Steve, did you did you check this one out? Yeah, I, I I checked it out. I'm I'm interested in it somewhat. Um, the um, Keegan Michael Keeby and it kind of was like raised my eyebrows at a bit. But I mean, I don't know. I just kind of I just hope it's like just like you know you know how like Expendables wanted to do like that callback to like the '80s action movies. Well, I hope they can kind of you know almost recapture that. And I'm wondering. If maybe they can take the that plot of like the super predator and maybe you know like like you guys were saying about um or like how you were saying about like in T two they reprogrammed Arnold yes well, what if the plot was like say this this super predator is like maybe a rogue predator from the rest of the actual predators and they're hunting him down and he just happens to come to Earth um I mean it kind of keeps with that that whole hunter fashion of of the predators while as not necessarily um diminishing the threat that they can be themselves i feel like it's going to be like the classic story of like you know humans try to like make like this ultimate soldier going back to like you know jean-claude van damme and dolph lundgren and universal soldier where they try to make like this you know ultimate soldier you know they take uh the corpse of these old soldiers and try to make them into like robots while you've got like you know the uh the predators here trying to take like make like this hybridization version of the predator where they take like you know other alien dna possibly human dna and they try to make an ultimate predator and it goes wrong usually it's the humans that are trying to make like the ultimate warrior the ultimate uh, killer and uh, now we're dealing with an alien with that technology that does it instead and it kind of goes like wrong for them and now it so the humans and the predators have to team up. I just think that it, for me being like a pre- predator purist, if you want to call me that, <laughs> like it kind of takes away from like the coolness of the predator, you know? I, and it, when I was a kid, it was just enough to watch these predators be badasses. Like I will never forget being nine years old and watching the predator and just thinking like, this is the ultimate action movie ever. <laughs> like this yeah, is yeah. so, yeah, I, it, 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 for me, it kind of, it's like they're trying to one up the predator, which I think is like good enough. Like, oh, now this new predator is like the best of whatever, but he, he, uh, something goes wrong in the experimentation from, you know, the, the predators experimenting on his DNA. Something goes wrong and it turns on them. And, uh, now humans and, and predators have to align and, 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 and go up against this thing. I feel like that's where this is going to. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to watch it and I, I hope it's great. I feel like Shane Black, if anybody could give us a great predator movie, it's Shane Black who actually starred in as, the first one. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like, I don't, I don't think Shane Black is a bad director. I wasn't a biggest fan of, you know, 
his Iron Man three, but like I, <laughs> I think that Shane Black is a pretty damn good director, and I'm gonna give yeah, it a we're shot. Not getting a, we're not getting a red band trailer either, and we know Shane Black isn't no. one to shy away from a no. hard R. So we that did can change a lot too, right? We did get a red band trailer. Oh, okay. Yes, we did get a red band trailer. I actually posted it on our Facebook page, so there is a red band yeah, trailer out there. There, I'm sure there could be a lot of hardcore stuff though that we're still not even seeing in there. Like, like you know, Shane Black is not afraid to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the first movie, you've got the Predator like ripping spines out, you know, and and you know, decorating trees with dead bodies that are skinned. So, yeah, we'll see. Equalizer two trailer came out. The number two trailer, the second trailer came out, and uh, I've seen it uh, online. I've seen it in the theater now. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I absolutely thought it was amazing. Um, he's an Uber driver now. And uh, I loved this <laughs> scene of him going, you know, this woman has been beaten by these guys. And he goes up in there to basically tell them that their credit card. And they, they I think that these guys, these like, they look like, they look like fucking like if you were to like see like 80s Wall Street yuppies or whatever that's what they look yes. like right <laughs> and it looks like they brought this i don't know if she's an escort up to their room and they were having fun and they took it a little too far and they beat her um probably i don't know i i don't know they probably did some bad things to this girl and she comes back down to the uber and um we've got denzel washington going up to the room basically telling them that the credit card didn't go through because they're going to pay for her ride back home and he goes up there and just trashes these guys within 17 seconds and actually uses like they have like one of those metal credit cards you know um and he actually slashes this guy with one of them and i loved this second fucking trailer i thought it was fantastic i'm i'm giving this second trailer a tupperware along with the first i loved it did anybody else watch this equalizer 2 trailer i have not i loved the first trailer though i did too I saw the second trailer last night before Sicario 2, and yeah, Tupperware for sure. Yeah, it's so good. I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the the whole teaming up between. Oh. <laughs> what is going on? Whoa. Wow, is somebody at a hotel and is somebody making ice oh, from the ice sorry. machine? That is my husband who just come home and he is trying to. I'm in the living room or kitchen. Yeah, he's he's getting ice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's his how, do you, how do you, you're on air right now? Like, I thought the world was falling apart he's there. Like staring at me, laughing. It almost, he it he's, almost. He's like, like, I'm just hungry. He's like, I just, I want to eat some pizza and go to bed. Uh, I, it almost sounded like one of those pyramids at like a grocery <laughs> store, all collapsing yeah, it, down. It, it's not bad. It was like giving me like terrible flashbacks. <laughs> he was just trying to get ice. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he just, oh, he was out. He was out with the boys, and now he's back, and he's hungry. So <laughs> we need to we need to teach June some mute button management skills. I know. <laughs> hey, I have been drinking a lot today. So my reflexes are not that great right now. Oh man did did anybody watch the Mandy trailer with Nick Cage? I did. Oh. You sent me the link. I checked it out. What did you think, man? It looked bizarre. I'm gonna I'm gonna high taste that trailer because <laughs> without without seeing that trailer, 
you wouldn't be able to convince me that I wanted to see a new Nick Cage movie. Oh, my God. Okay, basically the synopsis is Pacific Northwest, 1983 A.D. Outsiders, Red Miller, and Mandy Bloom lead a loving and peaceful existence when their pine-scented haven is savagely destroyed by a cult led by the sadistic Jeremiah Sand. Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with fire. Jake, I don't even know how to describe this trailer. I don't even know what I just read, but this trailer looked crazy and insane. Oh my god. Yeah, it almost gave me a bit of a um, Oliver Stone like Natural Born Killers vibe. Yeah. The way it was shot with like the different lighting effects. And yeah. Just like the kind of how surreal it was to begin with and yeah. it definitely looked very fascinating yeah it's one of those movies that i can't wait to see again it's called mandy and i'm going to echo your high taste it because like yeah it's definitely got me intrigued i kind of want to see it uh did anybody else watch the purge tv show trailer I yeah i watched that i it's checked it out too coming out on usa the usa network and uh it's based on the hit movie franchise from Blumhouse Productions. The Purge revolves around a 12-hour period when all crime, including murder, is legal, set in an altered America ruled by a totalitarian political party. The series follows several seemingly unrelated char- uh, characters living in a small city. As the clock winds down, each character is forced to reckon with their past as they discover how far they will go to survive that night. It premieres Tuesday, September 4th at 10 o'clock on USA and on Sci-Fi. And uh, it was only a 40-second teaser. And I'm just going to tell you my excitement level after seeing the teaser is a 100% Tupperware. I am, I got to see this show. I don't know if it's going to be great or not, but the teaser trailer did its job. And it, I don't know, it got my blood level like rising. Like I can't wait to see this fucking show when it comes out yeah i I, i'm gonna very much echo what you're saying brian as far as uh like a trailer goes yeah what they put in 40 seconds that's exactly what i was gonna say i'm gonna tupperware this advertisement and i mean i don't see any way possible that that this isn't a smash television success oh my god yeah this is gonna be huge (laughs) oh my it's an event like i like like uh, the new movie's coming out, the, the first purge or whatever, and, uh, like, I wanna, I wanna go back. I've seen the first two, I saw the second one with Frank Grillo, I have not seen the third, I gotta find the third one, and, uh, now I gotta watch the first purge, and, like, now I definitely wanna see this show. Did anybody else watch this trailer? Yeah, I, I did. I did too. What'd you guys think? Steve? Um- yeah, um, yeah, June. I don't want to hear your ice machine. No, sorry, I don't want to hear. Actually, no. I don't want to hear your. I don't want to hear your ice head. maker over there. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, thank you, husband, for making it. So I no, that was great. Show. I love those moments. If it's not your husband, like making sweet tea on air, it's fucking Stephanie Chapman chomping on pretzels. <laughs> what'd you think steve of uh the purge the uh usa tv show um i i'm a big fan of the purge movies um i'm really excited for uh the the first purge because i i feel like they could do some really cool shit with it um i as far as the tv show goes I, i'm excited that we're gonna get what, what was it 10 episodes um for the series yeah it said. yeah yeah 10 episodes i believe yeah, so 10 episodes, so that, like, I feel like we're going to get an extension, like an extended version of, like, a movie, and we're going to get more 
more characters to develop throughout the season, which I think is a really cool thing. Um, the only like detractor that I had from it is that it's USA. So I and I haven't watched anything on USA in years. Mr. Robot, bro. Mr. Robot. Yeah, it, 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 could, it could be pretty damn mature. You shouldn't be worried about it being on USA. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, good. Yeah, you're yeah, talking about you're talking about Mr. Robot, you know, with Mally Ramick, um, Remy Malik, Remy Malik. God damn it! With uh, <laughs> fucking uh, me being, uh, I can't even think of the word. Fucking dyslexic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, have you seen the new Remy Malik trailer? Not the not the Bohemian Rhapsody. He's doing another movie. No, I have not. I just saw a trailer yeah. for another movie he's in that looks no. pretty incredible. But anyway. Um, seeing Bohemian Rhapsody for sure. Okay. Oh, I can't Did wait you, for that movie. Oh yeah, they're still crediting Brian Singer as the director, but they're not uh-huh. like putting it up front in the trailers. Good. Yeah, no shit. Makes sense. But uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, you're just. I don't know, man. I I would I would try to alleviate your fears about it being on USA. All right. Well, that's that's good then. That I'm I'm yeah I'm a hundred percent in Tupperware. <laughs> Because if they're if they're having it at the you know nine p.m. ten o'clock Eastern time frame, they're going to be able to get away with a lot more now than they would have in that, the past. That's true. Yeah. I'll be interested to see the scope of this thing. Ten episodes is plenty of time to tell a very long form story, a more long form story than they've really been able to tell in any of the single movies. So I'm very fascinated, like what the actual storytelling approach here will be. How would you do it, Jake? Like, would it be a lead up to the purge and or would you have multiple episodes that include the purge or would it be kind of like the purge is the penultimate episode and then like you get the aftermath and the finale? Like what? Like how I would feel you like do you would- it? The show feels like an event, so you want to have the event within the event, like and the event being the purge. So I, I do feel like you want to you want to slow build to it. Maybe not the ninth episode, but mm-hmm. like the fifth, like right in the middle. Like Would you do three to four episodes of build, and then like the latter two thirds of the season, the purge is going on. Jake. Would you do an anthology series with this one? If this like is a hit, let's say it's a hit. People are like, oh my God, Mr. Robot, The Purge USA is back. This is fucking amazing. Would you do an anthology series with this? Would the second season be all brand new characters? Yeah, that's the way to go. I mean, the sky's the limit with this show because if it's happening all over the place, you can just go at any time to any place and yeah. show different happenings. So. Different locations. And I really do think this is a guaranteed hit. I, you know, I like... This is going to get a huge audience. There's a lot of disillusioned Walking Dead fans that I think are going to really flock to something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I think this is going to be huge. June, what did you think about this trailer? And have you seen the other Purge movies? I've seen bits and parts of the first one. Um, I think I'll, I would actually like this story better in TV format, like as a- in kind of spread out over... Ten episodes, especially if it is something where, like you guys said, it wouldn't be like the purge would actually happen. Like I guess halfway through, like you'd have the build up to it to see more preparation, mm-hmm. like leading, like what people do to actually prepare for this. And like say if this is something where the purge has been going on for years, then it's like if people have certain things that they have to do or they know they have to do, and like learning, like oh, but this didn't work before, and so yeah. let's try something new, and so. I want to see. I want to see how the different classes of people deal with the purge. I want to exactly. See, that, I want to, that I think would be good. I think that's how you can do that yes. in a longer form. I want to see high society. I want to see middle class, and I want to see poor. 
I want to see how mm-hmm. everybody deals with the purge. And I think that's what's going to make this a great show because I think like everybody would be able to watch this. Yeah. And I do want to see the 1% going to get fucked here. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of, yeah. yeah, I do. But, uh, of course they won't. They'll be fine. Um, the new trailer for, uh, it's been out for a while actually. I, I had not seen it before. It's this new Spike Lee movie called Black Klansman. And, uh, did you guys watch this trailer? Yes. No, I've not seen. I know about the movie, but I have not seen the trailer yet. Steve, have you seen I, it? Uh, what was the What was the movie? It's called Black Klansman. No, I have not seen anything about it yet. Okay, it's about Ron Stallworth, an African American police officer from Colorado, successfully managed to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan and become the head of the local chapter. And it stars okay. John David Washington. From the book of Eli and Ballers on HBO, and he's actually the son of Denzel Washington. It mm-hmm. also stars Adam Driver, uh, Topher Grace, and Alec Baldwin, and it's a uh, crime dramedy, co-written and directed by Spike Lee, and it's based on the autobiographical book Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth, and it's based on a true story. Uh, I'm just gonna say, like, I can't wait to see this movie. It looks fantastic. I can't either. Yeah, it's, it sounds it's be great. So good. Yeah, it does sound really good. I, I've heard the synopsis already, but yeah, I, I didn't know there was a trailer out. Yeah, so definitely check. It's called uh, Black Klansman. Check it out. Uh, trailer should be on YouTube. Just Google it. But uh, yeah, it looks really good. The trailer is just crazy about how, like, you know, John David Washington, this actor, um, when he first calls Topher Grace, who's like the head of like the. KK, this KKK chapter, and he's basically talking in his white voice. <laughs> now this guy, oh, it's great, and yeah. how Topher Grace just kind of like feeds into it, and then basically he's going to have to like meet him, but of course he can't meet him the way he is because he's a he's a black man. So they send Adam Driver out there to play his like th- this guy that he's been talking to over the phone and this oh my god it just looks fucking incredible i can't not wait to see black klansman it looks really good well it's Topher grace he's playing um david duke though isn't that what he, who he's actually playing is david duke you're right he is yeah okay that's what i thought i couldn't remember um but no this looks great but i love like yeah when he first calls Topher grace on the phone and then like everyone else and the person they're, they're like listening to him, but he goes on. He's like, I hate the Jews and I hate like just kind of goes through the litany of like uh-huh. all the people that he hates just to milk, you know, just to be like, all right, I got to get this guy. Yeah. He's just feeding this guy's ego and like, like looking at everyone else. Like you look at like at a driver, like turns around and stares at him. Like, uh-huh. what are you saying? Right now? <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Bloomberg has reported that, uh, Disney wins U.S. approval for the Fox deal. Uh, Walt Disney won U.S. antitrust approval for its 71 billion purchase of 20, 21st Century Fox. Entertainment assets raising hurdles for a potential rival bid from Comcast Corp. So basically, What's happened here is the uh, Department of Justice approved the Disney purchase after only six months of consideration as opposed to the 12 to 18 month wait that everybody was kind of anticipating. And that's because of the AT&T Time Warner deal going through. And it's kind of paved the way for Disney to purchase Fox here. Um, I also have heard, I, I understand it's a $71 billion purchase, but 
you can also tack on, I think it's 14 to $15 billion that uh, Disney has added. They're taking on Fox's debt to make this deal closer to like $85 billion once it's all said and done. So they've taken on some of Fox's debt as well. Um, Disney agrees to sell Fox's 22 regional sports networks to resolve the Justice Department's concerns that the deal would raise prices for cable sports programming in local markets. Uh, the approval is a victory for Disney in its uh, battle with Comcast for one of the media's biggest industry prizes. Uh, Fox last week accepted a sweetened bid from Disney, which upped its offer following Comcast's competing $65 billion cash bid. Uh, the $38 a share price is about $10 a share higher than what Disney offered in December and $3 above Comcast's bid. Comcast still has time to respond here. Uh, Fox canceled a shareholder meeting to vote on the Disney deal that had been planned for July 10th. Comcast is now mulling its next steps, including possibly teaming up with private equity investors in its pursuit of Fox assets. A person familiar, familiar with the situation said on Wednesday, Wall Street expects the cable giant to come back with a counter bid. But see, the problem with Comcast now coming in with a counter bid is that Disney's offer is pro- Disney's offer is probably as good as it's probably a done deal in my opinion. It, it, it'll probably be the one that Fox kind of settles on because the shareholders would risk more regulatory delays if they push the Fox executives to consider Comcast new bid, whatever that might be. So right now with like this deal going through, like it's got its approval. Um, it's clean it's, and they got all the, you know, yeah. everything all in a bow, you know, they got the deal with the sports networks and, there's there's not going to be a lot of like insane legalities that Fox is going to have to deal with. It's so a sure, it is more enticing. Yes. It's a sure deal for the share, it's a sure deal for the shareholders at this point. Yeah. Right? They and they don't have to wait longer. Um I don't know. I I I kind of think that Disney's going to pull through on this one. So I agree with that. I, 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 I never I, doubt it. I never doubted that they would. Honestly, like I felt like they were always going to end up with it somehow. It's Disney. Well, when you I look mean, at, when you look at the, uh, I know it's Disney, but when you look at like the, 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 the value of Disney to Comcast, they're only about $10 billion apart as far as like their assets, like their, their worth. So it, yeah, it was anyone's game when it came to who really wanted to put the money out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, if, if, if Fox has to dissolve and, and, uh, you know, become part of another big studio, I'm glad that it is Disney. Have you guys seen, uh, yeah, so that's great. Have you guys seen the new trailer for the Matthew McConaughey movie the coming out? Uh, uh, White Boy Rick? No. Uh-uh. I Wait, did. Is that the one with Anne Hathaway? No. Is she in it? Yeah. White boy Rick. Huh? Yeah, she's a blonde. She's she? Is that her? Yeah. She's no, got we're thinking, hair. no, we're thinking of serendipity. That's the one that the boat with like the boat and like 
the fishing, like he looks like Nantucket or something. I know. Yeah, I knew Matthew McConaughey was doing another movie with her, you know, uh, Post Interstellar. Yeah, no, this movie, it's uh, Matthew McConaughey is like a, a fisherman of some sort. And Anne Hathaway wants him to kill her her husband who beats her. Oh, no, no, this is not the movie I'm talking about. Oh, it's not? okay. Oh. I'm talking about White Boy Rick. It's like his son, uh, Matthew McConaughey plays a father and his son gets involved with like these drug dealers and they, and, and, and his son becomes like an informant for the FBI and becomes like the youngest kind of like drug crime lord. He's like 15 years old or some shit. The movie looks incredible. Hmm. Yeah, no. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. All right, listeners, people listening, uh, Google uh, White Boy Rick and watch the fucking trailer. It looks hysterical and it looks it looks like what Johnny Depp was like, like like the movie Blow, you know, that kind of movie, you know, like it. It, it reminds me of like the like like Scorsese, like Goodfellas, like Blow, like those kind of movies. It looks really good. But you're talking about what it was a movie called Seren what? Serendipity? Serendipity. That's that's the name of the new the one that he's in with Anne Hathaway with like Oh. That was a that was a that was a John Cusack Yes. Kate. What was her name? That what? was a time travel one, yeah. No, I'm kind of. There was a rom com with uh with uh, John Cusack and what's her name from the uh the no, vamp- not time travel. The, the 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 Kate what's her name? Kate uh Winslet? No. No. Uh, back in sale. Back in yeah. sale. Yeah. Perfect. They did a movie called Serendipity. And that was a little rom com. Yep. Yeah. This episode sucks. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about our uh, R2A cookies again. Serenity. It's called Serenity. Oh, Serenity. Okay. Serenity. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Matthew McConaughey. Hopefully, hopefully he's making some good movies here, man. Because like uh, that was that gold that got like that got panned by the critics. Critics hate. I don't even know what that is. Know what that is? Yeah. It's a pile of shit. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay. Jason Blum talked uh, with Variety about the movie A Quiet Place and revealed that they would have passed on the film. Uh, quote. I could not have pulled it off. I would have loved to produce the movie, but I don't think we would have done it as well as they did it because it's a totally different space that we operate in. It's a big movie. And what his quote here, what it's, what he's talking about is he's talking about the budget. Blumhouse doesn't make expensive blockbuster movies. Uh, they used to make movies that were $5 million or less. They've recently just started making films for 10 million to 12 million and a quiet place's budget was over 12, uh, 20 million, 20 million, excuse me. And it was actually, uh, quiet place was actually made by Michael Bay's company, Platinum Dunes. They made uh, a quiet place, and they're also going to be doing the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot that's being developed. Oh dear! <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Like I don't know. Like I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, yeah, I, I, it's probably going to be garbage. Whatever. But like Platinum Dunes, like people loved a quiet place, and it's still got Michael Bay's name on it. Like Michael Bay, his signature's not anywhere on a quiet place. That was all John Krasinski. Yeah, sometimes he funds good movies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Andrew Form, a producer on A Quiet Place, confirmed that John Krasinski will 
be involved in the sequel for A Quiet Place if they do make it. It sounds like they are going to, but yeah, Jason Blum said that they would have never funded, they would never, they would have passed on A Quiet Place, man. That, uh, I don't know, man. Is hindsight 2020? Do you think like, do you think that Jason Blum had he knew, knew it was a sure thing that they would have, that they would have, you know, opened the purse on this one? They would have opened the purse strings on this one, Jake? Yeah, I, but it's one of those things though, man. It's like the Jaws effect, right? It's like maybe what, why a quiet place was so good is that they didn't open the purse for it and that Krasinski did what he did with the budget that he had. Like yeah. would more money have made a better movie? It's like impossible to say. Well, more money did make a great movie. Cause like platinum Dune spent 20 million and Jason Blum, like the, I think the most they've ever spent on a movie is around 12 million. They, they don't, they don't make movies more than that. It used to be $5 million or less. They've recently started doing $10 million budgets. Oh, I got you. I'm sorry. I misunderstood then. It, it was, it, they passed up on it and the other studio paid the asking price. Yeah. yeah it yeah. wasn't a budget. Well, it's not like, apologies. it's not like the offer was out there for the, for Blumhouse to do it. But Jason Blum just basically said like, Hey, like had we had the opportunity to make a quiet place, we would have passed on it because of our budgetary reasons. And it kind of like, mm-hmm. it makes me think like, will Jason, will Jason Blum and Blumhouse like, rethink the way that they're making movies or are they going to still do like these low budget flicks because they do i mean truth or dare was like i got on here and i talked about it and it was a terrible movie but like it still made its money back because it was like made for less than five million dollars and it made it made like double. it takes away the risk it does take away the risk agreed they've got i mean eventually they may evolve and do and spend more money but i think that like like you're describing the business models working now, so why why roll the dice and risk it? There's zero risk making this new Spawn movie, Jake. They're, they're, like Blumhouse is thinking, like, okay, uh, we've got a comic book property, our first comic book property. We're making Spawn. Uh, we're going to make it for you know twelve million dollars or less. Like it's probably going to because it's Spawn. It's probably going to make that in the first fucking weekend. It's probably going to double that in the first weekend. We're hoping. Yeah. Because it's a property name, people people know. I, I feel like it has a big chance to be a hit. It's got a big star in it. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna make some loot. I wonder if like Jason Blum will ever like reconsider this and be like, let's take a big risk on this stuff, or if he's just gonna come, like you know, he's just gonna keep playing it safe. Like honestly, I respect him for playing it safe and passing on a quiet place. But like, I wonder if in hindsight, if now, if he knew now what he could have jumped on back then if he would have if he would have pulled if he would have opened the purse strings and said yeah let's do a quiet place let's let's fucking like 20 million dollars here you go make your fucking movie like let's 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 make some money yeah it's hard to say though like it's hard to know what is going to be a big stinker poo and what is a big hit right like Maybe they just don't have the creative minds or the thinking minds to see an unknown property like a quiet place in infant form yeah. and say, okay, this thing is worth the twenty million. It's yeah. like people have been burned by those kind of things, you know? Yeah, and they could have made a quiet place. Like, let's say they made it cheaper, it might not be the movie that we got today, right? I mean, we definitely know it wouldn't have been. So, yeah, yeah. agreed. Did uh, Steve June? Did you guys see Quiet Place? I did. I haven't. You fucked up, Joan. I know I did. 
You and fucked it up. It looked really scary. It looked really scary, and I just really I didn't want to see it. It looked hey, too scary. June, let me ask you this what? question. Yes. Do, do you know what isn't a quiet place? Your kitchen when your husband is using <laughs> the ice maker. <laughs> he went to the bedroom because yeah, he's like we. He's shunned away now. Nah, he's fine. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. It's all good times. I know. All good times. All good times. Hey guys, we got a new uh, report here about Top Gun Two. I think it's. I think they are going to go with the title Top Gun Maverick. I think that was the rumor titled years ago, and I think that's what they're going to go with here. This uh, rumor comes from THR. Nicholas Holt, Glenn Powell. And Miles Teller are the front runners for a key role on Top Gun 2. Apparently, uh, they're looking at one of these actors to play the son of Goose. Uh, Jake, I know you've never seen Top Gun, but in the original Top Gun, uh, his wife is played by Meg Ryan and Goose dies. Spoilers for a 30 fucking year old movie. 32 year old <laughs> hey, movie. I ain't watching this shit now. Uh, yeah, I know. I ruined it for you 32 years later. But, uh, <laughs> Goose dies. He's kind of like wingman in the air. Goose dies. And, um, but they have, like, his wife is pregnant with their baby. And, uh, apparently it looks like they're looking to cast Goose's son, uh, in the movie. And they're down to three actors, the rumor is Nicholas Holt, Glenn Powell, or Miles Teller. And, uh, Val Kilmer's coming back. Apparently to play Iceman, and uh, oh. <laughs> it's going to be directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who directed Tom Cruise in uh, the uh, sci- science fiction movie uh, Oblivion, which I loved. Oblivion, Oblivion is fantastic. So um, I don't know, man. I'm having a hard time with thinking about the casting here. I'm not too familiar with Glenn Powell. Anybody familiar with Glenn Powell? No, no not really. Other than the photo I saw of him the other day, hearing about this casting news. He no. does, I mean, yeah, the photo, he does look the closest, I guess, to Goose, right? Eh, I don't know, I, yeah, him and Nicholas Holt, yeah, but Miles Teller, no. Yeah, not, Miles Teller looks nothing like, <laughs> yeah, like no. Meg Ryan, and, hold on, like, what's, what's this guy in? He's in Hidden Figures, I guess he was in The Expendables. Back in 2014, mm. Expendables 3, the worst one. He was in The Dark Knight. I don't remember. Glenn Powell, I don't remember this guy. I don't know. I think it's silly. Goose's son. Give me a break. I want to be a pilot too, like my dead dad. He was in The Dark Knight. What was he? Who did he play? Uh, Gordon's kid? Mm. I have no clue. I have no yeah, clue. Yeah, I don't man. know. Miles Teller just seems like, I don't, he's, like, I, like, I was so strong on this guy, like, when I first saw him in The Spectacular. Now, I loved him on Whiplash, and then he started doing the Divergent movies, and then he did, I never did see, like, was he in that movie, what was that movie called, War Dogs, with, uh, Jonah Hill? I never saw it. Mm, Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but he, he was in that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big Miles Teller fan. I, I like I liked him a lot in Whiplash. Yeah, and I've, I've enjoyed him when I've seen him, but there's just too it's it happens too often with him on screen where I just want to where he 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 just seems like he just wants wants to look at the camera and go I'm Miles Teller, and then like he just seems very full of himself and and he looks nothing like Goose. I would I, I mean in 
I would prefer Nicholas Holt, Holt, really. I mean, I enjoy him on screen. Yeah, he was great in Warm Bodies. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know. Top Gun 2, I just... That first one was just so 80s. I don't know where they're going to go with this one. Like, you know, I don't... Yeah, I don't want them to leave the romance out. That's Top Gun. That's Top Gun is about sunsets and guys in fucking <laughs> bomber jackets riding motorcycles and uh that's what it's about. That's what it's about for me and I don't unless I have that in this new movie like I want you know, I want that. I want Kenny Loggins, right? Where you're getting Berlin that. and Berlin. And Berlin, I want Berlin. They announced Loggins is doing a brand new version of Danger Zone for the movie. <laughs> yes. But did they really? Yeah, that's like the only bit of news I know because I Uh-oh. love that song. <laughs> oh, I did too. Oh my god, I did too. I was in the third grade. I remember just putting on headphones and going to the Danger Zone, and and being yeah. as an eight year old, I entered the Danger Zone. <laughs> I I fell in love with the song late because of the uh, Grand Theft Auto video games. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I don't even. Know. Do Do you guys want to talk about Jim Jim Carrey in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, or do you want to skip it? Oh God, let's skip that. All right, skip. Yeah. <laughs> skip it. I agree. <laughs> it's happening, people. Uh, no, variety, Jesus. Variety, no. <laughs> variety had an exclusive. Indiana Jones Five will miss its 2020 release date. Indiana Jones uh, <laughs> will not be riding back into theaters on July 10th, 2020, uh, the fifth installment of the series. Uh, it will be written, though, by uh, Jonathan Kasdan. He confirmed it on Twitter. Uh, Twitter follower of his like asked him, hey, are you really involved in this? And he said he, he had like a little reply basically confirming his involvement in this one. Um Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford are reportedly committed to come back and uh, be involved in the franchise, but uh, it's going to miss its date of uh, July 10th, 2020. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, my God. If people think us doing our iTunes review is fucking us filleting each other, this is fucking Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones 5. Oh, I wish it would just go away. Wait, Shia LaBeouf gonna be in this too? No, no, no. That, yeah. see, that would be like that makes it better already than the fourth one. Yeah, because Shia yeah. LaBeouf isn't in it. Because I, I mean, the fourth one was so bad. I just I don't want another one. And they got a new writer. They had an original writer on this, and they got rid of. He's off the project, and now they've got Lawrence Kasdan's son, Jonathan Kasdan, who. Has done Who's some, done what? But helped his dad with Solo. No, no, no. He he did a movie before this, Jake, and 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 like it, it did well. Um, a lot of people um, enjoyed the film. It wasn't panned by critics. It was a lot of people liked it. But like, if Solo's any indication as to like if people are just looking at Solo, then yeah, they're they're thinking that this movie's going to be terrible. Um, the, the I don't know. The, Harrison Ford is in his seventies now. I mean, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, uh, Indiana Jones 5. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Go, yeah, go away. Yeah. I wanted this, I wanted, a, I wanted it to end on a movie that would, um, uh, make, you know, that would, that would right the wrongs of Indiana Jones 4, but, we're just getting to that point where it's just like, you know, he's the same. 
like older than fucking Sean Connery was when he played his father in fucking part three, The Last Crusade. Yeah. I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, it's, at, it's at some point you gotta give up. I don't know, guys. I don't know. And I don't want to see some, like, I don't want them to do the same thing again where there's some, like, young up-and-coming actor alongside Harrison Ford that we're trying to hand the torch to. Like, if we're going to do it, just fucking do it and have confidence that Harrison Ford can lead this thing and give us a good fucking, you know, historical sci-fi mystery. (sighs) I don't think they have that in them. We'll see. I don't know. Um... Part of me just wishes that they would, uh, if they're going to do it, just age him down. Like, you know, like the Marvel movies have done, you know? De-aging, like, yeah, the CGI de-aging. Yeah, Harrison Ford wouldn't have it, though, right? He wouldn't do that. I don't that. understand him. He's just, I don't know. I don't understand. He's got to stick up his ass, and I don't understand why. <laughs> it doesn't I because love he really A lot of that's an act. Yeah, I love Harrison Ford, too. I got to step like, in here. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing with like him, like how much he like hates Star Wars, like, of all the people that were in Star Wars, like, I don't, he was never, like, it's not like he never did anything else. He's probably had the most successful career out of yeah. everyone in Star Wars. So I don't understand what his hangup is about, like, being so bitter about it. Yeah, I think he hates the fandom a little bit. And, you know, the last six months I've kind of related okay, with Well, him. that's true. The fandom has been pretty terrible, so. But still, I don't know. He, he is a person. He's just become ornery and crotchety and yeah he's a crabby old man it's yeah. great <laughs> he like, if you're an indiana jones fan you know you you hate nazis it comes with the territory so he doesn't have to worry about that kind of shit <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh what's his wife's name what was her name Felicia Lockhart. yeah she needs to clean his fucking pipes right <laughs> <laughs> he's just clogged up right yep yeah Mm, no, if, if that's what's making him grouchy, then no, I like it. <laughs> no, no, she's needs... great on interviews, man. He's one of my favorite interviews of all time on any platform. Yeah, I love it. I hate he it. Fuck around. I, I absolutely hate it. I I didn't let really. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm with June on this one. He's been like, I don't know. There's been times where like he's given responses where I'm just like, God damn it. Like, you know, I, it's, it's nice that he's finally kind of embraced the Star Wars fandom a little bit over the past few years going to San Diego Comic Con for the first time. But before that, he was just kind of terrible <laughs> to fans. So <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. I, I'm with you, June. Like they, you know, people love. Yeah, he's a beloved character. I, I mean, he's Harrison Ford, though. He can act whatever, however he wants to. He's not as bad as Bruce Willis. With, hey, hold on. Oh, I, Bruce Willis is like not cool to the fans. I don't know. Oh, oh he's terrible. Yeah, he's terrible. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I never knew about this. He's terrible. He's terrible. Oh. Uh, I just want to say this. Um, they're having the uh, Comedy Central roast of Bruce Willis, I believe, on July 29th. And um, this has not been a kind month to Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was not invited to the roast. And I want to say to Comedy Central that you guys are huge pussies for not inviting Kevin Smith to the roast of Bruce Willis. If anybody needed to be invited to the roast of 
Bruce Willis. It's Kevin <laughs> Smith and Comedy Central. You are huge fucking pussies for yeah. not inviting Kevin Smith. Fuck you. Fuck your roast of Justin Bieber. Fuck your bullshit. You guys are such huge fucking pussies. The network that couldn't handle Anthony Jeselnik. Fuck you. Whatever. I'm sorry. I love Tosh.0. Thank God he's still on the air. But, uh, and, and South Park and stuff. And I know that they let some people get edgy, but like, to not invite Kevin Smith to a Bruce Willis roast? Fuck you. Yeah. I'm sure Bruce Willis himself had to fucking sign off on anyone they invited to. Yeah, fuck you too, Bruce, because apparently yeah. Bruce Willis. <laughs> apparently, I gotta look this up now. I'm gonna do that after this. Because, watch some yeah, interviews. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I'll tell you a story here, and I, I found this out from our uh, buddy Dan West, who has uh, guested on the show many a time. Uh, I'll tell you that story here in a second. But um, Bruce Willis, you should watch some interviews with him. When he's not feeling it with an interviewer, an interviewer that's just asking him questions, he can come off as a total fucking asshole. Here's a, here's a story that I heard from Dan West, who was on our show and told us this story. Uh, Bruce Willis was, uh, Kevin Smith actually told this story originally, and then Dan West, of course, relayed it to us on the show. But Bruce Willis was walking around with Kevin Smith on the set when they were filming Cop Out, and, uh, there were some fans that were yelling, um, to Bruce, uh, to Bruce Willis, like, that were like, yeah, Bruce Willis, we love you, and all this stuff, like his fans. And Bruce Willis turns to Kevin Smith and says, you know, the ones that I hate the most are the ones that yell die hard. Yes. Wow. And it's <laughs> like, dude, you, you hate the fans that, like, love you for the movie that elevated you into superstardom like you started off on moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd and yeah you were great like that show was like beloved everybody I, I, I remember my parents watching moonlighting and I remember I remember watching moonlighting with my mom and my dad and just thinking like this guy is hysterical like he was he was so funny and charismatic I remember a, a scene of him jumping up on a desk and just acting nuts in an episode of moonlighting and thinking like oh my god this guy is so funny I think this guy's hilarious and then you know a few <laughs> years later of course I see him on uh, Die Hard and it's like the movie that every movie action movie in the uh late 80s and early 90s tried to emulate and then he gets so cocky and look at where he is now he's like he's not like he's not the name that he used to be in hollywood so no yeah that's just him being arrogant right it's like Oh, big deal. You know, your biggest, most iconic movie, even though it's all these years later, you're still recognized for it. I mean, you're the guy that's made six of them still, you know? It's not like he hasn't rode that train, too. So it's yeah. really kind of fucking hypocritical for him to hate bands like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's sad. There's some, I, I've watched some, actually, on an old episode of Pop Culture Leftovers, at the end of the episode, I played like an old clip of him with, uh, his 12 monkeys co-star um when they were doing a they were doing another movie together or something like that um and i played a clip of bruce willis just being a complete asshole to an interviewer I'd ha i'll have to find that and send it to you guys Man. but yeah it's terrible let's move on let's move on um uh, yeah but bruce willis actually called apparently called uh 
Kevin Smith recently didn't didn't apologize but was just talking to him and kevin kevin when he was talking about it on hollywood babylon to this day he didn't know if it was bruce or not or somebody pretending to be bruce (laughs) but yeah oh my god been a bad week for kevin smith fucking uh not week but like a bad bad month like comic book man got canceled so it sucks oh it did seven seasons seven seasons so is macaulay culkin doing some caulking over there if one of you- <laughs> it's not me. I'm uh, sorry. I'm- my other one out of the door and just walked back into the bedroom. Like he just, it's just, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was alone and now I wasn't. So. I, yeah, I, just, I just wanted to make a Macaulay Culkin caulking joke. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I like to bring things back around full you circle. Tweet him that idea. I told No, him. don't. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh man. Oh, it, it, he's working on homes. It could be like, Home, not alone, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> uh, it's HGTV show. Totally an HGTV show. Oh my god, I had an ex girlfriend that used to make me watch like Trading Spaces all the time. Oh my god. Oh my god, I used to have to watch that shit all the fucking time. <laughs> I watched so many episodes of Trading Spaces. It's ridiculous. It's back when that, uh, uh, what was that? Move that bus guy was still on that fucking show back when he was one of the carpenters on that fucking show. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Hey, let's talk about the Halo TV show. Uh, Halo was once rumored to be a movie years ago. They were talking about making Halo, the video game for the Xbox into a movie. Denzel Washington at one time was rumored to be playing the role of Master Chief. Uh, then, uh, even, even more recently, IMDb uh, had a page for the Halo movie being directed by Neil Blomkamp, the director for District 9, and then written by Alex Garland, the uh, director for Ex Machina and Annihilation. And um, then finally, we find out that it's going to be a TV series that's landing on Showtime. So Showtime has ordered a Halo TV series. The news comes from Entertainment Weekly, a scripted TV drama uh, series based on Microsoft's massive Halo video game franchise for xbox is finally really happening after being mired in development purgatory for five years showtime has announced a project green light for 10 episodes plus hired a showrunner and director uh we're told halo which is the show's working title for now will dramatize an epic 26th century conflict between humanity and an alien threat known as the covenant halo will weave deeply drawn personal stories with action adventure and richly imagined versions of the future kyle killen from awake will serve as executive producer writer and showrunner while rupert wyatt the director for the first planet of the apes reboot film rise of the planet of the apes will direct multiple episodes and also executive produce uh david nevins president and ceo of showtime said about this project halo is our most ambitious series ever and we expect audiences who have been anticipating it for years to be thoroughly rewarded in the history of television there simply has never been Enough great science fiction. Kyle Killen's scripts are thrilling, expansive, and provocative. Rupert Wyatt is a wonderful world-building director, and their vision of Halo will enthrall fans of the game while also drawing the uninitiated into a world of complex characters that populate this unique universe. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying, like, I like I never thought that Showtime would get this series. I... 
it sounds like it's going to be a big budget thing. Um, as far as like most ambitious series ever, it sounds like they're going to hopefully put the money into this. It sounds like it, you know, like Amazon might be a better home for it with like, you know, Jeff Bezos, all their money. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff Bezos being the richest man in the world, uh, being able to basically like, uh, fund this thing. But, Showtime. Yeah, the is, show kind of rides or dies on its budget, right? Yes, but Showtime, I think Showtime is wanting to go for subscribers here, man. I really do. Like, they really, I mean, they've got, like, what is that show? Billions. They've got The Shy. They've got a few other shows, but like, they really haven't had a Dexter since Dexter. They haven't done a whole lot of like sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be more of like an HBO Am- it's more of HBO's thing, especially H- with Game of Thrones. So it seems like this might be them trying to do like a yeah. newish Game of Thrones type fantasy sci-fi thing. But it's it's based on a video game. Video game movies don't really do that well. But like, I guys, I will tell you this: I don't know, I don't know how this show is gonna look. I don't know if it's gonna be any good, but. Do I want a great Halo TV series? Fuck yes, I do. I Halo is one of those games. Like I, I played uh, Halo One. I, I beat Halo. I beat Halo Two. Um, I didn't beat Halo Three, but I played the fuck out of Halo Three. Uh, it's that's the last Xbox console I bought was the 360. But I, Halo was one of those games. Where, like I loved Halo. It was my favorite first person shooter. I. I want to see this series. I want them to actually make real fucking warthogs that they can drive around in and those tanks. And I want these worlds to look amazing. Like they've already got their theme song. I mean, that, that's, Oh, that's the iconic. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you gotta have music, right? They've already got their theme song. They've got their music. Like Jake, Jake, I don't know how Showtime is going to do this, and I don't know your thoughts on Halo, but, like, in my deepest, like, in, in, in my in my dreams, I want a great Halo fucking adaptation on TV. Like, I know that, like, they've done, like, these cheap Halo movies. Like, Mike Coulter, who's our Luke Cage, was involved in a Halo movie direct uh, video on demand or whatever the fuck. And, like, these are garbage, but, like... As far as like good Halo shit, like, yeah, I want good Halo shit, man. Like, this would be incredible. Like, Master Chief is iconic, dude. Yeah, I'm not a freak for the games. It, nothing personal. I'm just not a big first person shooter guy. But like the the atmosphere and the setting and like the the story, it, it all it's a really cool like concept, and it could really make a really great TV show. Like, did my me not liking first person shooter games wouldn't deter me from thinking this was an amazing show sure yeah i i yeah i really got into first person shooter games like with uh you know wolfenstein and doom my mom back in the 90s my mom back in the 90s was a big my mom played fucking wolfenstein and doom my mom playing doom which is crazy walking into like my mom's sewing room and she had her computer there and my you could hear roll 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 my mom who goes to like you know uh who's gone to like baptist churches her entire life is sitting there killing demons (laughs) in her sewing room playing the computer and just my mom used to play the fuck out of doom so like 
my mom playing Doom and Wolfenstein 3D and all this stuff kind of got me into first-person shooters, which then led me to, of course, to play Halo. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I loved Halo. Halo is like one of the last games that I kind of, I, I kind of played, but, uh, Steve, did you ever well, play Halo? Are you, oh, we're talking about oh, Halo. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, what? I'm, no, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, yeah, no, I'm here. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I I played the shit out of Halo uh, yeah. with with my uh, one of my best friends growing up. I mean, it was that was the, the, that was like one of the first really interesting kind of sci-fi storylines in a video game I ever got into. And then like on top of that, I was introduced to online gameplay with that for the first time. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, if they do it, I hope they can do it right and do it well. Um, but yeah, the. the so far, the the live action stuff that I've seen of Halo has not been, yeah, it's been subpar. Yeah, but I'm hoping like you know if, if we're talking about like Rupert Wyatt here, you know, get involved in this and and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 the Showtime thing that kind of has me worried too. Like if this was like HBO or Amazon, uh, I would be more kind of like oh my god. But I feel like Showtime. This is kind of like a, a hail mary for them too. Like hey. We want subscribers. Like, I feel like this is like they really want some subscribers out of this. I feel like this would bring people to Showtime. Oh, yeah. definitely. I agree. Much in the same way that like Stars got people with the Evil Dead series at yeah. first. I think this would have that initial appeal. Yeah. It's just whether or not you can hold that audience after that initial like, you know, first reaction jump in subscriber base. June, do you have any experience to the Halo series? I mean, I know of it. Sure. But, yeah, that's like, the extent that I know that it's a video game. has to do with aliens. And that's about it. <laughs> I don't play <laughs> video games. Like, I, honestly, like, they got way, they got re, they got way too complicated after yeah. the Super Nintendo. Um, I'm not kidding. Like, that just, even the Super Nintendo, like, when they added, like, the four extra buttons, like, that was too much for me. And I was like, this is, I can't handle it. So... <laughs> I need like the old like Nintendo controller with like just the up, down, left, right, and the A and B button. Oh my god! Do you remember back in the day of Atari when it was literally just a fucking? It was a box with a fucking. It had a joystick and one button. Yeah, I, <laughs> I need something simple like that. <laughs> I remember. I remember those days, and I remember being content. I remember being blown away seeing the Nintendo Entertainment System. When it had an A and a B button, I was like, "Holy shit, two fucking buttons!" Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Super Nintendo gave you those shoulder buttons, and that yeah, was it gave you the oh, left yeah. level. Yeah, it gave you X and Y, and then you had like, and then it gets into A and B. You had the other two, so you had like four buttons on like the right side. So I just, I said, you know what? This is too complicated. I can't go any further than this. And then when you got the Nintendo sixty four, you could fucking do the reach around, and you got the button in the back, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. Yeah. button. Yeah, exactly. Like whoa. I don't think oh. my twelve year old mind went there, but yeah looking at it now yeah i could see that so oh man i remember my aunt taking me to toys r us and getting me a nintendo 64 rest in peace toys r us oh god yeah oh, yeah no. yesterday was the final day for toys r us i was half mm -hmm. tempted to drive uh we don't have a toys r us in my town but i was half tempted to drive 45 minutes away just to say goodbye and and uh but uh, but i didn't but uh you know i'd been there within the last month and 
I'm, that's crazy. Jake, that's fucked up, dude. I'm, I'm, it's literally hitting me just now that I'll never be able to, like, on a, on a lazy Saturday, drive to a Toys R Us and just walk the aisles again, man. Yeah, it is, it is crazy. That's like, I at least went there a couple times a year, probably ever since it was open. So it's, it's very wild. I'll never be able to do that. I, I, I would sometimes, you know, just, uh, drive out, uh, to the Toys R Us and, and just walk through the aisles. And I, I never, I, I didn't have to buy everything every time I went there. It was just nice to see what they had on the shelves, you know, like. No, I agree. Yeah. I loved it for the Star Wars movies again. Like every time the new Star Wars movies came out, it was mm. a fun place to see all the new Star Wars yeah. toys. Yeah. Everybody's so sad online. Everybody's so sad. Oh no, it's Toys R Us when I, you did it, you fucking assholes. You did it. <laughs> you were, you were going to Amazon and buying your toys and going to other places. You killed them. You killed them. We all killed them. I killed them. I helped kill them. Yeah. We all did. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't go to brick and mortar stores, right? That's the problem. We had taken uh, a picture of Jeffrey the giraffe and turned it into one of those uh, Infinity War. You were one of those memes. assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 a friend of mine sent me the picture, and I was like, "Oh, this would be great." And I have the app on my phone, so I went and made it and posted that, and and a ton of people on Facebook sad reacted to it, and I was just like, "Ah." <laughs> Because uh, everybody was crying about it, and so I was just kind of like, "Ah, like, you know, I hate when I see the, like the same people." bitching about the same shit it's just like there's other there's yeah. better stuff there's more important shit going on yeah how much did, just, how much did you spend at toys r us over the last decade you asshole hey i have a not uh, you i was talking about people oh, in general bitching oh, about it oh. Oh, yeah because i i have the last thing that i'll ever buy from a toys r us sitting on my entertainment center right now it's a little model car that i bought like three months ago oh that's cool anything specific or just a regular car it's um, it's it's like a rally version, a widened out rally version of a Subaru WRX. Like it's got a big old wing on the back and a bunch of sponsor stickers. It was um, I, I can't remember the brand um, but it was a really uh, a, an odd brand that I had never seen before, and they had all types of old sort of uh, tuner cars from Japan. And I'm definitely going to try and track them down online now that I can't get them in the store. But being that I have this one car, like. I'll always remember that as that's the last thing I ever bought at Toys R Us. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, God, oh, I'm going to miss Toys Lego. R Us, though. I'm going to miss it for the convenience of yeah. the fact that I always forget my friends' kids' birthdays because I do. I, I just keep forgetting them, and it's like shit. And so the Toys R Us was great because I just run there, grab a present for the kid, and I don't have that. I guess I have to go to, what, Target now? Yeah, you got to go to Target or Walmart. Yeah. Fucking uh, yeah. That's not Walmart's a mess when it comes to toys too. I yeah, it's terrible. It certainly is entertaining walking around Walmart though. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it it's not. I people watch it entertains me. <laughs> no, people walk too damn slow in the fucking Walmart. Like I just need to go get my shit and get out. People who uh, stroll in Walmart are just they drive me fucking. Crazy. I am telling you the one the most embarrassing thing for me within the past few months. Everybody know if you've been listening to the show for the past like six months. Uh, back uh, ju- uh, January first, yeah, New Year's Day, I uh, tore my Achilles tendon and uh, I couldn't walk and uh, I was putting like a splint and all this shit. 
I, uh, when I, and I was using crutches, I'm walking again, which is great guys. So I am walking without Yay. the use of, uh, crutches or, or a boot or anything. So I am walking these days. I still have kind of like, I have a hitch. I still gotta kind of like build up the strength in my right calf. But, um, anyway, the worst thing about going to Walmart while that whole thing was going on is I had to use the, uh, the fucking little motorized <laughs> scooters and shit, you know? Oh, God. I was, I was literally that guy with like the motorized cart and shit, like going around. Part of it was, part of it was actually kind of cool though. Like people would like get out of your way and shit and like, like I don't know, you just like kind of like wheel around and you, I don't know, it's kind of like being in a go kart within a store, you know? I don't know, I still have my boot. I might just for the fuck of it <laughs> throw my boot on tomorrow and wheel around fucking Walmart. Oh man. Too bad you didn't do that at Toys R Us oh. for the last day. Oh, that would have been amazing. You didn't have one of those like knee scooters? You know, no, you I know. Those? Yeah, somebody sent me, somebody sent me like a picture. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, we've had him on the show before. Wally Bags sent me a picture of one of those little knee scooters. No, uh, I've used, I had to use, I had foot surgery, yeah. uh, like three years ago. Um, so I understand, like, the pain, like, foot, foot yeah. stuff is just bad. And foot, so I yeah. couldn't put weight on it for an entire month. So I ended up getting one of those, like, the knee scooter thing. Yeah. I think it was great. You know what I was using around my house to get around? I have an office chair with the wheels and I would just, yeah, I would throw my fucking leg on that and just wheel around the house. Oh yeah. That worked too. too. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh my God, it's so weird. Like now that I'm like, I don't know, I can walk again, which is awesome. Yeah. There was a stretch of like three, four months there where I could not walk. I just couldn't get out. Oh, that would suck. It does suck. <laughs> it does suck. It does suck. And it's like, to the, like right now, I don't, like, I had a dream the other night that I, when I was sleeping that I was running. And when I woke up, I was like, man, I can't do that. Like, I'm scared to run. I'm literally scared to run. There's, there's things that I'm scared to do because I'm scared that I'll, I'll rip it again. Like I, yeah, I, you don't want to go through that fucking torture again. Yeah, so like I, my doctor said to kind of like, stay, yeah, we're gonna get back to your advertised content, you fucking assholes that don't care about me and my <laughs> oh, injuries. Fuck everyone else. Like, God damn it. it. <laughs> oh my suck. god, I don't. I don't. No, just tell me the news. I don't want to know anything personal about you. God, like, like Jake, what if I, what if I died? <laughs> do you really get email? Do you get really get emails like that where people are like, stop talking about yourself? Like, uh, is that? I've, I've had a few. Oh, those guys suck. Well, fuck those guys. Like, that sucks. God, go, yeah. God forbid you have any connection, you fucking asshole. I don't know. It's like, like, I don't know. Like, what if I died? Jake is supposed to come on in the next episode and be like, well, Brian's dead. All right, guys, time for Marvel news. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> fuck me for trying to, like, you know, tell a little bit about myself. Like, uh, I like hearing, uh, God, I haven't played any i haven't read any emails in a while which i do need to read but um it's been i've i've gotten some great emails from some like newer listeners telling me about listening to the show and like what it's meant to them and stuff like that and it means like i need i need to read those i'm so behind jake i suck yeah yeah we need to do like an email special again we do we do um let's take a Let's take a quick break because we don't have a really a lot this week for Marvel news and DC news and Star Wars news. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be able to finish this up. All right. All right. Sounds good. 
making pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon Hey, we are back. All right. Uh, it's time now for Marvel News. Marvel News. All right. My beer count is at number six. I am at number six. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, you're killing me. I'm at zero. <laughs> I am at number six. I am proud of myself. Uh, so, you know what? I'm on my second Baja Blast. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, see. Luke Cage season two has come out. Uh, I'm gonna June. Are you watching Luke Cage season two? Yeah, I have just the last episode. Really? Of this season. Okay. Yep. I am on, uh, I finished, uh, episode eight. It's one of those things where like, I'll watch it when I have time, you know, and, uh, I'm just, I'm gonna give it a taste it so far for what I've seen. It's, uh, it's, it's okay. It's alright. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way too. It's a taste it. I, honestly, I was saying, like, I, I, I found it really hard to pay attention to the first couple episodes. Yeah. I don't know. My I just every time I tried to sit down and watch it, it my mind would wander. And then even now, like I actually did sit down and watch the first episode, but that was a week ago, and I have no idea. I can't remember what happened in that first episode. <laughs> like I cannot remember. I, I'm like I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, yep, can't remember exactly what happened. I can't remember if that was episode one or episode three. Like it just doesn't, it all runs together. And I will tell you that like the, the big highlight for me this season, I, I do, I, I am kind of like digging like the Bushmaster and all that stuff going on. Yes. I don't know that actor. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything before. I've never seen him before either, but like I'm also, this is the first season, like we've seen Luke Cage show up and Jessica Jones. We've seen him. You know, of course, in Luke Cage season one, we've seen him in Defenders. This is the first season I've really enjoyed Mike Coulter in the role of Luke Cage. Hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. I'll admit yeah, do you th- it. Do you think he got better? Or do, you, do you think he just kind of warmed up to it? I've warmed up to him. I, I like him as a person, too. Like, there's been some mm-hmm. off-screen kind of stuff that I've seen with this guy. I, he showed up on an episode of Comic Book Men. I've seen the way he've, he's interacted with the fans at different conventions. And I think that that's kind of like warmed me up to Mike Coulter. And I feel like he's having a lot more fun, especially in the first, I'd say five episodes of this season. I've seen his, seen him have a lot more fun playing this character. And so I've kind of really warmed up to Mike Coulter. I, I give Mike Coulter a Tupperware as his portrayal of Luke Cage in this series. Uh, everything else is pretty much a taste it. Um, 
you know, it, it was nice seeing Rosario Dawson in this season. Uh, it's been cool seeing the introduction of the character Nightshade in this season. Uh, Misty Knight is, I, I love, I do too. I, I love, love her. her. I love her too. It was nice seeing Colleen Wing. It was just kind of like they threw it, they threw together like her, you know, like her robotic arm real quick. Like we didn't, yeah, even, yeah we got nothing at like, you know, like Rand technologies or whatever like it was just kind of like one episode she came back and she's got it right well what do you think of Alfre Woodard like you know she was ended up being I guess kind of a villain in yeah. the second half of the first season yeah. I don't know she's, she's a little off-putting this season so far I don't understand like she something about the way I think she's a great actress like yeah. I like her as an actress but this season is it is it the relationship with her and Shades that kind of bothers no, you? No, it's like the way that she kind of like she's trying to have swagger, but honestly, it's almost like she's drunk all the time. Which I know she is drinking, but times where I feel like she isn't drunk, she's acting like she's drunk. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like like she's trying to be street, but I don't think she's pulling it off very well. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. I'm I'm fifty fifty on her. Yeah, it's um, like there are moments where it's good, but there are moments where I'm just like, it's cringy. It's almost cringeworthy. Jake, I know you've kind of dropped off the series. That's why I haven't asked you because I, I don't think you've even started it, have you? No, no, not yeah. at all. Steve, uh, yeah, the the whole Marvel Netflix thing is like kind of ceased to feel like an event to me. Okay. I'm honestly just kind of unless it's something really brand new and really fresh. I'm just I'm just kind of I'm done with it. I think. Okay, yeah, Steve, are you watching this at all? No, I wasn't a big fan of the first season, so I'm not going to jump onto the second one. Yeah, fair I'm kind of in the same boat as Jake. I mean, I I, I liked Daredevil. Um, I enjoyed The Punisher for the most part, and everything else has just kind of been a dud for me. Yeah, I'm going to finish the season. I am going to finish the season, but like, there's been other things that have like come out that I've been like, I, I've got to watch this instead. Like, of course, like I, I talked to you about. Glow season two. Like, I literally watched that within two days. I could not stop watching it. Um, you know, Nailed It came out. Like, as soon as I get done recording with you guys, I'm going to get back and watching, like, you know, these culinary fuck-ups make whatever monstrosities they make. <laughs> so, like, you know, but I, I will finish Luke Cage season two, and I'm going to give it a taste. I don't hate this season. This is, it's a positive, I have a positive reaction towards this season. It's not like it's terrible. It's right. just, it's not like must watch, must watch TV for me at this point. So, um, I, I mean, do- I do like the issues at right. I think it does have, I mean, it's pretty, it's very explicit. I mean, it's, it's right there in your face, but yeah. like it does bring up very serious issues, which I do appreciate. Do you think and that, I do like, do you, and you might be further along than me. So don't answer this if you don't do know the correct answer, but do you think the relationship between Luke Cage and Night Nurse is over with and that there might be some future romance between him and Nightshade? I don't think so. She's, um, yeah, I don't really understand. And I guess, cause I saw you mention something on, like on the Facebook page about the character Nightshade. I didn't even know that was a character, um, in her own right. Aside from, like, is Bushmaster, like, is that a character in the original comic? I don't know. It's not like I, I don't read a lot of, Luke Cage, but I, I, I am familiar with characters as far as like, you know, my comic book knowledge and talking with other people. So I'm familiar with Nightshade, but 
you know, I as far as Bushmaster's concerned, I would I would imagine that he's a character from the comic books, but I've never read any of like the Luke Cage versus Bushmaster story arcs. Jake, are, yeah. have you have you come across anything like that? Bushmaster doesn't yeah. sound familiar to me either. Okay. But yeah. I mean, it's I almost have to think it would be like it seems like too much of a like seventies comic book character name that they would have invented it today. It's a very it's a it's a it's a Jamaican character that's into like kind of like voodoo, right? So yeah, you know, kind of like this voodoo kind of like black magic, and that's where he get gets his powers from and things like that. So Let me use some power of Google. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, let's move on into uh, Marvel quick news. Uh, Kevin Feige spoke to comicbook.com and revealed that the Captain Marvel trailer debut is still a few months out. So we're still a few months out from um, a Captain Marvel trailer. So anybody that was thinking like, oh, San Diego Comic-Con, we might get a Captain Marvel trailer. It doesn't look like Marvel's going to be that much involved with San Diego Comic-Con, except for like maybe cloak and dagger stuff, maybe, you know, Iron Fist season two, things like that. But as far as like the movie stuff is concerned, they might be like saving that for their own convention. Yeah. We've kind of talked about that in previous episodes. They want their events to be at their own events. Yeah. DC is pretty much going to rule San Diego comic-con this year with, uh, Aquaman stuff and probably some Wonder Woman two coverage. Maybe we'll get our first look at Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, possibly. Yeah, I would not be surprised by that. That almost seems like a given. I think. But it's uh, so weird. I thought San Diego Comic Con was like the big one. Like of all of like these comic book conventions, like that was the not anymore. Not anymore. Really? Like Star Wars yeah. is pulled out pretty much and doing everything in their D23 celebration. And then, uh, you know, like HBO has 100% pulled out this year. Like nothing is coming from HBO this year. Huh. So I like it better this way anyway, to be honest with you. Um, everything gets its own event. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the culture that's kind of created by which company can have the biggest showing at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, you know, when it just becomes the giant, like, geek franchise dick-waving contest that it was kind of maybe going to become. I, I almost prefer it to where it's like, you know, here we got all this Star Wars stuff to talk about, and here we got all this Justice League stuff to talk about, and here we mm -hmm. got all, you know, or whatever. As a fan, let me be honest with you, Jake. As a fan, it made me so excited back in the day for San Diego Comic-Con. Couldn't wait for it. It was an event, and it was like, okay, I'm going to get my first Iron Man trailer. Oh, my God. And, like, going online, trying to find, like, the, you know, the people recording it while they're in Hall H and uh, trying to see, like, these new trailers for the first time. Um, it was an event for me. I loved it back in the day. Like, no, it, I, I was right there with you. Yeah, and I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. downgrade no, anyone's no, no. enjoyment of it all. Yeah. I'm not going to – but hold on. As a podcaster <laughs> – <laughs> I love the fact that they've broken it up this way. San Diego Comic-Con episodes for us back in the day when we first started doing this show were so nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> trying to find yeah, all the... Stupid. Yeah, like trying to find all the news for each and every panel that went down with San Diego Comic-Con was like, it was an Easter egg hunt for me. It was really hard those first two years. It's got a lot oh, easier yeah. over the last few years. Because, like, 
uh, I would have to, I was literally, guys, I was literally, like, Bleeding Cool did a great job of coverage of San Diego Comic-Con because they would live update each panel as it went by. Like, they had their press there in attendance with their laptops that were connected to the internet, and they would live update shit. And, like, trying to be, you know, like, somebody that's not at San Diego Comic-Con trying to, like, keep up with the news and, like, go from, like, panel to panel and keep up with these panels and try to keep up with the news and the news coming out, it was a fucking pain in the ass. So, like, as a podcaster, I love the the new, the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way it is now. Like, I don't, like, it, it makes San Diego Comic-Con so much more streamlined and easy to kind of handle. It's not the big event that it used to be. So, but as as a fan... It was it was a lot of fun. Like, here's the Marvel panel on Saturday. Here's the DC panel on Saturday. Here's the Walking Dead panel. You know, uh, whatever day it is now. So like now it's like you're getting like lesser properties getting Hall H panels. It's crazy hearing about some of the properties that are getting Hall H panels this year that like never would have before. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy how it's evolved, but. I agree with you as a podcaster. Because, like, like, yeah, man, one fucking Star Wars trailer gives us three hours of conversation, if not more. And then when you add 30-plus events like that from different franchises, then it's like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm just glad that, like, the coverage this year for San Diego Comic-Con will not be that, that difficult for me. It's mostly TV anymore. Yeah, you're right about that. Like, new shows that... Because it's so timed well that, like, shows that we're going to be, like, seeing in the fall, any of them that have any kind of, like, sci-fi bend to them, that's yeah. a perfect place to... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, did you guys hear that uh, Tom Hiddleston knew that uh, Loki... Uh, spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. Tom, uh, Tom Hiddleston knew... Have you seen it, Steve? <laughs> um, no, it's seen what? Infinity War? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was I was worried when I said that. I was like, was oh my god, hilarious. has Steve not seen it? <laughs> Steve doing his straight man comedy routine there. Because <laughs> I, I, like, I was going to stop. I was like, I was not going to say anything if he had not seen it. I, that's Loki, no. who is perfectly fine by the yeah, end. Totally fine. He's fine. Loki is good to go, dude. Um, totally, totally was a choked out. Totally spoilers choked out. for Avengers Infinity War, but Loki does die. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston revealed that he knew about Loki's death two years before Infinity War. Here's his quote at Ace Comic Con. So I've known about that scene for two years. I met with Marvel in May 2016, and they were actually telling me the story of Ragnarok with concept art and images. The Russos came in, and I introduced myself. So all four of us sat down, and they said, this is how Infinity War begins. He knew that his character was going to die two years before, before Infinity War came out. Yeah, he's no fucking Mark Ruffalo. He's no fucking Tom Holland. He kept that shit to the chest. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, Jake, like, that's impressive. Like, for, for an actor to kind of like know that he was going into that. Uh, yeah. do, do you think that it was one of those things where Tom Holland, not, excuse me, uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston, excuse me, uh, kind of was like, Maybe he wanted out at that point. He was ready to move on. So, um, kind of like, 
I guess his quote end game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't possibly. I mean, we'd kind of heard a little bit of rumblings of rumors like that in the past that we've talked about. But maybe he just did have such a rapport with the creative people behind the MCU that they were, you know, they trusted him in that knowledge and they sure. wanted the better performance of the foreshadowing of knowing what would happen from him and knew he, you know, yeah. he could take that knowledge yeah, and but you, you hear, build off of it. You hear stories about like actors that are in The Walking Dead as, and as they're, you know, and not just The Walking Dead, but other stories, but I'm using The Walking Dead as an example where they hit that actor. <laughs> With the knowledge that day of filming that their character is going to die because they want that emotion from them on that day. Like, oh, I'm sad that I'm leaving the show. So I'm going to hit him yeah, with this knowledge. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That's, yeah. that's an interesting perspective, too. I guess it's just a, a creative decision, right? I felt like maybe Tom Hiddleston kind of like was not, not that it, I'm not saying like he wanted out, but like they were kind of like, Ready to wrap up that, uh, that character and maybe like, you know, in Avengers 4 comes out, Thor dies possibly. Uh, out with the old and with the new is what it feels like to me. Um, so they just kind of let him know. I don't know. Tom Hiddleston's a great actor in my opinion. I know he hasn't done like fantastic stuff outside of the MCU always, you know, like I, I, I never, I can't, I can't judge him because I never did see, uh, the uh what was it the Hank Williams movie that he did with the country yeah. singer shit I never that saw- was that was the movie itself was not the movie itself was not very good his okay. performance was really good see you got but overall the movie but then you got like Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash and he fucking nails it right right no 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 yeah. I mean Tom Hiddleston's performance in um the Hank Williams movie I saw the light is the name of it yeah his performance was great really? he did amazing in that movie but just the movie itself was a dud. See, and, and then, and then he does stuff like Kong Skull Island, which is like, you know. Oh, that dumb TV show oh. he did. Oh, the, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the, what was that fucking thing that he did? I forget a stupid name. It was on yeah, AMC. It was house. on AMC. Yeah. What the fuck was that thing called? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No, I it's got. It's driving me nuts now, too. Yeah, like I, the, it was like the something. The something. The, the apartment? No. No. The informant? No, it's not the informant. The informant is a Steve Sodenberg, Steve Soderbergh movie. It's something like that bullshit, though. Oh, I'm looking it up. I was an, uh, yeah, a lot of our listeners know. I was an extra on the Steven Soderbergh movie, The Informant. They filmed right here in the town that I'm living at because the story took place here. And, That's uh, so cool. I was in a scene. That is cool. You can't. Hey. Yeah, I was on set with Matt Damon and, um, What's the actress's name? She was on, uh, uh, she was on, uh, ah. the, the Charlie Sheen series, uh, what was it? Two and a Half Men? Uh, I can't remember the name of the actress, but I was on set with Matt Damon and her, and it was, Matt Damon was in full makeup, and they made him look older, and they gave him like, he was balding in the, in the scene. And I walked right past Matt Damon and didn't know that it was him because the makeup they did on him was so good. It was, oh, that's crazy. It was unreal. It was so unreal. Um, yeah. They, you ready for the name of this show? Yeah. What's the name? The Night Manager. Yeah. The Night Manager. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh, Jake, I have that AMC screeners account where I can watch like the AMC stuff that's coming out before it comes out. And like, they still have the night manager on there and I've never clicked on it. <laughs> oh man. He was also in the Del Toro bomb that almost fucking blacklisted him from Hollywood for a moment. Oh like, yeah. Uh, Crim- Crimson, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, that movie was so weird. Jessica Chastain was in that too. Yeah. Yeah. Crimson fucking Peak. I saw that in the theater. Everyone involved with that movie had to like fucking reform after it. Yeah. Mia was yeah, Mia Isn't that her last name? The one that played the like his wife or whatever. I can't remember. She was in yeah, the yeah. she was she was in the new like the the new Alice in Wonderland movies. Oh god, you're acting like I enjoyed those. No, I didn't <laughs> like those either. Oh, I only watched the first one and that was no. Uh, Kevin Feige talked with io9 and he gave us some details about Spider-Man Homecoming 2, which is now officially titled after Tom Holland jokingly showed his iPad where it gave away the title Far Away <laughs> From Home. It's called Spider-Man Far Away From Home. They know that Tom Holland is the guy that spills the spoilers. So as a joke, they had him flip around his iPad and people, of course, got screenshots of like what the title was on that screen. It was all played for fun. I thought it was pretty fucking brilliant. Yeah. But uh, it was funny. Kevin Feige said, well, when when does that movie take place? We know it's the summer. I think it's summer vacation. I think he's going to Europe. His uh, with his friends. I don't know what summer. I mean, I do know, but you don't. Um, so, some okay. Here's the thing. He's trying to play it like, oh, we don't know when it's taking place. But something that we reported last year that we haven't been bringing up, Jake, in our discussions was the quotes by Amy Pascal about this film. When she talked last year with fandom, she said. What I think we should focus on is this Spider-Man who started in Civil War and then has this movie and then will be an Avengers movie. And we are starting now the next one, which will start a few minutes after Avengers 4 wraps as a story. This Spider-Man Homecoming movie, we've reported on this before. I can't believe we didn't fucking remember this shit, Jake. Amy Pascal's quotes were... This movie starts a few minutes after Avengers 4 wraps. And Kevin Kevin Feige confirmed this. He said, what better person to hold your hand and lead you into the next incarnation of the MCU in a grounded, realistic manner than Peter Parker? So phase we've, four. We've talked about we've brought that up a lot. We have, but we didn't bring it up when we last talked about when... You know, like this whole fucking like marketing problem that Spider-Man's going to have after Avengers yeah, 4 wraps. Because we talked, we talked about how normal people don't know that, but like us, us geeks like already know that it's the first movie that takes place after Avengers yeah, 4. Yeah, but we, we talked about that I, we didn't, to I, how they're going to We didn't it. quote say that it happens literally minutes after Avengers. This movie literally the takes minutes place part, no. minutes after Avengers 4. Yeah, the minutes part we did not talk about. We did not talk what, about. What is that? That's, that? that's really crazy, though. What's the significance of it just being minutes after? Like, there has to be some significance to that, right? Like, what? 
what thing happens that you want to see what's going to happen two minutes later. Stark, Stark's funeral. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Hey, I mean, Steve, yeah. did we have a funeral for you? He's still alive. <laughs> no, I'm here. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I had my, my mic muted oh, for a second there. You're fine. I was just, I didn't know if I needed to start saying a eulogy for you there. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, excuse me, Spider-Man Far From Home starts filming in two weeks, by the way. I just wanted to mention that, but... Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, what they're going to do with Mysterio. Super excited for that. Did you know that all the titles for these films are going to incorporate the word home? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, home, oh. Homecoming, this one's called yeah. Far From Home. I'm hoping that Spider-Man 3 in the MCU is called Spider-Man Home Alone. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's it's Joe Pesci and uh, and Daniel Stern and Daniel Stern, the voice of Kevin from the Wonder Years, trying yeah. to break into Spider Man's home. I mean, and, and he's like, "This is my I, yeah. home, and I have to defend it." Yeah, take my money, and I am going to caulk everything in my home. <laughs> I'm hoping that the one after that is fucking Spider Man Homeward Bound. Oh, and that's where we get the spider pets. Spider pets. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so it's gonna be good stuff, man. Got to cross the Rocky Got to cross the Rocky Mountains there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so many opportunities with the home thing. How about uh, Spider Man stealing home and he's playing baseball? It's just a fucking baseball I'm game. I'm in. Spider Man Homeland. Spider Man Homeland. <laughs> Go meet up with uh, Claire Danes and <laughs> espionage, yeah. CIA thriller. Oh my, Claire Danes. Hey, uh, June, did you watch uh, My So Called Life? Did, were you of one of those? Of course, I did. I oh, was God. a teenager in the nineties. Of course, I, I did. know. I know. I had. <laughs> I, I I had an okay back when I, I think it was I was sixteen and my girlfriend at the time. Loved that fucking show. And all I heard about was her and her sisters talking about Jared Leto and Claire Danes and this fucking show. And I fucking, I refused to watch it until, <laughs> until my twenties and when they replayed it, I think on like, uh, on a, on some network. And then I secretly watched it and secretly loved it. Yes, it's really good. It's so good. It only aired for two seasons. One season. It got canceled. No, one, like yes. One season. Yes. It was another one of those freaks and geeks where it gets canceled after the first season. Yes. And I think, God, it, it's such a 90 show too. Like oh, the, it's so 90s. I never got, Jared I never, Leto. I never watched Dawson's Creek though. Never watched I it. I didn't either. Never watched it. James Vanderpeek's forehead was just too big for me. <laughs> a five head. No, I, I love my so-called life. <laughs> oh, it was so good. My so-called life. Oh my God. It was so good. Jared Leto. Just a, just a pretty man. <laughs> So pretty, so pretty. That just show. such a pretty little boy, isn't he? He was a big heart. That was a that was one of the heartthrobs of high school years. Yeah, just a just a pretty pretty man. Light blue eyes. All right, let's talk about Jared Leto. Sorry. We're talking about no, we're talking about Jared Leto. Let's talk about him again. THR had an exclusive on Wednesday about this pretty little man, 
And uh, the article was Jared, <laughs> Jared Leto, pretty little man, in quotes, to star in Sony Spider-Man title Morbius. And Daniel Espinoza to direct. The project is based on anti-hero Morbius, the living vampire. Jared Leto, who played the Joker in Suicide Squad, is looking to add another comic book character to his resume. The Oscar-winning actor has signed on to star in Morbius, Sony's latest entry into its Marvel-based Spider-Man-centric universe of characters. Daniel Espinoza, the Scandinavian filmmaker who helmed Safe House and last year's sci-fi thriller Life... Uh, Life, which was actually like before Life came out, the Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. People were thinking that this could possibly be a prequel to a Venom film because uh, it had a lot of similarities. Jake, we talked about this on the fucking show. Um, yeah. Daniel Espinosa is going to direct the feature project that has a script by B- Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama, the duo who created Netflix's Lost in Space remake. The project is based on anti-hero Morbius, the living vampire. Morbius is Dr. Michael Morbius, a scientist who suffered from a rare blood disease and attempted to cure himself to disastrous results. Instead of being cured, he became afflicted with a condition that was a form of vampirism. The thirst for blood, along with fangs and super strength, and fought Spider-Man. Over time, however, he became a slightly heroic figure in his own right, and even headlined his own comic book titles. Um, Jake, Morbius, and you know this, Morbius is one of those characters that was created around the time of uh, when the comics code was implemented, where you couldn't have dead characters like zombies or vampires in your comics, so their way around that was to call him Morbius, the living vampire, because he wasn't ah, dead. Ah, loophole. That was a loophole, because <laughs> they, they they beat the comics code. They were able to throw a vampire into their comic book, but they called him a living vampire. His heart had not stopped beating. So that was their way to get around the comics code. Uh, Variety talked about... Uh, yeah, well, t- let's talk about this. Um, I... When I first saw this article, I all I could think to myself is, "What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> what? Like, what is going on? What world am I living in? This is absolutely insane. I, uh, I don't know what to think about this. This is like, this is like telling me that this is like telling me Channing Tatum is going to play Gambit. And so part of me, part of me has, part of me has to see this happen." Jake, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't... The whole vampire thing, like, doesn't really entice me too much. Like, if I'm going to think objectively, though, like, it's good casting. This could be good. This could make a lot of money. I mean, I could really see Jared Leto as the kind of wasting away Michael Morbius character. And, you know, this this could be okay. This could be better than a train wreck, I guess. (laughs) But it's still something that I personally am not too excited for. How much blood are we going to get in this, man? Like, is this going to be rated R? Are we going to see, like, he's the living vampire, and uh, he has a thirst for blood. Like, are we going to see Jared Leto in a comic book movie eating, like, drinking blood from human characters? And, I mean, are they going to go full, are they going to go, like, hog wild with this shit i mean like when i think of a vampire movie i think of a lot of blood like think of like you know interview with the vampire think of like 
a, like really good vampire movies. Like it's disturbing to watch anyone drink blood. It's just like, there's that scene, there's scenes in interview with the vampire where like Tom Cruise is like putting his charm spell on women. And the next thing you know, like you see their blouse fucking just like pool up with blood. And it's just like, Oh my God, this is so gory, but my God, this movie's amazing. Like, like Jared Leto, number one, looks like a vampire. He could be a pretty vampire, right? Like you throw Jared Leto into interview with the vampire, that Anne Rice fucking movie from back in the nineties with Brad Pitt and fucking Kirsten. He fits right in. He's a vampire. Yeah. They had, who did they have back then? Who's that? Who's that? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Well, who's the pretty Mexican? Antonio Banderas, the prettiest Mexican man alive. And they threw him into that movie and he was, he was, he was another pretty little vampire that he fit in like, Jared Leto fits into that world, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, my God. So, like, I don't know, Jake. Like, are you going to be able to do a comic book vampire movie and shy away from the blood? Or are we going to have – is this – dude, like, are they going to go hog wild with this one, man? Like, I – part of me – like, I – if we're going to get a fucking vampire movie, go full vampire. Like, I want blood. I want gore. I want – you know what I mean? I want to see – that's what I want to see. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be super kind of boring and needless any other way. I, I'm pretty much with you there. So, yeah, let's hope that's the direction they're going to go. Like, I feel like why get Jared Leto, too, if you're not get, getting ready to do some, like, serious, like, you know, R-rated stuff? Steve, what are you thinking, man? Yeah. Like, um, I, hmm, I, I have a strong taste for Jared Leto. I don't like him. Really? Um, Really? uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, What did you think? I I loved him in that. Okay. But, and I I really liked him in um, chapter, uh, was it chapter 27? Was that, is that what it's called? No, Mr. Nobody. Oh, I've never seen that. Uh, it, that one was more of like an independent one and it's, it sort of deals with him living three different timelines. It's a really good movie. Um, but like, I don't, I, I don't know. He's just, he seems such a, like, ah, I don't know. His, the, the, the method acting thing, the, he takes it to levels that I think are unnecessary. Um, and I just, I don't know. I feel like he, he, could be a great actor a lot of the times, but I feel like a lot of the times people just put him there, and then then it's like, oh my god, he's so good. Like I don't know, he just he, I really hated him in uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was watching Blade Runner. I was hoping for the same type of villain that we had from the original, and it just I didn't get it, and didn't I don't know I. I, I know it's not the popular popular opinion, but yeah, I'm just not a Jared Leto fan. No, it's fine. Have you ever seen Chapter 27? I have not. It's got a horrible kind of like, I don't know, it's got a horrible IMDb rating, but it's about Mark David Chapman. He plays Mark David Chapman, the guy who murdered John Lennon. And, okay. you know, he put on, I think he put on like 50, 60 pounds or something to play the role of Mark David Chapman. Oh, it's pretty, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I've seen it. It's a pretty good movie. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where like, I, 
what is it? You know, the machinist with, uh, fucking, uh, Christian Bale where he lost all that weight. Like, I don't know how much, how, how, how much we should revere these actors for putting on weight and losing weight, but it is, it hmm. does show some dedication. I will say that much, but is that, it, isn't Christian Bale doing Dick Cheney? Didn't he put on a ton of weight to do that? I think so. That's yeah. coming out Christian soon. Bale is playing Dick Cheney. Yeah. Uh, and he got fat as hell for he's it. He's like thirty years younger than Dick Cheney. Uh, yeah, makeup and prosthetics. Yeah, and... I guess. Well, yeah. Think about like Gary Oldman. Uh, what was That's that true. movie? Yeah, that he it was in the Winston Churchill movie. Yeah, the Winston Churchill movie. And that. Oh my god. That. Oh god. What an amazing performance. And like the makeup. Yeah. The makeup crew yeah. did a great yeah. job. I don't know. Like Morbius. I, I feel like Sony. I don't know. I don't know. It's. It's weird. Like, it's like, I, well, the, you know, they were talking about Silver and Black with, you know, Silver Sable and Black Cat and, and like that movie may or may not happen now. And it might just be a Silver Sable movie at this point. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing different rumors. And then of course, like the Venom film coming out and like, uh, there might be a Tom Holland cameo in the Venom movie. Like, will this Morbius movie tie in with the Spider-Man universe at all? Is he going to be an anti-hero? What is it? What is going on here? I need to know more about this. And yeah, it could be good on yeah. surface, you know, but yeah. who knows, you know, I was, but when I first read this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like he's, he's the Joker and variety talked about this. And if it was going to affect his role as the Joker and, their quote was Leto has been busy setting up a film slate that includes a, a solo joke, a solo Joker movie at Warner Brothers. Sources say that this film does not affect that role. So, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. You could be a vampire Joker. <laughs> God, I don't know. <laughs> you hear reports of him trying to bite the necks of his castmates. <laughs> oh yeah. No shit. <laughs> Method actor there. Yeah. He was doing some weird shit on the set of Suicide Squad, like sending sending people weird condoms and yeah, like yeah, it's weird shit. Gross. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like, why? Why is that necessary? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I only want to give the pass to uh, to what's his face. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis, like I, I only want to give him the the method actor pass, right? Yeah, like yeah, everybody. Brando, Brando was method actor too, wasn't he? Brando was a lunatic. <laughs> he was a fuck, but he's a fucking great actor. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he was. He was a little, yeah. He was he was cuckoo in the head, but still. Yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, fucking uh... Daniel Day Lewis, though, yeah, that man. Yeah, he but, like went to be. He like learned how to sew for the Phantom Thread movie. <laughs> like, did you watch that's that? Awesome. Oh yeah, it, I liked it. A lot, oh, I so. liked it too. I liked it too. Like, it's but, a, like he apparently like went to learn how to sew. That's unreal. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get sick of like uh, method actors. Like people just throwing their names out as method actors. Like Shia LaBeouf is now a method actor. Ugh. Jake, do you remember? Would you remember when we recorded? <laughs> I know what yes, you're talking about. Yes. Already. What's his name? What's his name? We did. Um, oh. we, me and you did an episode, uh, and it was a bonus episode. We did that 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 movie that had all the wrestlers in it. 
What was that called? What, what was that guy's name? It was where the guy was trying to. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the movie. It's the either act, I know it's the actor from the Forty Year Old Virgin. Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. I have this, cl- Jake. I have the clip somewhere. I will. I need to play this sometime. I recorded that clip like off air. That. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, guys have seen the hilarious, and he told us about his method acting. Yes, he was really uh, arrogant about it. Oh my god! Uh, okay, hold on. Let me look up the actors. Uh, it's it's the guy. Yeah, Jerry Bednop. Jerry Bednop from the Forty Year Old Virgin. He's the um, he's the Indian actor in that movie. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Okay, and he's okay, like, yeah, yeah. He's the which idiot. one, the older one or the, the younger one? The older one that was talking about the older one. The older one yeah. that was talking about like, uh, like was a butthole yeah, pleasures, shit stained balls, or shit whatever. stained balls. That yes. guy. Me and Jake, we inter- we were going to interview him, and we did get him on the episode. Like there was a movie that he was in, like a short indie film comedy. Roddy Roddy Piper was in it. Diamond Dallas Page was in it. Like. A bunch of Alex Klein was in it, who had a small role in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We interviewed the director. We interviewed Alex Klein. And then Jerry Bednob was going to be on the episode. But, God, he didn't know how to fucking use Skype. So, like, we 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 barely had Jerry Bednob on the episode. But, like, if I, I – and so, like, we – we, I clicked on Skype and had him brought on and he didn't realize that I was recording and he was saying like, um, when we talk, I, I definitely want to talk about how I am a method actor. I'm a method actor. And it's like, dude, you're Jerry Bednob. You're the guy that talked about butthole pleasures and 40 year old virgin. Like, <laughs> dude, he totally sounded arrogant, right, Jake? Oh yeah, it was hilarious. We were laughing our asses <laughs> off at that. I have that clip somewhere. I need to find that and play that. Yeah, did you ever watch? Uh, awesome. Did you ever watch Californication, the David Duchovny show on Showtime? No, I've I heard, saw some of it. I've never seen it. it. So Rob Lowe um, has like he's got a he's like a supporting role. Like he kind of shows up here and there, but he plays an actor in Californication. But like he's a method actor. And, like, so you kind of see him throughout the season, but there's one season where, like, he pops up and, like, he was in this, like, movie where he was, like, a gay, homeless, like, drug addict. Mm. So, like, Rob Lowe, like, he's going, he starts explaining, like, as a method actor, like, everything he did to prepare for that role. Like, he actually did go, like, was homeless on the streets. Like, suck the guy's dick for heroin. Like, shot heroin. It was, like, it's Rob Lowe just being, it's so great, though, but just, like, he rattles off oh all gosh. of this stuff that he does because he's a method actor. Oh, my gosh. We, it's cool. Uh, we, Jake, we haven't, we haven't interviewed, like, many famous people on our show, but it is cool. Like, I, when I, when we did, uh, interview the sketch comedy group, the birthday boys back in the day. You weren't on that one, but like I actually, okay, AMC, IFC did the show, the birthday boys. It was a sketch comedy group and they ran two seasons on IFC and there was a story that they told on the episode that I did not initiate. They told it on our fucking episode that I recorded with them and it was Bob Odenkirk was like one of the, showrunners for the show he kind of like found these guys the sketch comedy group they came out of like the united citizens brigade the ucb you know what i mean that comedy troupe Mm -hmm. Uh, upright citizens brigade excuse me yeah and um 
he, uh, I've been drinking guys. I apologize. So, um, <laughs> but so anyway, like the guys that we had on the show, they were talking about how like Bob Odenkirk, like there was a sketch that they wanted to use in one of the episodes and IFC was like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And Bob Odenkirk had to like fight with the network to get that sketch approved. And so like we, I'm recording this, like I'm talking to them. I'm talking to like, there's like three members. It's me and Frank. And we're like talking to three members of the, you know, the, the sketch group, the birthday boys. And they're telling me this whole story and we get done with the whole interview. And then like, I'd say like literally like hours later, I get an email from IFC and they're like, uh, could you remove that from the interview? Yeah, this, wow. ha- this happens. Like they asked that's me. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They, they said, could you remove that from the interview? Like they didn't want any, like they didn't want anybody to think badly of IFC. Like they, they, that they didn't want that, uh, that sketch aired or something like that. They didn't want anybody to think bad of IFC. So like me being kind of like naive and, you know, just so happy that I, cause I didn't contact IFC, like any interview that we've ever done. There's only been one interview that we've ever done on this show that I've contacted somebody for every other interview that we've ever done. I've had them contact me like Daniel Wu with AMC and you know, like, uh, the, oh, the movie was called The Bet that we, that, oh, there you go. Yes. Uh, that had, uh, uh, Jerry Bednow. Everybody else has contacted me for an interview. I don't go out of my way to look for interviews. That's not this show. That's not what the show's about. It's about me and Jake and just about us talking about whatever. But like, they asked me to remove it and I did. I removed it, but I still have the audio. And one of these days I am going to play it. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Yeah, because they're trying to censor. I mean, I don't know if I totally agree with that. I mean, they're trying to censor you. Well, the thing was, the thing at the time was, it was like I was just so happy that like IFC. Oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, IFC, That's, I kind of yes. dick on their. Like they're being dicks on their part. Yeah, like IFC, the network was like, oh my gosh, like we want to have these guys on your show, and they, like, they gave us the option of having all seven of the birthday boys on the show, or just like three or whatever. I just said three, any three that you want to throw on would be great. And it was fun. Those guys were fantastic. And like, these were stories that they were giving us. Like they were just giving us this story about how Bob Odenkirk went to bat against the network and saying like this sketch, I'm going to fight for it. This sketch needs to be in this season of the birthday boys. And, uh, they didn't like it. They didn't like it. And they, they, they sent me any, I should find that fucking email and read it yeah. off and then fucking, I need to play that audio. I still have that audio on a USB drive. I, I kept that. It's yeah. weird. Like the, all this, I, I don't have many of these stories, guys. So like these stories that I do tell, it's not, you know, I don't have many of them, but it's still kind of cool. Like, that's really cool. That's really cool. To, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the guys from the birthday boys, I'm not talking anything bad about them. Those guys are fantastic. They are fanboys. They, they had jokes about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're into all the same geek shit that we are. Those guys coming out of the Upright Citizens Brigade comedy troupe are just fantastic. Fantastic individuals. And it was a, it was a blast talking to them. I, I had a blast talking to them on that interview that I had. So, 
Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, let's skip DC news. It was basically just Kevin Feige talking about how he's going to, I don't know, fix the DCEU. But <laughs> oh, no one can do that. He was basically just saying, look at Richard Donner, Superman is the paradigm. So I want to, I do want to end our show though on, um, Star Wars news. Yeah. Star Wars news. I'm Jar Jar Binks. Ha ha ha. Whatever. Um, you're not my father. Whatever. Um, <laughs> best bumper ever. Best bumper yeah, good. ever. Uh, the Sun, which is basically a tabloid paper, I believe, that originates out of the UK, said that Kathleen Kennedy would be fired possibly as the head of Lucasfilm and that Bob Iger was just looking for a replacement. Uh, but nobody has stepped up and they haven't found the right person to take over as the head of Lucasfilm. Uh, Grace Randolph then from, uh, Beyond, Beyond the Trailers filmed a video and gave information saying that it came from sources deep within Pinewood Studios. Her quote was, there was a call, a secret conference call with all the top Star Wars brass in attendance. The kind of call where apparently security guards stand outside the different conference room doors and then make sure that no one eavesdrops. But here's the kicker. Top brass are not only Star Wars, but also Marvel and Pixar were also on the call. But listening only, likely at the request of Bob Iger, who wants their advice on how to fix this shit show. And yes, he does know it's a shit show. Evidence? The word that he wants Kathleen Kennedy out. He actually does, but nobody will take her job. Several have been approached, but turned down, including J.J. Abrams, who turned it down flat and didn't even hesitate. Deadline reported, guys, so that's her quote. Deadline reported that there were rumors of Kevin Feige being asked to take over the reins, to which Kevin Feige actually responded to those claims in an interview with Slash Film, he said, "No, only in my backyard. I'm only in my backyard with my action figures. So basically, he's only playing with his Star Wars action figures. He's not taking over the Star Wars universe. So, I my question to you guys is: Do you think that Kathleen Kennedy should be fired? Let's. And I want I want us to look at what people are griping about first before I get your answers. Number one. The underperforming box office of Solo, a Star Wars story. Number two, Kennedy hired Gareth Edwards for Rogue One, and he was silently taken off the film, and reshoots were done by Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy was one of the writers on the the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, Josh Trank was fired from Boba from the Boba Fett film, the original film. After the uh, Fantastic Four fiasco, we, we years ago we heard that he was sick before San Diego Comic Con. He was going to have a panel there with Lucasfilm. We heard he was sick, and we bought it, Jake. Part of us, kind of us, part of us bought it, and part of us were like, "Oh my God, he, is he fired?" Like we, we, we were fifty fifty, weren't we? Yeah, definitely. We were skeptical. We were skeptical. We, part of us thought that he might be fired, and it came out to be true. But um, Colin Trevorrow who is writing um, the film along with his longtime collaborator from Jurassic World, Derek Connolly. This is, I'm talking about Star Wars Episode Nine here. Colin Trevorrow was writing Episode Nine with a uh, longtime collaborator from Jurassic World, uh, Derek Connolly, who uh, Lucasfilm 
Lucasfilm wanted to fire Derek Connolly while they were working on episode nine. They didn't like what he was doing, apparently. And they wanted to bring someone else on to help write episode nine. Colin Trevorrow said, no. Derek Connolly's my boy. We worked on Jurassic World. We worked on, you know, I think, I think they worked on, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. He said, no, he wouldn't bend. And eventually they ended up firing, firing Colin Trevorrow. And then finally, Chris Lord and, uh, Chris Lord and, uh, Phil Miller refused to leave the production of Solo, a Star Wars story. They kept, okay, here's the thing. They kept filming while Kathleen Kennedy looked for a replacement. And that turned out to be Ron Howard. And I, I think people kind of like, Jake, I think people kind of like always wonder why it took them so long to fire Lord and Miller. And I think it's, I think there's two things here. I think like these guys are high profile. And I think that she wanted, she originally, Kathleen Kennedy originally wanted them to do what Gareth Edwards did, like silently leave the film, but still be listed as the director's for it overall while they had a different director kind of like stand in and finish the film for them. But yeah, they have, they have a name to uphold. They yes. really, like th- their big fans would know that wasn't their style at that point. Right. And but they're not going to tarnish their own name for something that they have no control of anymore. Well, they, and, and yeah, they didn't want any part of that. They were like, if we're going to do this film, you hired us for this film. We're going to, we're going to finish the film. We're not going to be a Gareth Edwards and just like let, Tony Gilroy or anybody else come in here and finish this thing for you. And but Kathleen Kennedy didn't want to cause any panic with like, you know, like people that were going to go see this movie and think that like, there's problems on set. So, and also like these guys filmed 70% of the film. So there was the chance that they would want director credit unless Disney then reshot most of the film, which is actually what happened. And mm-hmm. that other director would then get credit. So, and also, I, th- I think they didn't want to make Disney didn't did not want to make the announcement that Phil Lord and Chris Miller had been let go until Ron Howard was hired. So they had to get the, all that paperwork signed, had to get the contract signed, and all that stuff. Um, so they they basically kept they had to keep Phil Lord and Chris Miller shooting and doing their day to day stuff until they got like you know Ron Howard in there, and they didn't want fans and people just to think that. They had lost total control of the film and that was bound to be a failure. Like that can put a bad taste in people's mouth. So like literally like when we found out that these guys had been fired and let go, like literally like moments later, we're finding out like Ron Howard is on the project. And that's kind of, yeah, it's a crazy situation. It's, it's like, I, I, I don't know, man, I'm really mixed on this because like with the chapter films, I'm very, very satisfied, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I found. I've got two more things that I want to talk about as far as oh, like, re- no, you're fine. As far as like reasons that people like are wanting Kathleen Kennedy out of there. Number three, I think some people blame Pat- Kathleen Kennedy because they just didn't like The Last Jedi. I didn't like it. I didn't like what happened in that movie. Get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. Like it's as simple as that for them. I didn't like The Last Jedi. I didn't like what happened to my characters. I didn't like Rose Tico. I didn't like what happened to Luke. Get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. And then number four, I think there's a segment of Star Wars fans out there that are just seg- sexist and uh, want her gone because she's a woman. And I, I think that's sad to say, but I think it's true. 
Yeah, and they blame her for the like propelling main female characters in the current chapter Star Wars movies. Right. Like they kind of see those things as going hand in hand. I'm and, in. Uh, I am in the camp. I'm just going to stay. I want you guys to tell me your God's honest opinion on this. I am in the camp where I think that Kathleen Kennedy loves Star Wars. I think Kathleen Kennedy loves Star Wars and wants the best for Star Wars. I don't think that she's always made the right decisions. I think there's been some kind of crazy things happening with some of these directors that were brought in. But I do think Kathleen Kennedy loves Star Wars. And I do think that Star Wars The Force Awakens was a success. I do think Rogue One was a success. I do think The Last Jedi, in my opinion, was a success. I do think Solo, a Star Wars story, was a little bit of a setback. But you know what? The Force Awakens, huge box office. Rogue One overperformed, in my opinion. Like, fuck, Force Awakens overperformed. Rogue One overperformed. Nobody thought it was going to make that kind of money. Last yeah, Jedi did. Exactly. Re- Last Jedi did really good. I think she can afford to have one fuck up here with uh, with Solo. I don't think it's. I don't think that people's opinions on I didn't like the Last Jedi, so Kathleen Kennedy's got to go, or uh, Solo underperformed by millions of dollars. Uh, you know what? The Force Awakens made up for that. Way it way it made up way. For like whatever the fuck, I think you can afford a solo the Star Wars story fuck up when you when you're yeah. making the kind of money that the Force Awakens is making. I think Kathleen Kennedy loves Star Wars. I think that she's, I think that some of her decisions have been very reactionary to like what's going on on set. But I think all in all, she's trying to protect what's going on here with Star Wars. So I I, I think I I think uh, I don't think that she should be fired. No, I'm with you, Brian. I, I, she loves Star Wars. Has she done things that piss me off? Yes. Like, yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of Lord and Miller. Yeah. I still really would have liked to have seen what they did with Solo. But I mean, she still has promising stuff like in the pipelines too. Like, I'm still excited about the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I'm excited about the, uh, the D and D, the guys from Game of Thrones and what they're going to do with their movies. I mean, we know that's yeah. still coming. Um, and, and furthermore, I, I, I'm not, a hundred percent sure i i've read these articles too um a couple of the sites i've seen them come from are sites that i wouldn't be beneath them to post stuff that may have come from just propaganda sources so i this feels like a lot of hearsay well, i mean i'm telling um, i'm telling you that the, the the first rumor comes from the sun come on Right? Oh, I know. I yeah. But exactly. see, Jake, Jake, Jake. I, I, my problem. I cosmic book news. I'm not saying you're misreporting. Oh, me. I know. I know. My problem here is why isn't Lucasfilm refuting these claims? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's uh, it, this just started happening in the last like three, four days. I started seeing these reports from a lot of these sites, and it's very possible that they will very soon. Please, why not now? Come on, just give me a goddamn tweet. Something. Yeah. Because it, it feels like the longer this goes on, the the more it might be true. Right? Yeah, that's true. But uh, you have to wait for someone besides, I think, The Sun or Cosmic Book News. Yeah. Like, an actual reputable, like, nerd news site to actually 
start talking about this stuff before like honestly they shouldn't be start responding to everything the sun says and I, everything I know I know I know but like it's not like it's just the sun reporting this it's also like I've heard like collider talk about this from those reports I've heard slash film talk about this from those reports it's and they're basically saying like take this with a grain of salt I'm not saying anything against those media outlets I'm just saying like they're they are saying like you know, asterisk, take this with a grain of salt, but still like it makes you worry if you, if, if you feel like that she shouldn't be out of a job, like why hasn't Lucasfilm responded to this? Um, June, do you have any thoughts on this? I think that someone in her position, I think it is a thankless job because you're never going to make everyone happy ever. And I mean, I, I'm in the same. I agree with you and Jake. Like, I do think she cares about. I, I don't think you can be in your in her position and not actually care about. She's one of the only holdovers. She's one of the only holdovers, Jake, from the original Lucasfilm company. Like, she's, oh yeah, she's been with Spielberg and Lucas like her whole life. Exactly. Like, people don't understand that. And I just think it's just. I think no matter. I think it's a very unfair. And you're right, Ryan. I mean, the whole thing of like, you know, so you have one bad movie and you get to get fired. I mean, that's just like, fuck off. You know, these, or, 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 it's just like these college yeah. football coaches, right? Like, you know, like you win national championships for your school, right? And then you have one bad season and then they trade, you know, like they fire yeah. you, bring someone else in. Like, yeah. you're not allowed one bad season. Yeah. Yeah. Got to shake things up, right? Got to shake Always. things up. Always. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy is like, a legend like the movies she's produced some of the greatest movies of like all time right you know like she cares like, et and yeah. fucking she, jurassic park she cares about star wars and i think like yes some of the, her decisions have been reactionary but like we're not on the other end of those conversations like yeah jake i agree with you like the phil lord and chris miller thing did bother me too and it makes me worry about some of the decisions that are going on in lucasfilm like but you know, like we did have Ryan Johnson do what he did, and so that gives me some. A lot faith. of that sounded like Kasdan's hissy fit too. Yes, it did. Oh, absolutely, Jonathan Kasdan and uh, Lawrence Kasdan with their screenplay, and you know, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller not going word for word verbatim and going off script and things like that. Steve, you got any thoughts on this, man? Um, I mean, I don't know. It 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 seems like that's it. To me, it, it it makes sense that that's ha- happening. I mean, I do I do I agree with it? No, not necessarily. But um, yeah, I guess that's just kind of the way it works. When you, when you got the like one of the biggest franchises in in Hollywood, and you're churning out a movie that doesn't that underperforms as bad as like probably Solo did, and then is as divisive as The Last Jedi. I mean, that doesn't necessarily look good to the bosses. Like they would rather see. You know, a hundred percent of people liking it than fifty percent of people liking it. I feel like there's been more of a witch hunt here for Kathleen Kennedy within the past past two weeks than there was with Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Are you kidding me? I I feel like I don't get me wrong. Like I don't I don't necessarily agree with with the 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 decision to do that and and like not say anything about it or just to leave us kind of hanging there. But at the same time, like I, I understand, like that's the that's kind of how it works in that in that part of the industry, I guess. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very Transfer. it's very bizarre. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they announce it. But I, I, I don't think they're gonna pay any attention to it, at least until after episode nine. If it's even a real thing. Yeah, this'll be uh uh, yeah, this is crazy. Like, I can see this happening either way, Jake. I'm with you. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did get the announcement that Kathleen Kennedy has, quote, I'm, I'm throwing up air quotes, step down from Lucasfilm, when honestly, she's been pushed out. Yeah, for sure. It'll be, I think they'll, when it happens, if it does happen, we won't know the full scope of it, but I 100% agree it'll be that kind of thing where we'll be made to believe that she's put her mark on the thing and now she's done and passing the baton but the, she stepped down and ron howard's taking over uh no, please no. ron <laughs> no. ron howard is going to continue what he's doing at imagine entertainment so you know i mean i i hope that i'm hoping that we get like god i i really want like the disney streaming service when it comes out to like announce a like a, a willow tv series and ron howard's involved you know um you know, imagine entertainment and Lucasfilm team up and it's, it's a Willow TV series. And I think that would be fantastic, but we'll see. I, I just, I, you know, like if Kathleen Kennedy gets fired, I'm not going to be like jumping for joy. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. I can't wait to see who gets to fill her shoes. Like I think if anybody's yeah. been able to do it, it's, it's a holdover from Lucasfilm. She's, she does her job. She's done it well. She did it really well for, the first three movies. And if anybody like, you know, like, I don't know, like to, for her to, for her to go through like the Phil Lord and Chris Miller fiasco and still be able to like get Ron Howard to work on the film and kind of like patch it up and do what he did is still a testament to like how much she cares about star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I, you were talking about Ron Howard. Yeah, getting Ron Howard in there to, you know, I mean. Yeah, you got a name. It's, yeah. it's not like you just like threw like whoever the fuck, some TV director that was in between seasons to fucking get this shit done. Like yeah. they definitely build a name next to it. And it's not, you know, she didn't burn that bridge with, like Lucasfilm didn't burn that bridge with Ron Howard. That's a bridge that he's had since American Graffiti working with George Lucas. And then that continued with Willow. And here we are 30 plus years later and it's still a rela- a strong relationship like there's still some strong relationships in Hollywood and and Kathleen Kennedy was like probably one of the main reasons that Ron Howard did this as a pretty much as a favor I mean, his career's you know like his name's on the line here too with solo and he's happy with the performance he's like this is the biggest biggest movie i've ever had as far as like box office return yeah that's <laughs> crazy i didn't even think about that fact of it yeah, it's so wild. Yeah, I guess he just doesn't do big, 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 big like popcorn blockbuster movies like that. And the ones he has tried to do have kind of been flops. My biggest problem here, Jake, is the fact that Kathleen Kennedy has given us three movies that performed pretty damn good. And the first failure she had is this solo movie. And people are like, basically, it's like we've got witch hunters with pitchforks now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, it's and just like I think the Trevolo stuff, and there's lots of stuff for the fucking trolls to fucking attack and latch on to as reasons. But at the end of the day, I think Steve uh, hit it on the head. It's about it's about money, unfortunately. And if 
you know, she continues to executive produce movies that don't perform up to, you know, what they want or what they expect and, you know, universe build in the way that they want, then she very well may find her way out the door. I'm telling you, though, that uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens and Rogue One both, in my opinion, overperformed. They made oh, yeah, way yeah. more money than they probably even projected. So, but shit in Hollywood. I know. know what, what have you done for me years lately? Ago, that might as well be twenty years ago. I hear you. What have you done for me lately? I get you. I get you. All right, guys, we are done. This is it. I've got no more. We've gone on way too long. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eat and go to bed. Yeah, I want to thank uh, June. Thank you so much. I'm sorry this has gone on so long. You're probably dying no. over there. No. I'm fine. <laughs> Go ahead. I've been, I've been, dude, I've, Sounds I've, like I've, you're holding her by gunpoint when she said that. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm thinking that I've had lots of drinks today. So it's probably why I am so fine right now. Oh, I know. I know. I, I killed, I killed, <laughs> I killed, I killed, I killed six. So yeah. Uh, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Steve from the Space Cowboy podcast, not the Space Boy podcast. Steve. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How can our listeners find you, man? Um, they can, uh, I mean, you can probably find me on Facebook, but yeah, Space Cowboy Podcast, uh, is on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Space Cowboy Pod. You can email us and you can find us on iTunes. There's, there's that. Um, the email is just the show title at gmail.com. So that's easy. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're actually, uh, this week is, uh, episode 50 for, for my show. Congrats, man. 50. Congrats. Yeah. You've gone on a lot longer than a lot of other podcasts who just kind of like die. They die, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's like, it's somewhat therapeutic getting together every week with friends and chatting about a movie. I mean, sometimes we, we just talk about whatever we want to talk about instead of talking about a movie, but we still, it's like it's a it's a nice like little break from what we normally do every day to get together and just chat for two hours. You ever talk about snacks and cookie dough and red velvet? Uh, <laughs> we, well, we've we've talked about some very odd topics, <laughs> just to say the least. My husband uh, ruined it in the middle by trying to get a soda. You know what? Your husband is the <laughs> no. Hold on, your husband is the MVP of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he is the MVP of this episode. It definitely wasn't us. He yeah. tried so hard, and he was like, "I'm going to be so quiet. I promise." No, he, <laughs> he needs. He needs seriously. He needs. I don't know. He needs a statue commemorated to him. So he is a great, great man. No, he lets you be on the show with us, and we greatly appreciate that, June. Because like this is your third episode of PCL within like within like two months. I know. You become you're you're almost the mainstay of the podcast at this oh, point. Oh gosh, <laughs> you've got no no you've got you have got Steve beat by one whole episode. How's that feel? Wow. And I, I have literally I have met Steve. I have looked Steve in the eye, face to face. Steve, are you in Michigan? Is that where you're at? No, I'm in uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So I, knew, I knew it was one of those. Side of like Michigan. Yeah, I knew it was one of those M states. You're you're north of Chicago. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, about 90 minutes away. Uh, 
as Alice Cooper would call it, Millet Wauke. Wayne's World. You brought up Dustin Diamond earlier and yeah. the, the shit with him trying to, trying to or actually stabbing somebody at a bar. That happened like maybe 45 minutes away from where I live. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some yeah, guy. Like I, 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 it's a hop, skip, and a jump to the bar that that happened at. Some guy was like uh, saying some shit about <laughs> Screech's girlfriend or something. There was a little bit of a hustle and a tussle, and uh, Screech stabbed a guy in a bar, and then Screech was yeah. in prison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Dustin yeah, Diamond. Yeah, that, happened, that happened not far from me. That's crazy. Absolutely. All right, guys. Hey, uh, we will be back next week for episode 240. I want to thank June. I want to thank Steve. You guys are, uh, Steve, you're one of my favorite people to have on the show. I really enjoy oh, you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that. And I thank you for letting me be on the show. Steve, you're a fucking, yeah, Steve, you're great. You're great. You're a great. You're a film lover. And you know your shit. I enjoy having you on. June, you are so fun. You are so personable. And uh, your husband makes great background noises. I w- <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Mute, mute button management classes yeah. coming though before your I next know. appearance. And, All right. And your lovable. I'll, te- I'll teach you the art of opening a beer can with the mute button. Okay. <laughs> your lovable canine <laughs> with a squeak toy is absolutely charming. Love it. <laughs> I know. Now he's playing with this Weeble Wobble treat toy, and I don't know if you guys can hear it, but he's just decided to be super loud right now. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I'll tell you that much. All right, guys. (laughs) We will see you next week with episode 240, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hopefully, uh, I know we have a great guest with us next week. I won't reveal it, but yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, episode 240. Uh, Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap!